Are you like me? Do you like a good wig? Of course not. I found that out. Because now it looks like Frank's Wig Emporium is having its going out of business sale. So yeah, just wanted to thank all the patrons that came down. All, uh, all zero of you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out and checking out my fucking wigs. Really appreciate it. We're cutting the prices on all of our wigs because we are forced to. Because I am being forced into bankruptcy. So come on down and rifle your little hands through my entire life savings. All my dreams. So buy my dreams at rock bottom prices. Come on down to Frank's Wig Emporium. If not, if you know what, if I'm not here, if I'm just hanging from the rafters, just take what you like. Just have at it. You know, we still have a wig for every occasion, even even when your when your dreams are shattered. I'm using this wig right here to uh, wipe up all the tears of uh, my failed business. I'm using th- this wig right here, that one right there. Yeah, that one that'll pick up the pieces of all my shattered dreams. That's a good wig for that. Oh, that wig right there? That wig's leaving me like my wife left me. Oh, bye, wig. Bye, wig. Thanks for thanks for 30 years. So come on down to Frank's Wig Emporium where you can watch a man's soul die. Free hot dogs for the kids. Thank you. Episode 58. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the Leftovers. Leftovers. All right. So, yeah. Hey, we're back. Hey, what was the music this time? Last week, Jurassic 5. What was that this week? Was- uh, two weeks ago, Jurassic 5. Two weeks 5. ago, Jurassic 5. That was uh, Public Enemy. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, bring the noise. Nice. Can I make a request? No. Uh-huh. You can, but I'm probably not going to take it into consideration. Can we do Tribe in a future episode? That's Tribe my, Called Quest? Yeah, that's my all-time favorite. I love Tribe. Uh, it's my favorite. Yeah, dude. I, I, uh, I went to a uh, Bloodhound Gang concert, and they sang Scenario. Yeah, I saw Tribe during the... I saw Beastie Boys and Tribe back-to-back during the uh, Check Your Head Low End Theory Tour. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. I love Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, Good I love, shit. I know every lyric to Scenario. 
Do it right now. Ready? ready? It's yeah. Bo knows this, and Bo knows that, but Bo doesn't know Jack, because Bo can't rap. Neither can Jake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you know? The Didog is first up to bat. No batteries included, and no strings attached. And then, I'm not doing any more of this, but... <laughs> I'm not Chris Pratt by any means. It's impressive that I know the lyrics, but I still can't sing them with any quality whatsoever. I can do Sir Mix a lot. I like Big Butts. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Or Baby Got Back, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. I can. Maybe I can. I'll do that in a future episode. Nice. Yeah, we need to do a hip-hop collaboration. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Um, blah, blah, blah. Real quick. Uh, yeah, Frank's back. <laughs> Hello. I thought we were. God, that was fucking. Weird. Get in there. <laughs> Last week I was like, "Hey, I, I know," and that, that was ridiculous. But you got to find some medium. You went from being like this boisterous <laughs> to hello, like right. you, like you hello. sound like yeah, you sound like the Walmart greeter. What the fuck is up with that? Get in there well, a little week bit. I was all all. Uh, I know you excited. need. To, I know you need to find a medium. This week you sound like you're at a funeral. Hello, right? I was I, I was acting like. Uh, it was pretty close to my first time. I looked like I was coming off to the side of it. Hello. Are you still talking about Hello. talking into the mic or are you talking about something else? You <laughs> no, talking, I'm talking about the talking mic. Talking about being in Uncle Petey's basement. Whoa. Being tied to the radiator. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? I don't understand here, Frank. I'd have just uh, pulled the coffee pot down and then popped the cables off and burned the, uh, the thing off my wrist like Walter fucking White. <laughs> I, I didn't know where he was going with all that. I had no I was idea. just as confused as I, you. Uh, I don't know. Have, you guys... Well, I know you haven't gotten to, in, into Breaking Bad, but like Frank, just stop, just stop. <laughs> Somebody out there knows what you're talking about, and maybe they can tell us what you're talking about yeah, later. Yeah, I, I just got through an episode where that happened, so yeah, I just got through an episode of listening to you rant about something that I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so. That happens every week. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. All right, uh, no, welcome back, Frank. I'm just fucking with you. No, I know it's good. Thanks. I'm, I'm always like trying to figure out how to like. Start because you guys do your thing, and I'm just kind of waiting, and I don't know, you know, really where to. Yeah, we we throw you to the wolves. We take our breather, and then we just throw it to you. Right, right. (laughs) But uh, the the Bloodhound Gang, they were. uh, I can't remember the name of the the song, but it was like "Sweat Baby, Sweat Baby, Sex is a Texas Drop." You and me do the kind of things that only Prince would sing about. So put your hands down my pants, and I bet you'll feel nuts. Okay, come on, everyone's a rapper all of a sudden. With, no, but with, <laughs> with him, it's always dealing with something with genitalia. Yeah. Hey, all the, the time, gang. all the time. No, you could sing any other song that the Bloodhound Gang sings. That's the only one I know. And it has to do the yeah because it deals with genitalia. <laughs> I remember the scene. CD uh, said place tongue here. I bet you were so upset when <laughs> sex education finally happened. And they and they really it was it was it was nothing about the actual dirtiness of you know <laughs> I don't know bumping uglies. It was just uh, about the science behind it. It was just the science behind the it. The video that we watched was pretty freaking lame. They Frank like that- showed up that day with like his hustler magazines. <laughs> <laughs> and, and playboys and he had like diagrams he showed up with the kama sutra he's ready to go and then the teacher's talking about you know all this other shit and frank's just no. like oh man i don't care about any of that true story though like, what, are we talking about eggs now what the fuck is eggs. this culinary class <laughs> what the hell's going on here oh man this train is derailed i remember in the video <laughs> they were talking about the penis acting like a bridge that the sperm could cross <laughs> that, was, that was a fifth grade Wow. Choo choo, motherfucker. My actual sex talk was my dad going to the family video with oh, me and man. buying a porno and saying, here, here's how you do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Yeah. What do you remember the name of the porno? Oh fuck no! <laughs> I, did, I didn't even watch. I it. remember the name of my first porno that I ever saw. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. It was the Girls of Cell Block X. <laughs> Holy shit! This is like '90s porn. Back when they actually had like a story and shit. Like, yeah. It's not this new fucking porn where it's just like you know they okay here's a guy and a girl and then they just go you know like they're sitting at the, by a fucking like uh, swimming pool in, right. in L.A. you know some director's house in his backyard and shit. Yeah. yeah. They just hit record and and then they demean the women in the new one. I hate that shit. Like, no, this was just like this was a nice little prison story, you know. And you had some women and the girls, the girls of Cell Block X, and they needed some loving, and they needed some loving from the guards. How ironic that it was a uh, Cell Block X, and <laughs> that they needed some loving. It just and it's an X-rated movie. Right. Everything just worked out it's perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Like, if anybody has a copy of that, I would like to go back to that. I would love to see that once again, just one more time. My first porn. Thinking That's about my first porn. <laughs> Thinking about that sounds 90s. like a play school. Thing. Yeah, Fisher Price, my first porn. <laughs> I, oh man, I was like, I think I was like twelve years old. My eyes were glued. <laughs> I caught uh, Weekend at Bernie's the other day while I was waiting for some finish to dry. We went from porn and to Weekend no, at Bernie's. No, no, no. If you start talking about necrophilia, <laughs> what? No. That's where no. I thought he was going I with this no, too. When, when the girl walked, and I was in, thinking, <laughs> like towards the beginning, when the girl walked in and she was in her bikini, I was looking at her and she was really attractive and and hot and it's crazy how our ideals have changed in what probably coming up close on 20 years now uh this this woman who you know is extremely attractive by my standards they would consider her fat now yeah yeah i mean she had curves in all the right places but you'd never see something like that or or someone you know that size in a current movie it's kind of sad yeah well, Frank's on a whole different topic yeah, now. Yeah, he is. He went from well, like, now we're talking about Hollywood fat shaming. Well, it's, no, no, no. It's the ADD because like Brian said something about the 90s and he said they actually had – and I he was going into like the plot and I was thinking they actually had like a bush, which got me into thinking of a woman's freak. They had a bush. What are you they did not. About? They were. They did not shave as closely then. Oh, oh gosh! In, in the okay, Frank, I'm, I'm, I'm muting. <laughs> All right, I am muting your mic. We need Denzel Washington to get to save this train. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Um, let's see. I'm going to be answering a question that was written from listener Basil Terabishi about the ending of Snowpiercer at the end of the podcast after the end music. All right. It's about the end of it. Yeah, I don't want to so hear. It. I don't want to spoil. I don't want to hear that. Okay, I might just record that at home then. Yeah, I don't. I want to see that fresh, untainted. Uh, yeah. Shout out to my clanmate though. <laughs> untainted. I don't want to watch it with Frank. Exactly. Either. <laughs> that's where I was going. I think Frank's already tainted the entire podcast, but that's Sorry. besides the point. I, I have an announcement before we get into good pop, bad pop. No. Uh, yeah, we're not even close to getting into good pop, bad pop. Okay. Yet. Okay. What's your announcement? My, well, my, <laughs> like, looking at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> this episode comes out on Monday, probably. And then we have a uh, leftover birthday on Tuesday. I yeah, that's one of my announcements. Yeah, it's yeah. it's our fearless leader's birthday. Fearless. Brian, who? It's your birthday, right? What? That's what your Facebook says. Oh, my Facebook? Yeah, your fake profile. Oh, my oh. fake profile. Yeah, I made that up. That's your made-up birthday? <laughs> I don't know your real birthday, you piece of shit. <laughs> I am a man of mystery. You're going to shout out my birthday? I was going to shout out your birthday. I thought it was your birthday. My, my fake birthday's coming up, everybody. <laughs> it's your unbirthday. Come on, let's sing me happy fake birthday. A very merry unbirthday <laughs> to you, to you. A very merry unbirthday to you, to yeah. you. All right, yeah, yeah, so I do not have a birthday coming up. <laughs> so, no, yeah. Yeah, I, I, 
Yeah, you know, I'm not going to give out that information. I'm going to be man of mystery. Man like, of mystery. Yeah, I like it like that. All right, I see how it is. Well, I tried. Yeah. No, uh, we do have a birthday coming up, though, in the Army. I wanted to uh, wish leftover listener Dana Sparenberg a oh. happy birthday. Yeah. So, yeah, Dana Sparenberg and, and Kevin, they got married. They wanted to, like, they announced, you know, their engagement to us. And then, you know, we, we announced their, you know, the, the, the merging of these two leftover listeners getting married, you know, bonded for life. And uh, I think it's awesome. Now it's, it's, it's Dana Sparenberg's birthday. I don't know if it was, like, today or coming up this week, but I wanted to wish her a happy birthday. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Happy birthday, Dana. Um, I, she was commenting on my bag of candy that I posted, and I think we were both driving each other crazy talking about candy there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Happy birthday, Dana. Well, we should come on. What? So, uh, let's sing it. Very merry on birthday. No, it's, her, it's her actual <laughs> we birthday. We need to sing it. We All need right. to sing it. All right, let's do it. All right, this is for you, Dana. Happy, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dana. Happy birthday to you. And many more. Bada bum boom. All right, so yeah, happy birthday, Dana. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing. Um, how was everybody's week? <laughs> Great. <laughs> no. Yeah, Jake, you had a shitty week. Talk about your week, Chief. Oh, man, I, lo- I lost my contents in my wallet, and I had a flat tire. I-, I left my wallet at the counter, got carted for a pack of cigarettes, took my ID out, and then um, took off, and then um, called the station back in the morning, and they said they had my wallet, but all the contents were missing. I only had 28 bucks in there and I, and my debit card, but it was all gone. So, yeah. And then two days later at work, I come out of work to a flat tire, and I have road hazard on my tires, so I get free tire replacements. Right. But the place I have to get them from can't get the tires until Tuesday, so oh, it sucks not having a car. Where are you getting it done at? Uh, tires Plus. Gotcha. Okay. You don't got a donut? No, I don't have a donut because I blew a tire about six months ago. And, like, drove my donut to the ground before oh, I had the shit. money to get it replaced. Yeah. And by the time I got it replaced, like, the donut was just, like, unusable again. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? How do you – this is not the place to ask, but how much is a donut? Is it cheaper than a regular tire? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it would have to be. I mean, <laughs> worst case scenario, you could go to someplace like Neil yeah. and the junkyard, and they'd have them maybe, like, 10, 15 bucks. All right. I'm sorry. Even I'm, fa- <laughs> even I'm falling asleep now. <laughs> how was your week, Frank? Uh, it was pretty good. I uh, ended up with a lot more time on my hands than I thought I was going to. And uh, that, that Destiny game I've been obsessing over came out Tuesday. I knew so we'd be talking about Destiny. It's all, it's, it, Frank's, that is it's my week. Frank's destiny yeah. to talk about Destiny. Yeah. I tried to get Brian to make me $5 that you talk about Destiny, and Brian's like, no. no <laughs> I'm not taking that, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much what my week was comprised of was playing that. And then uh, I got a uh, clan going. You posted the... The request for that. Is it the PCL clan? Yeah. Nice. Well, I actually named it the Leftover Army. Uh, even better. And, uh, yeah, so it's actually an official clan through Bungie.net. I was worried when you said clan for a second. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, we've, we've got uh, two members already, so we're actually listed as an official clan. We've got uh, Basil and Rodrigo who joined up. So Nice. How yep. many people can you have? What's the max total? 
Uh, I don't think there's a cap on it. I think the uh, clan with the most people is a public clan. You, there's no approval needed to join, and mm-hmm. it's over like 20,000. Nice. Well, let's get all 33 listeners on the clan, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so good times. Yeah. Um, so I uh, – what was it? I went to bed Friday night, woke up, and my remote for my dish is not responding to my uh, satellite, my uh, receiver at all. Okay. So I thought, like, oh, okay, it's just the remote. I've got another remote. Yeah. No, it's the receiver, and so they got to ship me out a new one. The whole receiver went down. The whole receiver, like, it works. Like, it'll. Wa- I can watch like the channel it's stuck on. Oh God. And then, like, when it records something, if it switches channels, I can watch whatever channel. <laughs> so, like, I am at the mercy. <laughs> I am at the mercy of like whatever I record. For, like, that's what I'm watching on TV. And whatever channel it'll be after whatever the show channel. you record. Yeah, oh. so, like, I recorded something on Adult Swim, so, like, all morning it was, like, stuck on Cartoon Network. Yeah, it could have been worse. Do you have a big backlog on your DVR? But uh, the, if the yeah, remote doesn't it. work, you can't access the I DVR can't access either. Anything. Well, right, when they switch that out, though, you I lose, lose it. all it. Oh, that I know sucks. this. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm totally aware of all that. Yeah. Oh, I, that blows. I, this is the second time this has happened oh, to me fuck. with Dish. What was your percent? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, the first time that it happened, there was a lot more. I, I I was using up a ton, and like this time, I I wasn't using as. I think I had still had like twenty eight hours left of like HD programming to download, and uh, you know, I lost I lost a ton of shit though. So I'm gonna have to go back and see if I can watch some of it on demand. I got an idea for you though. Um, check out uh, this thing called Simple TV. It's a standalone DVR. And then you wouldn't have to pay the lease fee that I'm sure that that dish makes you. Yeah. And then you've got it, and then there's a warranty on it. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it also has, like, cloud storage, too. Do they make you pay a monthly subscription, the standalone company, though? Simple TV, no. But uh, TiVo is still around, and if you get one of their DVRs, you do. I used to have an old Pioneer DVD recorder that had free basic TiVo included and that went down on me years ago. So oh. I would I would have been using that cuz I do pervert TiVo over just your standard DVR. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, oh, DVRs they're the greatest invention since sliced bread. Yeah, but fucking Dish Network's going to refund me like 3 bucks. What? Yeah. And and they're like, "Oh, we'll give you Cinemax free for a month." And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "And then you're going to charge me the next month." <laughs> and she's like, "No, I'll set it up so it turns off. Guaranteed it fucking they charge me for for a month of Cinemax." Oh, man, you got to call call and go ape on those people. They can't hang up with they can't disengage with you until you let them disengage. I I just feel so defeated when <laughs> I talk to these people anymore. It's just like, god, I don't know. Yeah, either way you go, Comcast is no better. Right. So, you're fucked either way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could go back to DirecTV, but like even their receiver like would get like really hot on me. Okay, like I could cook it, and literally I could cook an egg on it. Oh shit! It got that hot. I had to put like a fan on this thing before they sent me out the new one. Hmm. So God, fuck, fuck all these companies. (laughs) All right, all right, good, good pop, bad pop. Let's do it. Oh shit! Why do I always fucking do this? (laughs) I gotta pull up the whole thing where I can play. (laughs) Whatever. Good pop. Bad Bob. <laughs> I'm still. God damn it! I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, you missed the first part of it though. It's time for more leftover reviews. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like you introducing yourself last week. Oh yeah, pretty much. Hi, hey everybody. Hey, hey. How this are week, you doing? hello. Yeah, he- hi. Hello. Is it me you're hello. looking for? Yeah. <laughs> hi guys. Yeah, that was a. Total- <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey guys. I think the game sounded sound like on my mic. Kip from the Nap- <laughs> like Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> when it, I guess you could say it's pretty serious, you know. <sighs> All right, we'll just wait for this to pop up whenever it wants to. Good pop. Oh, Frank, do the intro part. I forget that again already. It's time for more <laughs> leftover reviews with good pop. Ding. Yeah. Bad pop. <laughs> All right, I'm pausing because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, we're back. Um, yeah, before we jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop, which we had some issues with, um, which we seem to have issues with every week. <laughs> um, me, and Frank, me and Frank got your back for that oh, yeah. intro. We're, yeah. We're, we'll get that down. So, Jake, you have an announcement. Yes, we are going to do our Scotchbox drawing for the free month subscription to Scotchbox. All right. Um, I wrote everyone's name down that did the requirements on Twitter and Facebook. We've got two separate bags, one for Twitter and one for Facebook. And I'll have Brian draw one and Frank draw the other. So everyone knows since I set all these bags up, everything will be on the on the good, on the square. Yeah. Um, also want to point out that there's a lot of people that entered both ways through the Facebook and the Twitter. And that is fine. We said that is acceptable. But if just by chance we pull out the same person out of both bags, we'll pull out a different person for the second bag. So the same person cannot win twice. So let's get that. Let's get this shit going. Yeah, same person can't win twice. Yeah, gluttons. Yeah, seems, seems <laughs> fair enough. I I feel like if I didn't say that, let's do Twitter first. I like the audible shaking of the that yeah. that that's legit. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do the Twitter. All you did was like really just j- jiggle them around. You really didn't mix them up you, all that well. You put your hand in there and, and I'll mix separ- them up. Mix them up, separate them up, all and right. just pick one random one. You okay. don't know nothing from nothing. Yeah. All right, this is the uh, right here. That is the lucky winner. This one right here. All right. All right. Do you want to announce? You can announce it. Holy shit. Yeah. I, and I love this guy, too. Yeah, let's hear it. Great listener. Rob Sousa wins. There you go. Rob Sweet. Sousa. That was uh, – was that one the Twitter one? Yes. Yeah. All right. Congratulations, Rob Sousa. You have won uh, a free month of uh, Scotchbox. Yeah. Rob Sousa, he's one of our uh, PCL live tweeters. And he also has contributed to our website. He's uh, done some articles. Oh, that's right. He just did the movie review for uh, Sin City recently. Which was fantastic. A great review. So thank you, Rob. You are the first winner for Twitter. So right. thanks for playing everybody else. On the Twitter side, now we still have Facebook. All right, Facebook. So, Rob Sousa, I know you're in here again, too, so no doubles. And I'll let Frank, like I said, just stick your hand in Mix there. Mix it around first, Frank. Mix it all around. They kind of folded in on each other a little bit. It's probably pretty good, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Just grab any old random one. You don't You don't know. Just pick one. All right. Got it. Got it. Okay. And for Facebook, <laughs> it's my buddy, Bezel. Basil Terabishi wins. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Nice. Good job, guys. And yeah. so we'll uh we'll send your addresses. You have to give let us know um your information and then we'll give it to Scotch Box and I believe you'll be getting the October box. Yeah. Should they just shoot us a message on Facebook then? Yeah, yeah, just shoot us a message on Facebook. We'll I'll contact Scotch Box and find out what they need to know. Um but probably you should just let us know what where your shipping address is. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, and we'll um just in case they don't listen to this right away, we might we might announce this on Facebook even before this episode publishes. Or should we wait it? We should wait. I want to know when these guys listen. Yeah, let them be shocked. <laughs> right, exactly. They're loyal listeners. They'll hear this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, if anyone hears this before they do, shh. Yeah. Yeah, keep it on the down low. <laughs> All right. Uh good pop, bad pop. 
It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. <laughs> now I'm having I'm having other issues. So good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week or weeks that we either watched or read that we either liked or disliked. Sometimes throughout the show, we will rate things. And if this is, if you're new to the show, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. <laughs> the rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, so that's how we rate it. Good stuff. Toss it, taste it, Tupperware. All right, first story is just really awesome. I, I, I had to read this. If, if you haven't seen it, it's just amazing story. I, I'm really loving this. Um, a, a three-year-old, his name is Raiden Kahey, wanted an Iron Man hand, and last week he got it. The Maui boy called Bubba by his family was born with amniotic band syndrome, which left him without a right hand. Although he did find with just one hand, his grandmother, uh, Rulin Wakaiki, uh, Wakiki, told Hawaii's uh, KHON that when Raiden noticed his little sister had two, he wanted another like hers. A uh, prosthetic hand cost as much as $40,000. Mm. Uh, and a growing boy like Raiden would have to be refitted regularly. However, several months ago, Waikiki made a discovery online. Thanks to 3D printing technology, a mechanical hand could be constructed for just $50. Wow. That's nuts. And with help from Enable, a network of passionate volunteers using 3D printing to give the world a helping hand, Raiden's Iron Man hand didn't cost his family a penny, and it's even red and gold. Uh, I was getting ready to ask, by Iron Man hand, it's actually modeled to look like Iron Man's hand? No, it, it it looks like a prosthetic hand. Okay. Um, looks mechanical, almost kind of like something that you'd see in like T two, you know. But with it's red and gold. It's got those colors. Gotcha. So um, the arrival of the new hand was captured on video, and uh, that is on the internet. Um, as soon as he put it on and he was able to close the hand, his face just lit up. Uh, that's what his grandmother said. I'm not sure if the video, you can hear it on there, but he does say, I can hold my own hand. That's awesome. It's very awesome. That's cool. And they've already started to make uh, prosthetic Wolverine hands for kids oh, now. No. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And they are using the claws. Oh, no. Yeah, but they're rounded and they're not going to hurt right. anybody. But I just <laughs> thought that was very cool, you know, for these kids that, that, that do suffer from this. Yeah, they get better hands No kidding. when they get Wolverine hands. Yeah. They won up us. Yeah, snicked, man. Yeah. Fucking A. It's awesome, dude. <laughs> Love it. So I just thought that was a very heartwarming story. Frank, I didn't hear anything about you from you about this. Are you a cold-hearted son of a bitch? No, man. I'm sitting here saying it's cool. All right. So, yeah, very, very heartwarming story. I just thought it was really awesome. Yeah, good stuff. I'm, it's nice to see those kids get, you know, get help like that and be excited about it instead of just more depressed. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm kind of behind on the... 3D printing stuff, what material is it made out of? Does anybody know? I have no idea. Like the know. scientific side of it. Yeah. Like how what the like some kind of plastic, I assume. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. I I I'm kind of curious. I need to start checking this shit out because if this is the kind of stuff that they can do with that, it's such a reduced cost. That's fantastic. I agree. Yeah, 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's awesome. Yeah, that shit will be way more expensive in the future, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, the printing itself will be... the Okay, yeah, I think you're right. Like, the material yeah. and stuff like that will be more expensive. But, I, like, the printers will come down in price to where it's, like, consumer level. But, yeah, I think the cost of, like, the material is probably going to go up. Just like, you know, printers with, like, ink cartridges. And it seems like the people that did this for the kids were kind of being charitable and yeah. just did it at cost for these kids. Yeah. Like, when it becomes something you actually buy for medical science, I right. can't imagine it being sold to you at cost. Yeah. And if you're programming the thing, I mean, you got to know what, you know, how it needs to be designed. I think the real price at the end of this is going to be... On the intellectual end, the people that know how to program it for, you know, what you needed to do. Yeah. I've seen all kinds of neat stuff with those um, digital printers yeah, that people have done. All right, guys. Uh, next thing. Jake, Frank, I dare you guys to guess what my next topic is. Is it a movie? All right. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to double dare you. Okay. Is it a movie? No. You're going to double dare me? Yeah. Is it about Alex Summers? Alex Summers. Isn't that the host of Double Dare? <laughs> it is about Mark Summers. Oh, though. Mark Summers. Oh, the host of Double Dare. Oh, I was close. Oh, Very close. Mark Summers, uh, next was going to be a physical challenge. I said Alex Summers. Oh. I said Havoc instead yeah. of the host of... Uh... Physical challenge between you and Frank. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. What the hell would that be? I don't know. Arm wrestling or something? Well, I've got the slide with the whipped cream set up back Whoa. here. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Summers, host of Double Dare, wants to bring the show back. I grew up... Like you, I'm sure, watching Double Dare as a kid back in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, in fact, I don't know a single kid who did not watch Double Dare growing up. Oh, yeah. I love Double Dare. I was always sitting there screaming. I'm like, I could so do this better. How come you can't see the flag? When yeah, they're doing the obstacle yeah, course at the end. Yeah. Um, it had everything that you could ever, you know, wanted in a TV show as a kid. There was, uh, you know, fun trivia questions. It had fun and gross physical challenges. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't know the answer to a question, you could dare the other team. And if they didn't know, they could double dare you. And then it comes to a physical challenge, which I always thought the physical challenge was like the most fun part to watch. Yeah. That in the end part. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the, 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 obstacle, the course. obstacle course. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, uh, the physical challenges and, and the obstacle course, they usually involve, you know, like colored water or buckets of slime, ropes, rope ladders, anything that they could use, really, and slides. It was a lot of fun. Big hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah, big hamster wheel. Um, big nose that you could reach into oh, yeah. and, and pull out a like a slimy flag. The ones where you had to, like um, Frank was saying, where you actually had to physically find the flag, those were always the ones that fucked everyone up. Yeah. Like yeah. you'd fly through everything, you'd get to that one where it was like the nose or the burger or where you actually had right. to physically find the flag. and it was. Or just... they had the, uh, like the, the ball, like the whole ball area, ball pit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and you had to find it in there. Or like the big, like uh, they had like a swimming pool full of like, you know, I don't know, something that looked like ice cream sundae or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. crazy, yeah. Mark Summers is talking about bringing the show back, but now with a different spin. He was talking to the Huffington Post when he dropped this quote. I think it would be fun to do it for colleges. Think about it. The people who grew up on our show are now in their 30s and 40s, and they have kids, so you could do a second generation. Um, now, there is a problem with this, though. Summers isn't on good terms with Nickelodeon. They aren't really seeing eye to eye with the reboot. He said, I've been trying to make nice to those people, but they refuse to talk to me. I think they think I'm way too old to do it. I still have the energy, and I think I could. So I'm putting a call out to the folks at Nick. Return the phone calls. Have a discussion. Now, my question to you guys is, would you guys want to see this rebooted? Yeah, I would like to see that. Um, I think that um, 
Nickelodeon is essentially CBS Viacom. So if he wants, I, I like the idea of going to colleges, and instead of having it on Nickelodeon, let's put it on CBS. Let's give it a shot at CBS at like 7 p.m. on a Friday or something. All right, Frank? You might not expect to hear this out of me, but going, being that they'd be going to colleges, do you think there'd be too much temptation for them to push it edgier or towards raunch eventually at all? Well, I... I don't think you're going to be pulling flags out of butts, but yeah, who knows? I, I can know. see where you're going, like a little bit some wet t-shirt action with yeah. some of the physical challenges and the right. final obstacle course. Instead of being in like t-shirts and stuff, they have the girls like being bikinis. I don't think that. I don't think um, the guy. I don't think Mark Summers is a perv though. I don't think that's his right. angle here. Yeah, I don't think Mark I don't think he's going. Yeah. Girls gone wild on Double Dare. Woo! Well, that's Mark, <laughs> Mark Summers motorboat and some, you know, no, 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 yeah. well, Nickelodeon's not seeing eye to eye with my girls gone wild on Double Dare. I guess what I'm thinking is, is like if Nickelodeon doesn't pick it up, if somebody else reaches out to him to give him a go ahead, yeah. eventually, because it is all about money and sex sells, if they would try to push it that way, I wouldn't want to see that. I just feel like Nickelodeon and MTV are both CBS Viacom. It's just one entity. I don't understand. I can see why it wouldn't be – we're saying kind of the same thing. I can see why it wouldn't be appropriate for Nickelodeon, but I right. still think the company should maybe bite on this. I think it would make money. I'm, I'm gonna, let me make my point here real quick. Let's hear it. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of these old shows come back and fail. Yeah. Okay, it happened with American Gladiators, which was a show that I loved growing up. Yeah. You know, and they showed it on like a Saturday afternoon when nothing else was on. Yeah. And uh, I just remember you know, watching that all the time. Uh, they brought it back a few years ago. And it lasted one season. I loved that reboot, though, to be honest with you. It doesn't matter. I know. I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And uh, I watched it, too. <laughs> I watched it, too, but it doesn't matter. No. Um, and, I mean, it doesn't even have to necessarily be like a game show. I mean, recently, Arsenio Hall came back, and it only lasted one season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of time, like, nostalgia brings us back to, like, what we thought we had, and they try to recapture that. And everyone gets pumped about it. Twitter goes crazy. People rally behind it. And then the network just says, okay, there's a lot of people behind this. Let's green light it. People watch one episode, two episodes, and then they drop off and they go back to all their other shows that they've been watching. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, every, every now and again, you'll get a diamond in the rough, though. For every 99 crappy times the reboot happens and it doesn't work, there's that there's that one time that it does. You know, there's well, your yeah. Battlestar Galactica or, or whatnot, you know. Yeah, where, but that's – I'm talking about like a, I'm talking about like a game show. And, gotcha. I, and I'm not talking about Family Feud. People are going to watch Family Feud. It's going to be on during the day, you know, when there's not a lot of else on. People are going to watch Family Feud. If they reboot Jeopardy, you know – Without Trebek, it's it, people are going to watch it because people like Jeopardy, and it, it's been consistently on the air. Exactly, I, I agree with that. They need to fucking fuck Double Dare. They need to bring back Pressure Luck, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Big Stop. bucks. Did you guys ever Boop. see the documentary on the guy? Oh, the guy that won all the money. Yeah, he timed it. He knew exactly where to press it to win all the money. Oh no shit! I did yeah. see the documentary. The guy, the guy won a shit ton of money mm -hmm. by figuring out like the algorithm of when to yeah. fucking hit the button oh, and shit. Wow. And then get this. He cashed it all out in $1 bills at the bank so he could win some stupid radio contest where if they, they read serial numbers and if you had the dollar bill with that serial number, then you won a $1,000. Holy shit. <laughs> and just to win more money and have more dollar bills. And then someone robbed him. 
They broke oh. into his apartment and stole all his sacks of money, and he lost all of it. He's the real-life Laszlo from Real Genius who <laughs> entered the Frito-Lay contest like a million times <laughs> and won everything. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, like, do you guys – like, okay – let me explain. Do you, would you guys ever want to see him bring back like a show like Roller Games? Do you remember watching? Roller oh, I games? loved Roller Games. That was it'd be like an SNL replacement on SNL off weeks and stuff. Yeah, well, they should do it on Saturday night, like an afternoon. Like, like when they brought back American Gladiator, they had it on like a prime time yeah, thing. And yeah, it, that's why it failed. Yeah, in my opinion, right. Even though it was in the summer when there's not much on, I think that's the main reason why it failed. Put it on like up against like I don't want to watch golf. I know a lot of people do, but put it up against golf. Yeah. For the people that aren't watching golf and want to watch something fun, put it up against that. And and if if you guys don't know what Brian's talking about, roller games. It was like roller derby meets WWE, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. And they had like themed teams, well, like check this out, the dude. punk rocker team, and yeah, yeah. they had a um, okay. If your teams in roller in this roller games, and it wasn't like your traditional like roller derby rink, mm-hmm. it was a figure eight, and like one side went up a little bit higher, so there was kind of like a uh, a ramp yeah, to like- one side. It was a totally different like roller derby. And it was really physical. Didn't they have like bands on there playing in between too? Like, yeah. I, I think I remember like, like, uh, fucking, uh, what was it? Warrant playing like an episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was pretty wild. But, if the teams ended in a tie, there was – as a tiebreaker, they would have two skaters skate around a pit full of alligators. <laughs> the first skater to skate around the pit five times or to throw his or her opponent into the alligator pit was declared the winner. <laughs> yeah. A pit of alligators. <laughs> That's, That's how you do. <laughs> do you guys remember the glorious ladies of wrestling glow? Uh, oh, yeah. I remember all that nonsense. Matilda the Hun. Yeah. <laughs> That was around the same time period. I don't think that the I don't think that a Double Dare reboot would succeed. I I I agree with that. I don't think it would succeed. I think that there would, especially with the college angle. If if you're going to have it succeed, you need to have it on Nick as a kid show. Take it back to its roots, and let the kids. They're the ones who embraced it first. Let a new generation of kids let it captivate their imaginations. I am not – I am a 30-some-year-old man. I am not going to sit around and watch – I might watch it one time for nostalgia. I am not going to sit around watching Double Dare. It is not going to be on my DVR. Right. I, I, it's it's very formulaic. They do the same thing every show. I, I'm, I can't see myself doing it. But I can see kids really getting into this. The Have net- it focused around the kids. The networks did something kind of similar to this, like a cheesy version of American Gladiator or – um uh, Ninja Warrior, I mean, uh, where yeah, like, I like the I like the Ninja Warrior over yeah, in Japan. Yeah, it that's was good. Great. Yeah, over there it was because they used to play that on G four when that was still a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. And in some ways, like Minute to Win It is kind of the adult version of Double Dare. Yeah. If you've seen that show or Wipeout, yeah, exactly. Wipeout, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, where it's like adults doing challenges yeah, where right. they get wet or bump on their heads. And, and White Wipeout is, I think, I don't watch Wipeout. I used to watch MXC Extreme, Ch- the most extreme challenge oh. on Spike yeah. Network. Yeah, I thought it was funnier. But Wipeout is more for adults. I mean, I actually laugh laugh when they do get hit in the face and get knocked down. Yeah, yeah and that's and you the see whole them point. spinning and knocking their heads around. It's actually kind of funny. That'd be fun to go and do that one of the Wipeout courses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that I never ever thought I could do. Like when I especially first started watching like the Ninja Warrior stuff. Oh yeah. Oh wow, some of the the obstacles that they have to go through. 
Now, I saw this uh, real recently. There was a video of the first female competitor to uh, win the Americanized version of mm-hmm. that, and that was tough. I mean, the stuff that she had to do, the just amount of strength and uh, stamina to be able to keep up with that. That's crazy. The Ninja Warriors, man, though, it's like you watch like the the tapes that they submit to get on the show, and it's just like these parkour guys. You're thinking, oh, these guys are just gonna mop the fucking floor with this obstacle <laughs> course, right? And it's the most bizarre things that take them out. I think it, it's all about stamina. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah, all concentration, about concentration, and like you see, some of them just get wiped out early on, and as the day goes on, the course gets more wet. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's a lot harder for these. They slip and sometimes, you know, I sometimes they're not re- wearing the right foot gear. You know, it's crazy, man. That- if I remember right, only the first and the last stages are timed. The other two, there's no time limit, but that almost kind of works against them because in some of these, they're hanging by their arms going from uh, like little metal handhold to metal handhold. Right. And they've got no way to support themselves other than their fingertips. Yeah. 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 And then like, you know, some of the challenges, it's like you're just using upper body strength the whole time, like mm-hmm. through two or three challenges. So by the time you get done with that, even though you're using their legs or whatever, you're still wiped out. Right. You know what I mean? You're yeah. still wiped out. So. Yeah. There's like that final jump they have to do at the end. And sometimes you see people get to that and they yeah. just, they just can't even do it anymore. Oh, where they have to right. jump and climb the wall? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, They're dude. just so exhausted from it. They yeah. can't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes if you miss on the first one, you're done. Yeah. That's it. If you miss, you slip, you're done. Right. Because you ain't got nothing left in the tank, man. I know. I saw a guy's shoe fly out, like flew through the course <laughs> yeah. and then got to that part where he jumped onto the wall and his shoe flew off oh. and he lost it. And like, you know, it flew into the water. Uh, in yeah, the original from Japan, it was uh, half the people that would try that first course. Yeah. They'd be coming in weird outfits and oh, stuff that's, like I that. love that shit, though. Yeah. That's like... guy that, who tried to do it yeah. dressed as Spider-Man. They kind of made it like, you know, just like the people that you knew weren't going to be winning on, like, uh, American, American Idol. Idol. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. The next story, it comes from the Houston Press. When Annie Bullock, a one-third owner of Eighth Dimension, started uh, going out to buy comics, Eighth Dimension is a comic book store, uh, she started going out to buy comics while living in Austin. It was usually the same. You walk in, she says, and everyone perfectly is perfectly polite, you know, but the question always comes, are you looking for something for your boyfriend? That sort of thing. There was always a sense that women wanting to be involved with comics was weird and a little unwelcome. She found a friendlier store while in Austin and then 10 years later opened up her own store. From the very first day they were open, she and her husband, Jeremy Bullock, and their partner, James Carlson, were dedicated to trying to reach out to women comic fans and make it known that their trade was welcome and encouraged. Saturday was the fourth ladies' night event at 8th Dimension, going past close. Each one has drawn a progressively larger audience, minus nights where they neglected to notice it coincided with the opening weekend of the Texas Renaissance Festival. (laughs) It's not unusual for them to pack the store with more than 100 people, with women and girls vying for spots at the gaming tables, browsing the merchandise, and having animated conversations in the aisle. Um... Bedrock City Comics has already started trying to launch its own ladies' night, and the Eighth Dimension is partnering with Alamo Drafthouse to merge the two for a labyrinth sing-along. I think this is a great 
great idea. Yeah, I'm jealous of a labyrinth sing along. <laughs> well, I'm no, I just I'm I'm talking about just the fact that they're starting what's called being called a ladies' night for comics. And that's encouraging to hear that over a hundred people yeah. in a comic shop. Yeah, I mean, advertise it as that. And so that other women know that when you go to the comic shop, you're not going to get those weird looks. You know that you're going to have other women there looking at comics, looking at, you know, like a dice game and things like that. That's, I think that's very cool. It's very smart marketing. Call it a ladies night. It's sad that that's such a thing that that's like the stereotype, the comic book owner going, Oh, what are you here for your boyfriend? Yep. Like that. That's actually, that is the stereotype. That's terrible. It is awful. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, male comic book readers, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like even male comic book readers get bullied, you know, by people or people have like their thoughts about men that still read comics now. And uh, you think that we would be a little bit more understanding as males to female readers about this because of our, you know, you know, our situation. Yeah. I understand, I understand what you're saying. It's it's just such a um, tricky situation in comics because comics, like, on the surface, seem so male-driven, especially in your main companies like Marvel and DC, where they focus so heavily on the woman and, the, and always being perfect women and everything. And that it's – on the surface, it, it seems like a guy's thing when it's really not. It's really multi-layered, especially when you start getting into independent comics. You start, Absolutely. And you start getting outside of Marvel and DC. Right. And I'm not trying to shit on Marvel and DC because there are – exceptions to that too i mean kelly dusonic does excellent things kelly um kelly sue deconic Ke- kelly sue dyslexia there on my part <laughs> it's fine man and like she does good stuff for marvel gail simone d- you know did really good stuff for dc does a little bit here and there for him now kelly sue deconic fiona staples yeah amy reader sarah pacelli becky clunan the list goes on and on about female comic creators yeah and they are some of the best out there my favorite artist in comics right now, mm-hmm. Fiona Staples. Oh, I don't, I don't blame you, but yeah, it just, I can just see how on the surface though, it's a tough egg to crack. Marvel and DC on the surface, without digging deep, you can see why people would think it was so only male inclusive. You know? Yeah, but the thing yeah. is, what I like what these stores are doing is they're saying that here's a ladies' night, and more and more ladies are coming there, getting feeling more comfortable buying more books. Maybe the reason that there aren't as many female ra- readers as there are male readers is because of like going into the store and, and you got the asshole guy that works there that treats him like shit. Oh, totally. I'm not trying to take blame away from him either. Right. But I just think from all corners, it's it's like a tough egg for them to crack yeah. and get into. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And then even just getting oogled by a couple of the guys that are in there, like a girl is in the comic That's book shop. That's very true. And I'm not going to say that it's not. That does happen. Right. That does happen. And there have been... I've heard of some very rude comments that people have made to women in comic book stores. I've heard the same kind of stories. And that infuriates me. Yeah, it's terrible. It's bullshit. It sucks because they're getting it from both ends. They're being told by society this is not what girls are supposed to be into. And then they go in there to where they should be welcomed and then shit like that happens. Yeah. And it's – like I said, it's from every angle. Not only are they being told that – by society, but they're being told that by some comic book creators and some some of the stuff in the content even too. So yeah. it's like, geez, you know? Yeah. But yeah, power to the female readers. Absolutely. We need more of you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. The more of you that there are, the more of a voice you'll have into the medium. Right. And the more the course will get corrected and it won't, won't seem on the surface so much as a male driven medium. And yeah. a lot of that's already happened in the last 15, 20 years. Well, we're seeing more and more at like conventions. They're having like, you know, the, the women of comic panels. And I think that's great. You know, Gail Simone is a part of that. And Gail Simone, one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite writers. I mean, she should be writing. She should be writing Catwoman. What the fuck is up with that book? Oh, yeah. She should be writing Catwoman. Who I mean, is writing Catwoman now? Is it still the, the guy from Real World? I can't. I couldn't even tell. I, 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 stopped, <laughs> I stopped reading Catwoman a long time ago because it's been a shit book. Yeah. But, I mean, Gail Simone right now, she's you know, she's writing, you know, uh, she's doing her last issue of Batgirl. Yeah, I knew of, she was leaving that. A lot of people are upset about Batgirl's getting a new costume, by the way. I like it. I like it too. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. And uh, Gail Simone's writing uh, the new Laura Croft Tomb Raider book that's coming out soon. Oh uh, yeah. She's doing. Uh, Who's that for? Who's publishing that? IDW. Probably, if I had yeah. to guess. No, 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 no. Dark Horse. Mm, okay. I think it's Dark Horse. Okay. Uh, IDW. She is writing um, Red Sonia. Okay. Which is awesome. Yeah. It has been an. Uh, you know, I never really cared for Red Sonia before this. It's had quite a run even before Gail Simone, right? Yeah, I, but I never cared about it before. Yeah, it, like, it, like I, I've seen the movie, you know, and I loved the movie as a kid, but like I never really cared for Red Sonia. And then I saw that she was going to be writing it, and I was like, I'm going to check this out. I have fallen in love with that book. It yeah. is so damn good. I know Jay was a big fan of what was going on with the title before Gail Simone. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, moving on. Bud Light has been running a promotion under the hashtag WhateverUSA. Whatever. What, is that? what does that mean? Uh, where rapper Vanilla Ice serves ice cream to people from a truck called the Vanilla Ice Cream Truck. Oh, gotcha. This is, this is true. Bud Light? Bud Light. Yes. They, they had like a whole – I'm going to get into it. I'll get into it. I'll explain. Because when I think beer, I think ice cream. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> me too. That's where my head first goes to. <laughs> so uh, I saw the pics, and I'll post them on Facebook after the episode's up. Um, it's I don't know. I thought it was a I thought it was a fun idea. Yeah, you know. And, and well, artist Ben Douglas thought so too four years ago when he made a T-shirt depicting the exact same situation. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Hope you trademarked that, biatch. Here's some audio from a news station covering the story. An artist from New Jersey says Anheuser-Busch ripped off his idea during its Whatever USA commercial stunt in Crested Butte over the weekend. Nine News reporter Kevin Torres says this one could be headed for the courtroom. Over the weekend, Anheuser-Busch held this wacky advertising campaign called Whatever USA. The beer giant decked out downtown Crested Butte with all things Bud Light <laughs> and brought in 1,100 partygoers as well as a handful of celebrities to entertain them. Let me one of those celebrities was rapper Vanilla Ice, who was hired to hand out ice cream from an ice cream truck. Problem is, the truck was decorated in artist Ben Douglas's design, a design no one asked him if they could use. You first see it, it's sort of a mix of um, certainly frustration, and uh, it's also sort of, a, sort of a cool factor, like, wow, that's, that's mine, and there's Vanilla Ice, but certainly more frustrating than anything else. Douglas was furious and took to Facebook and Twitter. He wrote, quote, thank you to Bud Light for liking my work and ideas so much they decided to steal it. 
In a situation like this, any copyright attorney will tell you a lot can be at stake, or little. It really all just depends. Depends on how far someone is willing to go. In the downtown Denver law offices of Dorsey and Whitney, copyright and trademark attorney Charlie and Crow says Douglas's artwork is protected under U.S. copyright laws. My best guess is that the two parties would likely negotiate and it will be some sort of licensing arrangement that they'll enter into. Crow says copyright infringement damages could range from a couple hundred bucks to a couple hundred thousand dollars. In this case, Douglas says he and his attorney aren't looking for anything crazy. I just like to be compensated, you know, consistently with what I would have originally charged. While Douglas waits to hear back from Anheuser-Busch, he did receive a tweet from Vanilla Ice. The rapper said, Big Pimpin', love your artwork. Douglas says he'd rather receive the compensation. In Denver, this is Kevin Torres, 9 News. (laughs) Anheuser-Busch sends a response this afternoon saying it respects the property and creativity of artists and it is looking into the situation. He's honest. Yep, there you go. Yo, Ben Jerry, let's kick it. (laughs) Word to your mother. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, I mean, uh, what do you guys think about this? I mean, do you think that this guy should be entitled to this? Have you seen the pictures? I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do that. I want to see the side-by-side and see if this guy really, like, how much of a case this guy really has. Let me go ahead and pause this real quick, okay? And uh, I will show you guys the picture. I do have them on my phone. That way you guys get an idea of, like, what we're looking at here. All right, so you guys have had a chance to look at the pictures. And, uh, Frank, what's your opinion? I think there's enough there to warrant some kind of compensation. I mean, the, even though it's not 100% perfect, I mean, the design, the yeah. idea. The more I'm looking at it, the more I see the similarities. The art of the Vanilla Ice in front of the Vanilla Ice truck is yeah. the same, same art that they yeah. use as the Vanilla Ice face that's yeah, exactly. on the decal. And, and it, yeah, basically the same color scheme, yeah. the same font. The same idea. It's the idea. Yeah. It's the yeah. idea right. of it's, the whole thing. It's real damn close. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they change just a little bit here or there. I mean, it's too close for you know, it to be like, a coincidence. You know, it's not the fact that like Vanilla Ice was involved in this. It's the fact that Bud Light ran with the idea. They were the ones that sponsored this event. They, I can probably guarantee – you know, it just seems too much of a coincidence that the T-shirt was made up, that b- – did did Bud Light really come up with this idea on their own, or did they see this T-shirt? That's yeah. that's the thing. Did you have you heard this um, Facebook post from Douglas, the artist? Yeah, yeah. They actually mentioned it in, in that news thing. But yeah. is it a different one there? I, yeah, um, basically just thanking them for liking his work and everything. Right. Yeah, and he, if he ever gets compensated, he'll have a big ice cream party, and they're all invited. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know, man. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll post those pictures online. But yeah, I just thought that was kind of crazy. Even Vanilla Ice said to him, "Big pimp and love your artwork." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. That's fine. He's a good dude. Yeah, I like Vanilla. Ice. It's not his fault. He's just it's, he's it, just getting that paycheck. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not like the same thing where he ripped off fucking David Bowie and Queen. <laughs> no. With no. that, with the the background music for the song. No, his went dun 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 dun. dun yeah, but theirs went dun 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. That's how he explained it. Yeah. All right. Um. Hey, uh, Drake, what do you got for good pop, bad pop? You got anything? I watched. Um. This week was the uh, Simpsons at the Bowl Hollywood Bowl concert. Okay. They did a three night only performance at the at the famous Hollywood Bowl, and um, this is terrible, but I. I couldn't afford to uh, fly out to Hollywood and get tickets to see this. So I watched the entire 77-minute um, performance 
as someone recorded it on their cell phone. Ooh. Oh my. Yeah. How was it? It was great. Was it? The, the person that did it did a great job. They really sacrificed their ability. Like, I wouldn't have done this job. I wouldn't. Because you got to look at it through the whole thing. It's not like you're actually experiencing the event. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they did a really great job. Like, I, I don't know what they did. I think they did, I, I don't even think it was a cell phone. I think it was some kind of digital camcorder they used. Because yeah. they did a really good job. They were zoomed in at all the right places they needed to and everything. Right. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was just a whole musical celebration of everything Simpsons. Um, Hans Zimmer was there. Matt Groening was there. Um, Nancy Cartwright, who's the voice of Bart, Yardley Smith, Lisa, Hank Azaria. Um, Word Al Yankovic did a bit for him. Word Al Yankovic actually did an original song called Homer and Marge that was a play on uh, Jack and Diane. Oh, that's awesome. That's that cool. was pretty funny yeah. and everything. Do you think this is going to be something that they will put on Blu-ray? You know, that's that was my concern. I, I don't know. I... I would buy this in a heartbeat if they put it on Blu-ray. I'm sure a lot of Simpsons fans would, yeah. even if it was on video on demand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's I'm not a. I don't think I've ever watched anything that was over ten minutes long on this kind of recording. But I'm just such a big fanboy that it's like, okay, if this is how I have to see it and hear what happened, this right. is what I got to do. You know, yeah. um, Conan O'Brien was there and did a tribute to Phil Hartman and sung the monorail song that he wrote himself and nice. that was pretty and john lovitz was there and did the planet of the apes song that phil hartman sung yeah and just all kinds of guest stars and it, it was really neat just a huge production um there was a fireworks display that was like at least 15 minutes long of straight fireworks i didn't know how they could fit all those fireworks in one place i couldn't believe how long it went on and Do you uh, think a lot of this stuff is leading up towards like the end of the simpsons yeah i felt like that too you know I was just saying to a friend that this next season of The Simpsons is like the most gimmicky season ever. Like the, it hasn't even aired yet and I can already name four gimmicks. We've got the Futurama crossover. We've got the Family Guy crossover. We're going to talk about we've one got of them here soon. the death of a Simpson coming up. And then we have the original Tracy Ullman Simpsons. We're going to talk about the, that. The modern day Simpsons, mm -hmm. but that's four completely different gimmicks coming up this season. And we haven't even had episode one yet. It's, it's pretty, almost like they're saying goodbye. Yeah. They're like just throwing everything yeah. they can at the, at the thing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Would you think, though, that given how long it has been running, if that was going to be the case, they would announce it because they'd probably get you know, some extra views out of that? Yeah. I feel like they're definitely trying to really build up ratings. And I, I think you're right, Frank. When it's going to be the end of The Simpsons, it's clearly – it's not going to be this season. But it could be next maybe or the one after that, and I think it will be heavily announced. Like we'll know before that season airs that this is the final season. Maybe it will go towards – they end it, and then after that, what we have to look forward to is like uh, Simpsons movies. Yeah, or just maybe even other spinoffs in, in some kind of way. I mean, who knows what, but... Yeah, because the Cleveland show worked out real great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Canceled. Yeah. Mm, I agree with that. Um, one, real quick before we move on, a real funny gimmick they did is they um, they brought Yardley and Nancy Cartwright out, and it seemed like they were going to... Uh, do like a memoriam for um, people that had passed away. Right. But instead of doing that, what they did was a memoriam for all the different presidents that Fox has had since The Simpson has been on the air. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and they, they actually run, ran their names on a screen and showed them and everything. That's and funny. It, it was pretty hilarious. There's about 12 different people from, from then till now, so... You know, we, you're talking about spinoffs here. Yeah. And I hate to... Like, if you do you have anything left to say about The Simpsons? No, that, that's pretty much it. I... 
I'll I'll risk getting in trouble and post the link that I have on the Pop Culture Leftovers page. Right on. If anyone else wants to check the, out the recording. Can you email it to people instead? I can email it to people instead. Okay. So you, I, I'll give out my email. This might be dangerous, but I'll do it. It's uh, the Jake Strikes Back at Yahoo.com if you want to email me. All right. There you go. I, I get. I already get enough spam. I'd rather have you guys emailing me crazy death <laughs> threats than some of the spam I get. So that's the Jake Strikes Back with the actual word the at Yahoo.com. All right. So, yeah, send those emails to Jake, and he'll send that to you if you wanted to watch that. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it was pretty great. All right. Um, spinoffs. Did you guys hear about the uh, possible Married with Children spinoff? <laughs> I did. did I about? did. All right. What are your thoughts about that? Now, okay, let me let me give you a little bit of background. Um, you know, when – honestly, I mean, back when uh, Fox first became a network that was, like, you know, putting out, you know, primetime stuff – I mean, there really only was two shows. I mean, yeah, we talked about, about one of them, and Simpsons, then, and, and then there's then the other, Married with Children. Yeah. So, I mean, and Married with Children for its time was just like pushing the envelope of what you could see on TV. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but pre Roseanne too, to really showing a family in despair. Uh, it came out in '86 or '87, so it's around the same time as Roseanne. Yeah, yeah. I think that they were doing things before Roseanne actually became so powerful with that network. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were pushing things. Roseanne was innovative at first. Yeah, and after uh, because it was, you know she was not your typical like you know this is not like the fucking '50s or '60s where you had the Donna Reed type Leave It to Beaver mother. Yeah, you know she was the uh, crass you know mother that that tv really hadn't seen before yeah and even the set like the dishwasher would be full of dishes or the sink and everything and you just didn't see that on tv right and you know i you didn't see a lot of that maybe uh one day at a time but not like with a family set up with like kids and things like that yeah um See, that's the thing. See, like, Married with Children did the same thing, but it was just to the extreme. They took everything to the extreme, and that's what made it comical. And, I mean, Ed O'Neill was perfect. Yeah, Ed O'Neill was great in that show. Yeah, and uh, what's her name that plays Peg? Uh, Kathy Seagal. Yeah, Kathy Seagal. She was fantastic. It was just a great show, man, and it really pushed the envelope of TV. So now they're talking about doing a spinoff where Bud Bundy – uh, David Faustino mm-hmm. would be playing pretty much like the part of Al, and he would have his own children. Mm-hmm. And there could be guest appearances, maybe by you know Al Bundy, maybe by you know uh, Kelly and Christina and Applegate. Yeah, so there could be guest appearances. But it sounds like some is that something that you guys would be interested in watching? <laughs> no, I, Grandmaster B, all grown up. I, I don't need to see that at all. Um, I, I, go, go I, ahead. I agree. I don't. I don't think it would be able to be successful. They would try so hard to push it in so many different ways that everybody and their brother would be butt hurt by the stuff they'd be bringing up. It'd be offensive to everybody. Yeah, I just. I, I don't. David Faustino was like not the most entertaining character on that show. Bud no. Bundy was not at the top of the power rankings list. His of, whole thing was he was a pervert, and that was it. Yeah, and pathetic, and. Yeah. I think the thing – I think what what would be happening here is you would see the show come out, first episode, maybe some strong ratings. After that, huge dive. Yeah. Huge dive because it's not going to – like exactly. You're talking about nostalgia. It's not just not going to live up. And then you'd see a spike in the rating here and there when like they would have you know like Peggy come back or like Kelly come back for an episode. And then another huge spike if Al came back. 
But I think besides that, the ratings would continue to dip, and this would be a show that would be one season and done. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that too. I can't imagine it going more than a season. It would have yeah. to be a bona fide hit. Yeah. You can't live up to, you can't, you cannot replace Al Bundy with Bud. No. <laughs> Al Bundy going to the nudie bar. Yeah. And I can't imagine that, um, what's the actor's name? I'm drawing a blank. I, that plays Al Bundy. Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Thank you. Thank you. I can't imagine. I mean, he's, you know, winning award after award. Emmy after Emmy. Or, for yeah. Modern family. For Modern Family. Right. That he's not going to have time to help promote that or make two, maybe just a quick spot. I, I am going to kind of like disagree a little bit that he is still very close with all that cast. They grew up. They did nine, 10, 11 seasons and they are all still very close. Yeah. I can't imagine though ABC being okay with their, their giant star making guest appearances on a Fox show. I think after, and you know what? Emmys don't mean shit. Yeah. But the ratings are there for Modern Family. That's the difference. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about the difference between ratings and Emmys here in just a moment. Okay. But, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, ratings are huge for Modern Family, mm-hmm. which was a show that I watched like the first four or five seasons and I've kind of dropped off of. But Never seen an episode. Really funny. It's actually really yeah. good. Yeah, it's good. All right. Um, we have a question from a listener, and it's gonna. I'm gonna throw it in here for good pop, bad pop. Uh, it's from Sean Lahoset. He says, "Did you all catch Utopia? What do you think of the show so far? I hope you guys talk about this on next week's show. I know Jake seemed real eager to catch it, so I'm intrigued on his impression. Also, Jake, are you a regular fan of these kind of reality shows, or did this one catch your interest in particular? Yeah. Well, to answer the last question first, real quick." Before we get into Utopia, I, I am a regular fan of this type of show. Um, this one definitely did catch my interest also, but yeah, I, I watch it all. I'm a huge Survivor fan, huge Big Brother fan, huge Amazing Race fan. If it's a competition reality show, I watch it. The reality shows I don't normally like, which um, is the ones that are usually like Utopia, to be honest, where there is no competition and it's like a real world or a... Uh, the Osbournes or, you know, Kim Kardashian or whatever. There has to be some kind of competition and some type of prize for me usually to be invested. But this one really caught my interest in, in just how different it was of a real world type setup. Um, let's see here. So you did catch it. I did watch it. I, there's been three episodes since last week and I've, I've seen all three now. Yeah. Um, I too have been watching Utopia. Yeah. I've seen all three episodes as well. And he wants to know, what do you think of the show so far? So far, I, I love it. I Tupperware the show. Um, it's been really intense drama. And the cast is really, like, the casting just nailed it. They, they just got the exact people that they must have known were going to conflict with each other and rub sparks against each other when they actually had to interact with each, with each other. Just a bunch of fucking wacky ass fucking people. Yeah. I mean, just totally out there, you know, from the, the toothless hick red, to the, you know, Dave, the ex-convict whose mom was a prostitute. To um, Dedeker, who is in a relationship with two boyfriends and one girlfriend. See, to, this is the exact kind of stuff that took me out of reality TV. Yeah. I would love to think that, you know, our society is not really made up of all these extremes. It's like the weirder you are, the more likely you are to get cast. Yeah, well, and this is more interesting than that because it's actually these people trying to create like a livable place and like create their own government and their own systems. And it's not just to watch these people in their normal everyday life. They have to actually possibly change their lifestyles 
to create this new like existence. Yeah, and you're seeing you're already seeing like people's like uh characters like not characters, but actually like Yeah. You see you see guys like that Josh guy who came out there just fucking, you know, saying whatever he wanted to, running his mouth, being this, you know, I don't know, he's very outspoken yeah. and just would say whatever was on his mind, very rude. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden realized that like Holy shit, if I keep this up, I'm gone. Yeah. I'm gone. I have got to like start being a nicer person. I've got to start forming alliances. I think he's just waiting for himself to get power again before he becomes that person again. Yeah, how embarrassing for like Josh to when he finally gets to come out of this game and see that. Like he he basically drank way too much on that first night. Right. And it, then it he, was like episode our San Diego Comic Con <laughs> episode. Yeah, he drank way too, too. much. <laughs> except except this guy was being super sexually forward with the women. Oh, wow. yeah. I mean, even yeah. going so far as to like shove his unit in a girl's face. What? Well, and then yeah, he, he calls it the banana hammock. Yeah, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then and then he uh, he would pat the girls on the butt, slapping the girls on the butt, and then and he went in to kiss that hex girl. Yeah, he kissed the girl, and, and just that was when everybody just was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" <laughs> Shit hit the fan. There was almost a fist fight. I mean, it got crazy, man. People yelling, people screaming, dude. I mean, dude. And then fucking, uh, you know, when they're ordering the food because they get five thousand dollars. Yeah, they, they get fi- five thousand dollars, and that's all they get. They never that, get any more unless they got to start up their own business and start earning their own money yeah so that's the thing so now they're spending all this money and they're calling the grocery store and then dave and red are getting pissed off about this shit (laughs) and so like do you remember the scene where they came in and they were talking to the lawyer and the part where they like they started ripping the canned food off the wall and like beating the shit out of those cans of uh that was unbelievable it was like a fucking like they were the mafia and they were coming in there and being like you know you better get shit straight you better start you know paying your rent blah 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 blah. there's gonna be more of this there's more of this where that came from wow yeah they they seceded from utopia and they basically want their their shit yeah what's it called oh my god um the nation of freedom utopia state of freedom yeah utopia state of freedom utopia state of freedom they like say it like that over and over again they they, like bought all those hot dogs and yeah they like they like basically like tried to like cult everyone over into their side they like took their share of the money like their 114th each of the money and like had a big old cookout and tried to get everyone to join and everything right and so what what's going to happen apparently is that someone's going to get eliminated once a month and then new people are going to be brought in. And you're also able to leave on your own free will. If you just want to throw in the white towel and leave, you can just leave. And yeah. that's, that's what ends up happening to the um, ex-convict. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So I Tupperware it too. I don't usually watch these shows anymore. I used to watch Survivor. I quit watching Survivor. I don't really watch a lot of reality TV. The shit just kind of like ran its course with me. It was kind of cool at first, and it's just like it's the same thing every season, just different people. So I, I quit. This is something new. This is something interesting. It's held my attention so far. I'm going to Tupperware it. It's, it's a fun watch. I don't know if people can catch up. Is there like Fox On Demand? Yeah, you can shit? watch it all on On Demand. Yeah. Um, it, on the Utopia website, they have all the episodes. A, a real quick interesting thing about this too is it's supposed to take place over the course of a year. Yeah. But Fox is only committed to three months unless it does well enough. Gotcha. So there's a good chance that it, it, if it doesn't hit the ratings, it's only going to go the three months and then be done. Yeah. So these people have to sign these contracts where they don't even know like how long uh, they're even going to be playing this game. It right. could be three months. It could be a year. Yeah. So – Hope you got a good job that'll take you back when you're done. Yeah, no, I think a lot of these people try to exploit the situation after the fact and try to make money 
conventions. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. And and um, most of them don't plan on going back to their regular job once getting cast on one of these shows. But there's yeah. so many shows now, and they we're however many seasons in of all of them. I mean, how do you keep track of all these people who? Yeah, well, and I mean the big ones though, oh. like this possibly, and like your Survivor, and like the ones like that. Who was that dude that told everybody his grandma died? Oh, that was um, Johnny Fairplay. Johnny Fairplay. Fucking Johnny Fairplay. I went to a con- I went to a convention. Yeah, and uh, Johnny fucking Fairplay was hitting on my ex girlfriend the whole fucking time. Oh, Every Jesus. time we'd walk by that motherfucker. He would hit on her. That's hilarious. Oh my god. Was she buying into it? Oh fuck no. She's like, <laughs> that guy is gross. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that guy is gross. Yeah, he was involved with like a, a bunch of the wrestling stuff after Survivor, I believe, and everything. Yikes. Yeah. It he, was pathetic because at the convention I was at, he's yeah. in this booth by himself. Nobody was getting autographs. Nobody gave a shit about him. I talked to Johnny Fairplay at a Wizard World just as a big Survivor fanatic. He was there like promoting his wrestling stuff, and it was the same situation. He was glad to talk to me because he had nothing else yeah, to fucking do exactly and then every like five minutes or so he'd be like hey you want to buy one of these ten dollar photos and i'd right. be like well i can't do that johnny fairplay right, right. <laughs> thanks for talking to me no, every time <laughs> every time we'd walk by he'd say something i remember one time he was like oh man you got to stop doing that this is driving me crazy and i'm just like oh my god dude shut the fuck up before i go over there and beat the shit out of you and yeah. get kicked out of this con that's i wish you would have beat up johnny fairplay oh i could have kicked his ass oh, i'm sure <laughs> Uh, all right. I wanted to talk about you know. Okay, I, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna talk about this here real quick. Okay, you want all me right. to shut up? You know the uh, thing, that's the thing I'm getting. See that? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like when I talk about something I love. Yeah. You usually fucking hate it. All right. I'll and then shut I up. don't even want to. No, I don't. And then I don't even want to talk about it because it like it, it. Yeah, I get butt hurt. I'll wait to the very <laughs> end. I'll wait to. I'll make you butt hurt at the very end. Because I'm gonna talk about something very near and dear to me right now. I promise I will not shit on it immediately. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Disclaimer immediately. It's the best I can do. <laughs> all right. I wanted to talk about a documentary about my favorite TV show of all time. Um, there are so many great TV shows out there since, like, you know, since TV stars started running. Yeah. You know, uh, The Simpsons, Seinfeld. One of my favorites, Cheers. Cheers was what I was going to say. Uh, but there is one show that is my favorite show, and it will always be my favorite show the writing was brilliant innovative and not mainstream and if you got it you got it and if you didn't you didn't that show it was arrested development oh i'm not gonna shit on arrested development thank god thank the heavens <laughs> thank you odin <laughs> yeah it's not my favorite but i love it all right i loved it Just too stop so while you're ahead all right <laughs> All right. It starred, in my opinion, the best cast that's ever been assembled with any TV show, in my opinion. Jason Bateman, David Cross, Jeffrey Tambor, Portia de Rossi, Michael Cera, Will Arnett, Aaliyah Shawkat, Tony Hale, and Jessica Walter. Michael Cera? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they were the most dysfunctional family ever to hit TV, in my opinion, since the, since the Bundys. Uh, when Arrested Development, uh, or AD, as us fans like to call it, um, was canceled in 2006. I was fucking devastated. Yeah, me too. Right after winning the Emmy. They won the Emmy after their first season. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't start watching the show until after season two had ended. I, I wasn't in on it from the ground floor. Yeah. Um, I picked it up in DVD, burned through those DVDs. And um, I just fell in love with the Bluth family. Uh, every character was just an exaggerated character. 
they had their own story motives and and it wasn't like your average sitcom like you know King of Queens or or Mike and Molly where you know uh, there was no character development you could just jump in and watch any episode and it didn't really matter I mean, if you missed an episode, you're you're out of the loop on this show. Yeah, they did a funny gimmick at the end of the episodes where they'd tell you what was coming next episode, and they would kind of show closing pieces to the episode before, and then they weren't things that were going to be on next episode. Yeah, I right. love that too. Yeah, and I always thought that was really innovative and funny. Um, there was a shortened third season. They canceled it, and uh, I I honestly like when Arrested Development was canceled i had never been so affected by a tv show cancellation in all my life it was my favorite show i raved about it i would loan people the dvds to get them to watch it because i loved this show i'm with you i feel like it never even got a chance to peak either like as great as it was it's already your favorite show i feel like most of these sitcoms as good as they are from the start once they hit like season four they really just you know, yeah. all bets are off and they're really in their stride and hitting their peak. Well, and I mean, this show never had like, it, they, they, Fox never really gave it its due diligence. I mean, it was mm-hmm. winning L- Emmys and then like they had them on at the worst time slots ever, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, on a- animation domination and shit like yeah, that. I mean, yeah. They needed a lineup that included like shows like they have now, like New Girl and like the Mindy Project. Mm-hmm. Have it in that block. But no, you're having it in a block where none of these other shows are really the same type of comedy. So that's why it, it was kind of like innovative at the time for Fox to be doing a show like this. Yeah. You know, I can't even believe Fox took this on to begin with, but they did. And for me, it was. I fell in love. with Will Arnett's character as Job is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Job is my favorite character too. Um, Every time I hear the final countdown now, I think of Job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that chicken dance is just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, as soon as it was canceled, I was on the internet. I was signing for the first time. I was signing online petitions. Yeah. I was sending emails to Fox. I was on social media saying Fuck you, Fox. I went nuts. I just went bananas. Weren't people, pun, pun intended. <laughs> there's, there's always money in the banana yep. stand. Yeah. Frank Pe- got that one. People were sending tons of um, bananas to the studio, too. I remember reading about that. Like, that was a thing. So there was a documentary that was uh, made about the show. Okay. And uh, the creators and the fans of the show, um, uh, they they interacted in this in this documentary, and uh, I actually signed up for the newsletter years ago mm. for this documentary, and they would keep me up to date on it. I eventually uh, helped fund the Kickstarter project. It was for Jeff Smith and Neil Lieberman's Arrested Development documentary project. Um, then, when it was announced that the show was coming back on Netflix, I was fucking elated. Mm, yeah. yeah, you know, I still enjoyed. The fourth season, you know, even though a lot of AD fans, you know, didn't really like it as much as the previous seasons, like, and mostly because it, everyone involved in that, their careers had kind of like moved on for the most part. Yeah. And they kind of tried to do like, it wasn't bad, but I'm in the camp that I was kind of disappointed by it. But they kind of had to do like a crazy magic trick with everyone's schedules, right? And they they kind of were only able to have time with everyone in the same place for yeah. a, for a few days, and so they they it kind of affected the storytelling devices. And Usually it, in the show, you had like so many different like yeah. fucking story arcs going on within the same episode yeah. with all the characters. But here they did have those and they didn't intertwine, but some characters wouldn't be involved in those episodes. Right, exactly. And you barely, rarely got the Bluths all together in the same scene. And I mean, 
a lot – I think like Jeffrey Tambor, he had like three or four episodes dedicated to his character. Yeah, yeah. And it was like Tony Hale, Buster, got one fucking episode that was based on him. But I, I was still overall very happy with the season. Yeah, it was nice to see more, but it wasn't the best season. The presentation of it was a little hard to keep up with because it wasn't all in chronological order. Yeah. I'd have to see if I could find it. There was some guy who – edited the shit out of the whole season and re reassembled it to where it would be in chronological order it made sense and i heard a lot of people uh thought completely differently about the first season <laughs> probably it's probably toe for grace that's that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's interesting so the documentary it has interviews with the creators cast and fans of arrested development they talk about the show in its infancy and they talk about the show its eventual demise on Fox. And there's interviews with writer Mitch Hurwitz. They interview producer Ron Howard, who is the narrator on the show. Uh, they interview the cast, everybody except for Jessica Walter. Um, it's a tremendous look behind the scenes at the greatest comedy ever to hit the television, in my opinion. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, you need to watch this. I'm giving the Arrested Development documentary project a Tupperware. You can see this uh, for free right now if you have Dish Network. It's available if your receiver's working. It's, <laughs> it's available on demand. I highly recommend this show, um, Arrested Development Documentary Project. It, it, it is very good. If you are a fan of this show, you want to watch this. Henry Winkler gets interviewed, Mitch Hurwitz, uh, Ron Howard. It is so good. You've got to watch this. It's amazing. Nice. Do they have any footage of talking to these people while the season is actually being aired? Or is it all just post? It's all post stuff. That's still um, cool, though. Yeah, they talk about some of the deleted scenes and things like that, too. But they never show actual footage from the show. I don't think that they had the rights from Fox to do that. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, Frank, do you have anything for Good Pop, Bad Pop that doesn't include Destiny? Yes. Uh, Whoa! No, you can talk about Destiny. I'm just no, talking with you, man. Uh, I am actually going to blow you guys' minds that what I have to bring up is not about video games. Holy shit. I think this is a first. I think so. We, we will try to Kevin Bacon it two video games, though. Yeah. Okay. Six degrees of Frank <laughs> Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, at GPS, do you guys use that on your phone? Oh, absolutely. Or, uh, do you have like a specific app? Yeah, I use uh, – I'm, I'm a Verizon subscriber, so I use Verizon Navigator. Okay. Have you guys heard of Waze, W-A-Z-E? W-A-Z-E? Yeah. No. Uh, I didn't – Sounds like a rapper. Sounds like Maze. <laughs> I hadn't heard about it until uh, I caught wind that um, they had a specific actor do a voiceover so you could get your directions writ read by uh, a certain person. Have you guys ever had that, like, where you really wanted to get told where to go by a certain somebody? Well, yeah. my dad had uh, Homer on his GPS, so Homer would read them the directions, and if if you turn the wrong way, he'd go, don't! You know, and oh, then, gotcha. and I think they actually made a Night Rider one, and it had like the red light that would go back and forth, and <laughs> oh, as that's it talked cool. to you. So they did make a Night Rider GPS at one time. Got yeah, it. I actually know where Frank's going with this. I actually read this story this week too. I uh, I downloaded the app because it was free on the Apple App Store, uh -huh. and uh, <laughs> Terry Crews, Terry yeah, Crews, that's Terry awesome. Crews. Uh, yeah, I heard about that off of the Nerdist. And uh, I I immediately downloaded the app. And <laughs> That's awesome. Because I, mean, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Oh, crap. Let me see if I can figure I haven't done a whole lot. Um, <laughs> Tell us how to get to the liquor store. I got to select a rope. 
and see if he uh, actually takes off. Let's get started. That's awesome. <laughs> I think I'd have to move in order to get it going. But yeah, every time. Don't don't worry about it. Gotcha. Don't worry yeah, about every it. Right. every time you go to t- head somewhere, that he says that same thing. Is that All is right, that, is that is, so? It's it's called Waze, and it's it's all Terry Crews. Well, you have to actually go into the settings and language, yeah, and you can select uh, English and like uh, Samantha and then Tom, and then it says Terry Crews. Oh wow, yeah. So you get your directions read to you by Terry Crews, and I I'm excited to go to my first estimate with that because I use uh, GPS all the time to try to find houses and stuff, and uh, I I'm worried he's going to crack me up because if he's starting off like that, then I mean what, I'm I'm going to go the wrong way on purpose. You're going to get sidetracked just out. because it's hilarious, probably. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also going to go take the wrong a U-turn, way. motherfucker. Right. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. Like you're going down the wrong way. Ah! I, I think you guys are talking about the Samuel Jackson app, not Terry yeah. Crews. Yeah. So that, that's hilarious. So yeah. he'll tell you like in nine miles to turn left and stuff. Yeah. Huh? Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I caught that. I thought that was pretty sweet. I immediately downloaded it, and I don't intend to use uh, any other GPS for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Nice, Frank. You went the extra mile. That's great. I saw, I saw the article, but I, I did not download the app. So that that's great to hear it. Yeah, it's cool. I use it all the time, or use GPS all the time. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to using the shit out of it. Cool. All right, guys. I watched uh, Frank a few days ago. Oh, I'm jealous. It was kind of creepy. I thought somebody went outside my window. <laughs> I was, Frank. I was definitely outside your window. Was he playing Destiny? <laughs> he was playing Destiny. So, um, yeah, I watched Frank a few days ago. It stars Michael Fassbender, Domhnall Gleeson, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and Scoot McNary. Uh, the movie is about John, a young wannabe musician. D- he discovers he's bitten off more than he can chew when he joins an eccentric pop band led by the mysterious and enigmatic Frank. All right. The thing is uh, with the Frank movie, he's uh, wearing this huge mask that covers his entire head. You've seen this, Jake. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen this, Frank? No. You, really? No, huh? The movie's named after you. You haven't even looked into this? No. <laughs> Too busy what, playing that fucking Destiny. Watch right? the trailer, yeah. Frank. It's a great trailer. You Because yeah. you can get it on VOD for like seven bucks, and I'm just always like, oh, I want to get that. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. All right. It looks like uh, it's like the mask. It looks like it's been made out of like plaster. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. It's like a cross between Mr. Bill and the Pringles guy, kind of. <laughs> I think it looks like Davy from those uh, Christian Davy and Goliath. Okay, I, I get you there. Or uh, Moral Oral on Adult Swim. <laughs> oh, that I don't get. Oh, ya. Moral Oral. You never watch Moral Oral? I don't watch too much Adult Swim anymore. Okay. Um, I guess the it, the movie uh, is inspired by Frank Sidebottom. Yeah, uh, a real band where the front man wore a paper mache mask, and it looks really similar. Um, the character of Frank keeps this mask on at all times. He never takes it off ever. Yeah, not even to bathe, not to eat. Um, the movie is like nothing I've ever seen. It's really quirky. It's weird, and um, it's really, really, really not good in my opinion. You didn't like it. I, I, I'm really sorry. I, I did not like this movie. Oh, are you tossing it? I. <laughs> I was really looking forward to this one, but I just did not like it. I, I, I and I think it's because I just I didn't get it. Mm. Uh, it's it's not the fun, quirky type of movie that like I enjoy in like a Wes Anderson film. It's something completely different, other than that type of humor that I get. Okay. Um, one of my main problems is I didn't connect with any of the characters. 
Yeah. Uh, Domino Gleason is really not interesting uh-huh. as the main character, uh, John. People might disagree with me. Uh, the character that is very eccentric and, uh, is Frank. And I think, I, I think he's the most interesting. Um, but the character of Frank is, uh, I, I, like the musicians in the group, they look at him as like this brilliant mind. Okay. He's brilliant. Um, but on the flip side, he also has a mental illness. Okay. And here's my biggest problem with the movie Frank and what I didn't get about the film. Uh, the movie never really picks a side as to what this movie is about, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, is it about the struggle of, you know, creativity with our main character of John? Or is it about the mental illness of Frank? Gotcha. It's kind of lacks focus. Yes. In my opinion, it really does. Also, is Frank really brilliant when it comes to music? Or is he just being followed by a bunch of talentless people <laughs> that really have no taste at all? Yeah, blowing smoke up his ass. Exactly. Um, and maybe someone else watching this movie, you know, they got it. Yeah. I didn't. I, I mean, the movie has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So critics are loving it. Yeah. Um, it had a high rating by the audience, so audiences are liking it. Um, I think also uh, another downfall is you know picking John to be the main focus uh, instead of the more interesting character of Frank. Yeah, I think that was a big mistake. I think this was a really cool idea for a movie. I just think that the execution was a little lacking, and I'm going to have to toss Frank. Oh wow! What about? Let me ask you a question. What about the music? Was the music good? What would I, you, I didn't really care for it. No, do you do you toss it? I think Michael Fassbender has a pretty good voice for it and stuff like that. It's not music that I would listen to. Like the part where there's just parts that are confusing. Like there's like uh John gets done talking uh, talking about like wanting to be creative, wanting to do a song, mm-hmm. and, and Frank has this conversation with him like, "Oh, you can do a song about anything." He's like, uh, "Take a look at like this blanket," and there's like this loose tuft of like. uh like uh, fabric, fabric or whatever. Exactly. And he starts singing a song about that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, is it really that brilliant? Mm-hmm. And like, is that music really that good? Or are these people just following this guy who's just as clueless as they are yeah. and mistaking, you know, this mental illness as genius, as brilliance? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never really got – that's my biggest problem with the movie is like is this movie about this guy wanting to break out being creative or is it trying to deal with this guy's mental illness and like why he wears the mask and you know why he has the anxiety and shit? I, it straddles a fine line between the two and I never really could tell what the movie was getting at. Does the movie – show other people getting their brilliance like are people like going bullshit crazy at the concerts or anything no yeah no you you have to see the movie it's not what i expected at all i expected a weird movie but i expected it to go in a different direction i expected (laughs) to be more frank centric since the movie is called frank yeah more fart jokes yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) nobody drank any vodka well no wigs and i did not like maggie gyllenhaal in this at all i was Uh, not buying her character i did not like her character one bit all right i'm shocked i still want to see it no. Yeah. Definitely watch it. Definitely watch it. Yeah, because I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Like, our listener John Woods watched it and loved it. Yeah, he changed his profile to Frank. Yeah, he loved it. And I'm not, I'm saying some people get it. Some people get it. But me watching it, I never could really, I never knew what the movie was really trying to, like, do. Did it feel pretentious to you? 
No, it didn't feel pretentious. No. Not at all. Okay. I don't think it felt pretentious. I just felt like it just – I don't think the movie knew what it was. I want to – I like – at the end of a movie, I want to be like, that's what they were, that's, that's the buildup. That's the payoff. Gotcha. And I, at the end of the movie, I never really got like what the payoff was. It was mm. like, are we supposed to be aware of this guy's illness now? Or are we supposed to be like, okay, John is going to be, John is going to be forever changed from this, this uh, experience. And now he's going to be this creative guy <laughs> that he always wanted to be. Hmm. I, I didn't, I, I just never really got what they were going for. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll still check it out. Is there um, any kind of uh, resolution to the story? Did this guy pass away or? Oh, geez, Frank. <laughs> no spoilers. Well, no, well, I'm not, not going to get into spoilers. Okay. No. Well, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like, I mean, it, how closely involved was this uh, Frank guy actually involved with the production? Is it somebody basically trying to make their own sense of encountering this? I think fellow? it's loosely adapted it's very off of loosely. Soggy Bottom. Okay. It's loosely adapted. Um, yeah, there's a. Uh, there's going to be a documentary about Frank Sidebottom, an actual documentary about the guy, and it's in production right now, and it's called Being Frank, the Chris CV story, and that's going to be coming out soon. I have more interest to see that than this film. Hmm. That sounds more intriguing to me, watching a documentary about the real guy, than what I saw in this film. Yeah. I just called it Soggy Bottom instead yes, of Side Bottom. Are you thinking about that George Clooney movie, yeah. Yeah. The Soggy Bottom I, Boys, I, or whatever? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that is what what totally crossed in my that mind. That was a great movie. It was, I love it was that a good movie. John Goodman was in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that was about the Iliad and the Odyssey. That's yeah. like, like a story about that. Yeah, yeah. Because like John Goodman had the eye patch. He was the Cyclops. Uh-huh. Yeah, he had the sirens. Yeah. I love that movie. That, that was, was a great really movie. Good. Very brilliant. All right, guys. Uh, did you guys have anything left for? No, we're we're good. We're good. I got a little bit of an update. Uh, real quick, um, I did watch a few more episodes of BoJack Horseman because I got to thinking about it after you guys talked to me. And, you know, it, it's it's a movie is a one shot. Be honest. Deal. If you don't like right. the fucking show, just Well, let I'm not me know. changing okay. my mind on it, really. Right. I mean, if anything, I would say it's a high toss it, low taste it. I get, okay, so I'd say it's a low taste it. I'm not really trying to change my rating, but after having watched through the fourth episode, I get what they're going get where they're going with it yeah. now. Is it a dark comedy? It is. It okay. tries to be. It's not they backed up way off of the like the flashback side note stuff yeah. like they did with Family Guy. And there is a cohesive storyline and as you start to watch the show it kind of fleshes the characters out a little bit. You get to learn more backstory because right. all that stuff kinda counts. Whereas in something like Family Guy, it doesn't fucking matter. Um I get where they're going with it. I, you know, it seems like it was getting better. I don't. I still don't think it's ever going to really blow my mind. I don't know that I'll go back and keep watching it, but I mean, I, I do feel like I gave it a fair enough shake. Fair enough. Now. You gave it. You gave it a good four episodes, right? Yep. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good place to kind of drop off if you don't like a show. I, I agree. I, I agree too. I, you gave it a fair shot. Don't low taste it though. Just toss it. I hate low taste well, it. And it, the reason why, okay, the reason why I'm saying taste it is because. Somebody else might really get the humor. I yeah. see where they're going with it. Yeah, but it's I, not. Who cares about yeah. someone else? I don't hate low taste. It's yeah, I do. I, I what I care. I don't. As long as it's your opinion, don't yeah. give it a low a ta- low taste. It just to appease somebody else. If you no, toss no, no, it, no. you toss it. No, the the first episode on its own. If you watch it, it's so fucking confusing, and you don't really get any kind of an idea. Pa- that's the way pilots work. are, right? Yeah. And and that episode on its own was a complete toss. It, but. 
I, the pilot episode – go back and watch the pilot episode of Seinfeld. Absolutely awful. Yeah. Gotcha. And it turned out to be one – and I know there's a lot of people that hate Seinfeld. I know. And I know that some are probably listening. But Seinfeld did, was on and it was the biggest show for that time in the late 90s. Yeah. No, I love Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld too. Hello. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah, I love too, Curb Your yeah. Enthusiasm so, too. No, but yeah, I, usually pi- pilots are crap. I was yeah. just giving Frank shit because he said he's giving it a low taste it because he could see how someone else would like it. Yeah. And well, that's not the reason to no, give it. No, it's not. It's got more of a cohesive storyline than what I would have given it credit for. I, I, I wouldn't say it's absolutely horrible like, oh my god, I couldn't stand to watch another minute of this show. If it was on, you know, I probably wouldn't. But with all the it. things that you watch now and all the destiny that you play, you just don't have the time to yeah, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna go back to it right away for right. sure. I mean, yeah, tasted. All right, guys, I saw a movie. This is the last thing I have for good pop, bad pop. I saw a movie in the theater yesterday. Yeah, uh, No Good Deed with Idris Elba. And, uh, you know, guys, have you seen the trailers for this? I have not. I have not. I, the only thing I'd heard was a little bit about Idris's character. Okay, uh, basically, let me give you a rundown of what this movie is about. It, it's an unstable escape convict terrorizes a woman who is alone with her two children. Um, mm, that kind of movie. Yes. Okay. So I'm a big fan of Idris Elba. I, I loved him in Pacific Rim. I loved him in Luther, which I admit I have not seen all three seasons yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's something that I do plan on going back to. Uh, th- that, that right there, he was, it's like a crime drama series and, and he plays a detective, like a murder detective who's very, very intelligent. Yeah. What and, network's that on? Uh, I, that was BBC, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, so I was like really excited to see Idris Elba play like the opposite type of character, you know, uh, than he does on Luther. Um, you know, somebody who's like a psychotic, psychotic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the movie starts off like most of these movies, you know, do where like the convict, you know, pretends to like he needs help and so he can get inside of the home <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, of the person that he's about to like terrorize, you know, he's like the re- the Ray Liotta of the unlawful entry clone. basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of things happen that happen in other movies. You know, you know, once he's in the house, you know, he's cutting the cord to the phone. <laughs> you know, he's hiding the knives. You know, things like that. And it plays out like most of those movies. Um, the female in the movie, they try to make like her character a little bit more interesting. Okay. Which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, and they introduce her as like a district attorney whose job it is to take care of like, you know, cases for women that have been abused by men. Okay. So I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. Not just a pushover. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's, you know, she, like, that's her job is like she defends these women. And I thought that was very cool. So she's going to be a very powerful, empowered female. And stand up for herself. Yeah. And shit, you think. It just kind of felt – it falls like really flat when she does what all of – and I know they have to do the, this in these fucking movies. But like she does what all these women do in these movies by – she hits the villain in the head once with like a very you know solid blunt object and then just starts running. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm sorry, but when you have these guys down – Follow through. Keep right. going. Keep just fucking beating the shit out of that motherfucker until he's done. Right. Follow through. Exactly. But mm. she does what they do in all these movies. 
you know, if it's not a horror movie and the woman's like tripping or getting her hair caught in a fucking tree, you know, in the branches and shit, it's this shit where they knock him down, the guy's out cold, and then they just fucking run and then try to get out of the house. Then, of course, they go back to the same spot where he was and he's he's gone. He's not there. <laughs> yeah. Same shit. Hashtag tropes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, Idris Elba, he, you know, as your villain, he's good, but he's not great. Yeah. And when I think of like great psychotic villains in in movies, I, you know, I think of like Jack Nicholson, yeah, in The Shining, and and even Denzel Washington in Training Day, yeah, one of his best performances, or like Heath Ledger as the Joker. I mean, these guys were really fucking good in those yeah. movies, man. I may be crazy, but I still think of uh, Rebecca Demone from Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Too. That was good. Yeah, that was. Good. I saw that in the theater with my parents. As a kid. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, creepy. Yeah, a little. Creepy. Um, I think Idris Elba, he's better at playing the hero with a, with a little edge. Um, yeah. You know, not a man that's crazy. The movie, it really saves itself when there is a cool reveal later in the movie. It's a really cool twist. I, I actually heard gasps in my, in my audience when this happened, and I was one of them. Wow. <gasps> yeah, it was. It was like a <gasps> moment for me, and uh, it was cool. Uh, the movie itself, it kind of suffered in parts, like with the musical, sto- musical score. It wasn't like really as scary as what was actually happening, <laughs> and I, I, I think that hurt the movie as well. Were they playing shiny happy people during this time? No, there, there was no, there was no REM, but you know, it, it wasn't, it, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like a little bit more, like in, uh, fucking like, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Mm-mm. you don't even really hear music. You just hear like, you know, like metal clanging and like just scary shit like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like this musical score just didn't really amp up anything hmm. it, and it didn't really scare me. The supporting cast was okay. They're nothing great. Uh, Idris was definitely the standout in this movie, although he was not what I expected in this film. It's just not as thrilling as I would have liked it to be. But just because of that, you know, cool reveal at the very end, I'm going to give this movie a uh, what you hate. I'm going to give it a weak, a low taste it. Lo- I'm going to give it a weak taste it. Is weak. there a difference between a low taste it and a weak taste it? I don't know. Hey. They're they're both ballless. No, <laughs> I think the movie. I think the movie failed on many levels. But I think that reveal is what redeemed it, and that's what's going to give me a weak taste it. That's what I. I'm going to want people to see. No. It's nothing that you have to see in the theater, but I, it's a fun, it's a fun movie to watch maybe as a red box, you know, yeah. late at night. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, yeah, watch it late at night. It's a fun red box movie. I get what you're saying. The, the end means a lot. Like if I watch 90 minutes of a trope drama, yeah. but then they finally give me something interesting and innovative and new at the end, yes. then it's like, oh, thank God I didn't sit through exactly. all that, all that exactly. nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what did it. That's what did it. It's like, you know, like all these movies that it, it, it's almost even worse when you're watching a movie that's so fucking amazing and yeah. so good. And then at the end, that's when it falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's when it falls apart. That's why, like, M. Night Shyamalan fucking succeeded in The Sixth Sense mm-hmm. because he really, really nailed that ending as to where, like, movies like, uh, what was it, like, The Village? The Village, yeah. Like, I had that all planned out, like, before it even was revealed. I, like, yeah. uh, the girl I was seeing at the time, I looked at her and I go, I bet you anything this is what happens. I turned out to be right, and it was just like, okay, whatever, that's the big reveal. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, this movie... Yeah, I, I had to suffer through a bunch of shit on a movie that I really, really, really wanted to enjoy because I love the actor. 
but it did pay off at the end for the most part. That's on best best M Night movie ever, by the way. Uh huh. Unbreakable. Unbreakable is really good. That was good. In it was my really opinion. good. Signs is my favorite. Oh, I hate Signs. Really? Oh, I can't stand it. Swing away, swing away. Yeah, the thing is with Signs, it's like you've got this alien race that comes down here, Frank. Yeah. And they're, they're, the, the, the brilliant thing about it is that their only weakness is water on a planet that's made up of like, I don't know, what is it, like 80% water? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of stupid. But I understand that they did target places that weren't by big bodies of water. Right. It was just, that's, it's, I don't know. It I, was, it was really thematically had a lot of big time religious overtones too. That not to get into religion, but yeah. just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Right. Like, so I was like, eh, this movie. As far as um, movies with big twists and avoiding like um, you know Star Wars with Vader being Luke's father, what would you say your favorite movie with a twist at the end is? Fight Club. Fight Club was good, man. Tyler fucking Durden, dude. That's the big. That's my favorite movie with the twist ending. Like, are you guys excited for the fucking? Uh, I am ex- for the OGNs, the Fight Club sequel. Yeah, the graphic Fight Club novels. sequel, gra- graphic novel. Yeah, I want to see that. I'm excited. Yeah, I've seen some of the art for it because he was showing it off. Is it at, James Franco that's going to be doing a movie based on one of those Chuck Paul? I can't pronounce his name. Chuck Paulaniak. Uh, uh, I don't remember. I don't. I haven't heard that yet. I think. I think. I think it's Franco that's going to be doing one of his fucking graphic novels as. as and doing it in a movie. Nice. I've but, read I've read a handful of his books. Fight Club. Yeah, dude, great fucking twist ending. Right? Yeah, I really was blo- I was blown ending. away. Yeah. One that I thought was neat was uh Book of Eli. Yeah, have not seen that. You know, that's the thing. It's like people either loved or hated Book of Eli. Right. I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was nice. good. Yeah, at the and I don't want to give away what that spoiler is at the end in yeah. case you haven't seen it because it is so huge and i want to thank the army dude i posed the question of like who else is excited to fucking see denzel and the equalizer yeah and i got people shitting on it and then all of a sudden the army spoke up and said no denzel i want to see this shit right because dude i'm telling you he looks like a badass I, I, you know another thing is like <laughs> that's the thing it's like you've got denzel in this i i'm not a big fan of these daniel craig james bond movies yeah I would rather watch Denzel Washington kick an ass in a film like this than those Daniel Craig movies. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Daniel Craig just seems like – dude, Daniel Craig to me just seems just so – I don't know. I don't see any depth to him at all. He's he kind of bland. He's. It's not even like he's bland. It's like this dude was just like – like he was just chiseled from a, a, a rock in a mountain. I, I and agree with you. he just came you. out and he's got – he's just like this chiseled hard man and I and he's not the suave – uh, James Bond that we are used to. He's more of like it's like Christopher Nolan got a hold of the series, yeah, and and now we're seeing like a Christopher Nolan version of of him. It's like oh, we don't have to make him like uh like a uh, a guy with like you know dark hair. We can just have this blue eyed blonde dude be your um James Bond. And yeah. I didn't care for Casino Royale, so I dro- I dropped off, man. See, I love Casino Royale. I wasn't a big fan of Quantum of Solace and then was right back into it with Skyfall. Yeah. And it's it's the whole production of James Bond just gets me, you know, the the score and all the classic sound effects yeah. and just the, you know, the amazing cinematography, the car chase sequences. I just like it. I I'm I'm a big Bond guy. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I try I like not to think too hard with those because they are what they are. Yeah, they're 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 all cheesy. They're meant to be a little cheesy. Yeah, but they're, I mean, I would say Daniel Craig is probably my least favorite Bond. You well, know, see, I I can't stand Timothy Dalton. 
He did. Did he do one? He movie? did two. He did two. He did two. Yeah. So a view to kill, and um, license to kill. Yeah, I used to have the license to kill poster in my bedroom as a kid. Oh, right? nice. So. So no, it was the and the Living Daylights. It was that's the two he did: the Living Daylights and License to Kill. Yeah. So he, I've never been a huge Bond fan. Yeah. Really, I mean, but you know, when you do think of Bond, I still people, I still think people are thinking Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Yeah, Roger right. Moore is like my Bond. That's the one that I grew up with. Yeah, and then Pierce Brosnan probably after that. See, I like um, Daniel Craig a hundred times more than Pierce Brosnan. I'm exactly the other way. See, around. Pierce Brosnan is like to me like someone's butler is James Bond all of a sudden. And I just don't like it. He's too stuffy for me. Well, uh, you know, if if the uh, new uh, if the November Man is any indication about that, you're absolutely right because that movie's been doing shit in the theater. I think. Yeah, is that a Pierce Brosnan movie? Yeah, yeah. it's the new uh, Pierce Brosnan movie. I'm also going to say one thing, and people might disagree with me. <laughs> I am fucking sick and tired of Liam Neeson playing the same character in all these movies yeah, now. Taken eight. Thousand. Well, it's right. it, now that it's got like a walk in the tombstones or whatever that new movie's called, yeah. or like the, where he's on the plane. Liam Neeson, he has so much range, and all he's doing is these movies where he has to be like this, like yeah. uh, guy who like rescues people that are kidnapped. Or Watch like, out, terrorist! Exactly. I couldn't stand into the gray. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that. That was awful. It was called yeah. the gray. Oh, the gray. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't. I, I saw nonstop, that. and it wasn't terrible. I gave it a. A low taste it. <laughs> was that the plain one? That was the plain one. I never saw it. it I, yeah, it was super tropey, but it was it was kind of lighthearted fun. Did you guys see that he would not be opposed to be uh, coming back as Qui Gon as a Force ghost? Yeah, I believe it. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah, still have unanswered questions there. Yeah. So all right, hey, uh, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back with the pop culture leftovers news. If that's okay with you guys. Yeah, I can't wait for the drop. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> back it's time for the pop culture leftovers news this is where we're going to talk about some of the news subjects that uh you know we're big big this week or small this week whatever the fuck whatever mm. we want to cover really big news big news hear ye hear ye read all about it it's a lot of news and there's no doubt about it this news is gangsta as fuck yo it's gangsta as fuck yo Gangsta as fuck, yo. <laughs> Hell yeah, it's gangsta as fuck. All right, uh, this next news story comes from moviepilot.com. I love this bit of news. Jennifer Lawrence has set the world record as the highest grossing action heroine. 
She will be featured in the 2015 Guinness Book of World Records, which will hit shelves on September 11th. I'm telling you, man, there's yeah. nothing that she's doing right now that is failing. No. Nothing. I, I saw that she's going to be in another movie with uh, Bradley Cooper that I yeah. think's um, a David O. Russell movie mm-hmm. who did uh, Silver Linings Playbook and uh, American Hustle more recently. Yeah. So I'm sure that'll be great. Another reunion with those guys. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like Selena or Sabrina or something like that. No, I forget the name. Can't remember the name, Frank. Sorry. <laughs> That's not the story. The story here is the Hunger Games franchise that allowed her to win this title has made over one point. Five two billion worldwide. The second movie, The Hunger Games: Catching Fire, alone made eight hundred and fifty four million internationally. Yeah, does I mean, doesn't her X Men earnings count into that record too? Making her. Uh, um, I think that they are. I think what they're talking about is um lead heroine gotcha okay um because i mean you think of her and those are the two movies that she's a lead in you know like when you think of um alien you think of sigourney weaver exactly so that would make her eligible for this you know i mean but um i think a lot of this might have to do with inflation too Mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean but um i mean no that's pretty huge i mean two movies that they're putting in there um you know we have two more Hunger Games movies left, yeah. actually. So, I mean, this is going to go up there. She's really vaulted herself to that next level. She's made the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, she's beaten out Uma Thurman, you know, in the Kill Bill movies. Mm. Uh, Mia uh, Jovovich from Resident Evil, who's done six of those Resident Evil movies that have done gangbusters, you know, uh, internationally. Five. The six to come. Six to come, yeah. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know, Alien, Aliens, uh, Alien 3, and then Resurrection. I mean. Yeah. Angelina Jolie with Angel- the Tomb Raider movies and Maleficent. Yeah. 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 So, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Good for her, Jennifer Lawrence. And, and those books, I mean, not, not to take anything away from Jennifer Lawrence, but I mean, they were kind of the next big phenomenon, you know? The, the post-Twilight youth adult book series that sure. really just blew up the world. Yeah, but it's not I, working for everybody. I mean, look at look at uh, Divergent. Yeah, but those books, to be fair, weren't bought, weren't didn't have the buzz behind them that Hunger Games did going sure. into it. Sure. Yeah, Harry Potter had a lot of buzz going into the Harry Potter films, but like, yeah, you know, Divergent just kind of like that. That yeah. was a that was a real shit storm right there. Yeah, and we're about to see I think Maze Runner, it'll probably be a giant shit storm too. Probably. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think like the Twilight books though, they created like their own uh, genre. Like if you go to fucking like uh what is it like uh Barnes and Nobles now, there's a whole section devoted to like, you know, supernatural romance now. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to call it bullshit mythology. <laughs> I was I was love on Conan how they had the uh the hunky mummy to counteract the Twilight crowd, <laughs> always really cracked me up. Right, <laughs> it's really funny stuff. You know, I give a lot of stuff a chance, and when I w- was forced to watch the first one, and he started sparkling in the sun, I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. You know where I checked out in the Twilight movie? Where's that? Vampire baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fucked up, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> There's no vampires in baseball. Yeah. No vampires in baseball. Man. No vampires in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was too much. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My, like, one of my favorite memes was, like, 
it says how Twilight should have ended, and it shows them together. You know, uh, what's his name? Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson yeah. as the vampires. Uh-huh. Yeah. And behind them, you see Blade with his, like, you know, sword out. I love that fucking meme. Yeah. I saw the same thing, but it was Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. Yeah, nice. I was going to say, I like, the, I like the Buffy one. Yeah. Uh, hell, I, I, either one of them can take their heads off. Yeah, I'm please, fine with please. Exactly. All right, we talked about Simpsons earlier. Uh, so this year, the Simpsons are doing, you know, like, like you mentioned, the crossovers with Family Guy and Futurama. Mm-hmm. What's the other one that they're doing? Uh, the Death of a Character. Right, and then they're also doing, they've got a crossover in the works, like you said, where they're crossing over with themselves. Yeah. Uh, it's for this year's Treehouse of Horror. Uh, the episode, uh, The Simpsons will cross over with versions of themselves that audience were first introduced to that I remember seeing back in 1987 on the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, very crude and rude drawings. Very crude right. and rude. Even the voices were totally different. Yeah, um, Dan Castanella was kind of doing a Walter Matthau instead yeah. of the Homer voice you were and used to. he talked to. a lot slower. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys. That's Exactly yeah, how it yeah, sounded, yeah. yeah. Um, the, ep- the episode will parody the supernatural drama. The others and the old school design Simpson family will be the ghosts also living in the Evergreen Terrace home. Even their voices, like, yeah, like we said, they're going to be totally different. Uh, Bart sounded like a lot more nasally mm-hmm. back then. And then Homer, he sounded, he sounded, he didn't sound as dimwitty and doofy. Yeah, he was just like a lovable old chum. Right. Uh, now, this isn't the first time since the Ullman days that these characters have been used on the show. They were seen in uh, season 11's Beyond the Blunder Dome for mm. a couch gag. They were also used in the Guillermo del Toro Treehouse of Horror episode where they were shown buried under the house. I love that del Toro opening. Oh, it was great. And it went on forever. And he wanted to do more with it. I know. He wanted it to go on longer. It was so fucking good. You can see it on YouTube. It's they, so good. Um, Horner did the score for that, that couch gag. Uh-huh. And they played that on the big screen and then did all the music for it live at the simpsons hollywood bowl nice so it was cool to see that again oh god it is such a great intro (laughs) it is such a good intro um now these characters they haven't been used in this capacity before it's going to be a full episode simpsons executive producer al jean told entertainment weekly where the idea for the crossover originated We've implied that they were murdered and buried under the house. So this is expanding that thought, he explained. If people want a real Halloween bloodbath, they get it. So, you know, Family Guy, they did an episode like this before where they met their first season counterparts. Oh, really? Uh, back when the, the drawings were a little bit different. Okay. And it was back when, like, when Stewie's character hated the mother and he was, you know, hell-bent on taking over the world. So, and Stewie's character has changed a little bit since then. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they, they did this before, and I think that they, this is even more warranted in The Simpsons because it's been on a lot longer. I think this is a long, long oh, past yeah. overdue. Yeah. Even from um, those Tracy Ullman shorts to season one were radical changes in the way the characters were drawn. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be wild to see the two like colliding. Yeah, it's going to be cool. And it sounds like, like these characters are going to be ghosts, you know, that are buried under the house and haunting them. So this is perfect for the Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. Now, it won't be a whole episode. It'll just be like it's third. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, Yeah. Uh, you guys want to do some fall comic book TV previews? Fall comic sure. book TV previews. All right, so we've got some comic book movie, comic book TV shows that are going to be hitting the airwaves again. Of course, we know Arrow is going to be going into its third third season, but I wanted to be, I wanted to talk about the shows that we have not seen. Um, 
And I've got some great news about one of those shows. Uh, before, okay, those shows are Gotham, Constantine, The Flash, and then the Peggy Carter show. So before I go into these, I want to know what show are you guys looking the forward forward to seeing the most? Which one are you looking forward to seeing the most out of all these four shows? I am looking forward to seeing Gotham the most. Okay. Um, you know what? I think I would be looking forward to seeing The Flash the most if I didn't feel like I was so separated from it because I haven't watched Arrow. I feel like that – I don't know if it's doing this for everybody, but for me, it's working against it. Nothing personal against Arrow. It's just that I happen not to have seen any of it yet. And I feel like they're already telling me that this is like really closely knit to it. I read they're going to have a crossover by issue or issue by episode four of Flash and everything. And I just think that's too soon. If I, if I thought this show was standing on its own two legs more than being kind of like concurrent with Arrow, I'd be, it'd be the one I'd want to see the most. I think the crossover is just for fan service, but I honestly think that this show is going to stand by itself. You think I'm still going to watch. I, I just like hope I'm not feeling like I'm like missing out on. It's going to have already. its own cast of characters that that uh, that are in this you know Flash world. Yeah, and I think it's going to stand by itself. I think the crossover episode is to help boost ratings if they feel like the ratings aren't where they want them to be. It's going to be able to get some of the people that maybe are watching Arrow and not watching Flash into watching the Flash. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of like what Marvel does with their point one issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like maybe just like, okay, here's three issues of the Flash. We're going to give you a point one issue that's going to feature Arrow. And then from there, like if you weren't watching the show, now you're going to be able to watch the show and enjoy it. I'm just concerned that like the origin already happened on no, the Arrow show. It didn't. It did not. They introduced him into two episodes. They had planned on showing the origin in the episodes, but they scrapped that and they're saving it for episode one. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. That's good. Good then. Um, still though, I Gotham is where I'm. I, it's, it sounds like it's going to be really noir, really dark. Kind, you know, still funny with this. You know, grounded in like a sense of humor, but. Yet, yeah, really interesting. I, I'm really excited to see Gotham. What about you, Frank? Uh, I've, I would say it'd be The Flash. Yeah. And I, I'm getting ready to start chomping down on Arrow here. I think I've got like four episodes of Breaking Bad left, and then I'm done with that, and then I'll be able to start trying to get caught up. Um, but I read something the other day, and it, you got the pilot, and then they're supposed to be coming out. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, some kind of um, – graphic novel to go in between that and the first episode where it shows him being young, trying to learn how to use his powers. Are you talking about the, the flash, yeah. the digital comic? Yeah. Okay. Let me talk a little bit more about that. Um, there's a digital comic that you can currently, that, that you can get now. It, it ties in with the series, the flash. It's called the flash season zero. It's written by uh Kreisberg, Brooke Eichmeier and Catherine Walzak with art by Phil Hester and Eric Gapster. Mm. It, it's intended to take place between the pilot episode and episode two. Uh, Kreisberg stated Barry will already be the flash. He will have his team. Everyone will be in that world and will introduce a new set of villains that we won't be seeing on the TV show. It'll feel like the same heart humor and spectacle that you get watching flash. The comic will showcase the entire TV cast, 
plus new rogues, a group of circus performers who gained superpowers as a result of Star Lab's particle accelerator explosion. The group is led by Mr. Bliss, a character who first appeared in Starman. Then uh, the comic uh, the comic launched digitally bi- uh, bi-weekly on September 8th, 2014, with its first physical release featuring a collection of the digital releases scheduled to release on October 1st. Hmm. Yeah, DC's been doing a lot of that lately. They have. Where they, it's like... A- it's a 99 cent comic that's like not the full length of a comic and then like three of them together compromise a full like 32 page book they'll sell you later on down the line right this is kind of the only thing that gives me cause for trepidation because is it going to be something that you either have to watch or doesn't matter in which case is it going to be any good but the book yeah no, you, you don't no, have no, to no, read no, it no 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 the book like just like the the Godzilla movie that came out yeah you know they had the Godzilla prequel comic right. you didn't have to read that to to watch the movie right yeah. it's just kind of like uh it's just kind of like raising awareness for the comic book readers um it's a way to tie in and sell comic books which I think is a good idea but I think DC and Marvel are both missing out on like the movies and the TV shows as far as like like I think before each show Oh yeah I've complained about this for years They should say Marvel has this comic book event called Original Sin going on right now or Marvel has this comic book event going on right now or if you like Agents of Shield maybe you should check out the new Winter Soldier comic or if you liked you know uh this or that you should check this out or with DC before like the Man of Steel like if they were to like plug Superman Unchained that would have been a great way to sell the comic books just a th- 15 to 30 second. You don't even need to show anything. Oh, yeah. Just show a few panels from the comic book and just say it's out on stands now. I think they are really missing the boat with that. You're preaching to the choir there, brother. I, I, I've been saying this exact same thing for years. It's like, why are they not helping out where they're getting all this money from? Exactly. Throw them a fucking bone. Yeah. Just say, hey, go check this shit out. If you like this, check this out. Yep. You know, even shit, why not have a comic book you hand out that if you go, I mean, they're, they can hand out exclusive posters, posters. and all these things. Yeah. Let's hand out a fucking 22 page comic book that yeah. you read it and you go, hey, shit, that was good. I'd like to read more of this. Right. Exactly. Like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. You know, just show it like, like a, one of those free comic day books. That's all they really need to do. Exactly. Uh, you know, so there's so many ways that they could they could help um, promote the actual paper medium. Not just the paper, but the comic books in general. Yeah. Going so, back into the Godzilla well, I don't know if you remember what John Woods, who read that comic, his take on it was. Mm-hmm. It was that they over-explained things that were left a mystery in the movie, which somewhat took away for him. Yeah, just in a movie, though. Like, this is an ongoing TV series. I mean, it's just a bi-weekly thing. It's going to just be basically, like, one issue. Gotcha. And it's just going to fill in the blanks. I mean, it's nothing that you have to read. But I I like this idea when it comes to comic books. I don't – Godzilla comic books selling, that's whatever. Right. But yeah. as far as like – because like, you know, yeah, they've got Godzilla Cataclysm book and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean there's going to be people that read the Godzilla comic books. But as far as like getting people to read Marvel, getting people to read DC – this i think it i think this is a good way to do it right. but what the flash tv show needs to do is because the comic book's promoting this fucking tv show maybe the tv show can promote the comic book right. i'll scratch your back you scratch mine motherfucker oh, i do it exactly man i i 
bitched about that for years too. It's like Marvel's the same fucking way. It's like every comic for three fucking months will tell you when Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out in the theater. Yeah. There's a fucking sidebar at the top of every issue saying Iron Man 3 comes out this day. Yeah. But it's like you can't – it goes both ways. You know, Throw them a fucking bone. Exactly. That's yeah, ridiculous. All I'm asking for is like a quick 15 to 30 second fucking thing where they say, read the comic book. If you like this, read the comic book. Yeah, they can't get it anywhere. Even at the end of the movie, for God's sakes, you know, right. everyone's sticking around anyway. I have on rare occasions heard radio ads for comic books. Yeah. Very rarely, but I do every great once in a while hear radio ads. Like when the Age of Ultron event was going on, yeah. there was a radio ad out. That's Holy interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard one. I remember back in the day, there'd be like TV ads for books. Yeah. So you'd see that like a TV ad for the new Stephen King book or yeah, L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. Oh, all the time. All the time <laughs> yeah. with that. But um, good news about you said so you're looking forward to Flash. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're looking forward to Gotham and and Flash and Flash. Not so much Constantine. Okay, mine. This is tough because my favorite DC character is the Flash. Yeah, he's my favorite DC character. But I'll be honest with you, the show and I'm buying into it, man. I'm drinking the fucking Kool Aid here. Mm-hmm. The show that I'm looking forward to the most is Gotham. Yeah. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that, and this is why the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that the new Gotham series coming to Fox is what the critics are thinking as the most promising new show of the season. In a poll, it beat out the second and third place finishers, uh, Jane the Virgin being one of them, and The Affair. Uh, in another poll, Gotham also won the drama character. Uh, again, it beat out The Affair and How to Get Away with Murder. Um, as far as, as for the actors, the category of new breakout star went to Gina Rodriguez, Jane the Virgin, and with uh, four times the votes of Grant Gustin, The Flash, and Robin Lord Taylor of Gotham. But the reason, you know, I'm pointing this out is I think like this may be a great reason for people to watch this show. The critics are really liking it. Um, as far as like getting these testers, they mm-hmm. get the testers in the mail for the pilot. This seems to be the one that the critics are most excited about. That sometimes goes a long way with me. I guess I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but that's what makes me, I'm anticipating Gotham the most now. And, and, and that saddens me to say that because I love I love, I love The Flash. The Flash is one book I will always get. I don't care if I don't like the writing team. I don't care if I like the art. I will always get The Flash because I love the character. And I want to know what's going on with the character. But that kind of saddens me because I'm looking forward the most to seeing Gotham. Yeah. I think Gotham, it's a really smart move. They're really taking... um I mean, what's bigger in primetime TV than the procedural crime drama? You know, right. the week to week, you know, who done it crime drama. Sure. And to tie that in to the also popular superhero genre and comic book genre into one big all inclusive package, I think it's just a real smart idea. If they can pull that off, then they're gonna draw a lot of people into the show. Yeah. You know, maybe people that aren't into comic book stuff but are big CSI heads and that yeah. those kind of shows and everything. Yeah. It really sounds like it does a fair job at representing that type of television market right. and not just being a Batman show. And in fact, as far as we know, it's not really a Batman show at all. It wasn't supposed to be a Batman show at the beginning. It was supposed to focus more on Jim Gordon. And but, Bullock is what I heard. Right. Jim Gordon yeah. and Bullock, their relationship. But since then, when they cast that child actor that played in uh, – 
what was it, the uh, Kiefer Sutherland show Touch. Oh, yeah. Once they cast him and they realized that this kid is a great actor mm-hmm. on a really good level, um, they are incorporating a lot more Bruce Wayne now because of that fact. It was, like you said, mostly Jim Gordon, mostly the guy that plays Bullock. And now that they've got this kid actor who they've got a lot of trust in, we are going to be seeing a lot more Bruce Wayne. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I I knew we'd see some. I read uh, just this morning that Ben McKenzie, who plays Gordon, uh, was injured. Uh, it said it was a uh, fight sequence gone awry. He's it was gonna, on the. It was on, the it was on his birthday. It was on yeah, the, it was on the Millennium Falcon. He was there. He was there with uh, uh, Harrison Ford. Got hurt on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he captioned the photo said, "Don't ram your head into concrete pillars, kids." Hashtag Gotham. What did he do? He said was it was it an a fight action se- scene. Yeah, he said yeah. it was a fight sequence gone That's awry. Why you have stunt doubles? Yeah, and there's the gash. I mean, it looks pretty nasty. That needs uh, definitely. I, I saw the article. Oh, yeah. yeah, he did it on his birthday. Yeah, yeah. But it said he was going to start filming again on Monday, so obviously it wasn't too serious. But and that's our Commissioner Gordon right there, right? Yeah, yeah. So are they going to have to work that into the story? Or are they just going to throw some? Makeup yeah, they're just going to throw that. some makeup on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, working into the story. I'm sure. I'm sure Gordon's going to take a beating here and there. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Constantine. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Constantine. Constantine is based on the characters from the comic series Hellblazers, uh, published by DC Comics under their Vertigo imprint. The show will star actor Matt Ryan as John Constantine. The pilot episode will be directed by Neil Marshall and written by Daniel Cerrone and David Goyer, your favorite guy, Jake. I love him. It is scheduled to premiere on October 24th on NBC. The series will focus on John Constantine, a dark magician who is struggling with his past sins as he tries to protect humanity from a gathering supernatural threat. Um, What are you guys thinking about Constantine, the TV show? Um, I was personally... When I, I've heard that the tra- like the teasers that the, the testers the, for the pilot episode that went out, people that have seen it, um, were not very good. Yeah. I, people didn't really care for it. Um, so, but when I saw the trailer, just the trailer, I thought the trailer was very good. I thought the trailer was really good. Now, what do I know Matt Ryan from? Uh, for having the most boring name ever? I, I don't know. The man with two first names. Right. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. I haven't seen the trailer yet. I've heard lots of bad feedback about it. I just have bad feelings about this. It not being able to be like as dark as it needs to be being an NBC show. I've already heard that they're censoring it to the point where he's going to be a smoker, but you'll never see him smoke a cigarette on screen. Yeah. That's kind of silly stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of hopeful. I mean, the reason I'm hopeful is that you know Hannibal has been such a hit on NBC. Okay. So NBC is not afraid to be dark. Yeah. Um, I just think that this show, Constantine, dealing with like the subject matter that it does deal with, would probably have been better suited for like Showtime or HBO. But I don't think that NBC is going to shy away from things. I I don't think that they do want to promote smoking. I understand that. I can understand that, too. I think NBC is making a smart move where they're putting it. Um, it's it's a nine central Fridays following Grimm, and I think the people that watch Grimm are totally just going to leave the channel on and Fridays watch this, too. Fridays 
worst night for television, though. It, traditionally, most shows hit rock bottom, but Grimm is a huge success. It has a big-time following. Um, I believe it's entering its fourth season right now, right. and it's held the Friday slot since season two. Yeah. And it's still continued to do well. That's a good pairing. Yeah, I think it's a good pairing. I just I, – I, I, the only reason I'm hopeful is that NBC has proven that they will go dark. Yeah. And, I mean, they tried that Dracula show, which was – I don't know. That was a shit storm. I didn't care for it. It was terrible. I didn't like it. But, I mean, I think – I don't know about Constantine. And this is going to be truer – they say this is going to be truer to the comic books than the 2005 Keanu Reeves Constantine. Which isn't a terrible movie. Right. But, no, but it's it's. I mean, it's Keanu Reeves just didn't scream John Constantine to me. Yeah, I don't know pictures. I don't think he looks any better or worse than this guy from the pictures I saw. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, Constantine. It premieres October twenty fourth on NBC. So check it out. I'm going to be checking out the first two three episodes and see if it's something that I like. Well, we're going to review these shows after they come out. I'm, I'm going to sure. watch them all too. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Flash. I thought Flash was interesting, and I like the fact that John Wesley Ship has been cast as Henry Allen, Barry's father. That's awesome. In a reoccurring role. You know, Ship was actually, he played Barry Allen on the uh, 1990 television series. Yes. Which I was a huge fan of. Love it. Love it, it, too. Captain Cold episode is my favorite. Yep. Are we going to get a new Captain Cold? I hope so. The one thing that I want them to stay away from, but I think that they're probably going to do, is I think that we are going to be getting, instead of the traditional Gorilla Grodd from the comics, I think that we're going to be getting a a man playing Gorilla Grodd. Just like a big professional wrestler, motherfucker. And that bothers me. Yeah, that's lame. So, um, I want to see... But, you know, if they're going to do that, at least do it right. If you do a Flash movie, I want to see... Gorilla Grodd as a gorilla with motion capture, like Andy Circus, like motion capture. Mm-hmm. That's what TV I want to see. TV budget, that's going to be hard to pull off, though. No, no, no. That, I'm saying if we get a film version oh, oh, right, of gotcha. The Flash, okay. that's what I want to see. Yeah. If they are going to do a human version in this Flash TV show, right. so be it. Sure. That's whatever. That is what it is. But if they do a movie version of The Flash in a solo film and they introduce Gorilla Grodd, I want to see Gorilla Grodd fully realized like in the comic books. Agreed. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, yeah. um, Peggy Carter. Yeah. That's a lot more longer down the line, right? Like that's not coming as quick as these other three shows. I don't know when it's coming out. Yeah. It's still – I think 2015. A, I think it's a mid-season start. So Is yeah, it? like January, February, or something like that. See, I got off of Agents of Shield I, on the second episode. Yeah, me too. And I have never gone back. But in. see, I thought there's an episode of Agents of Shield that is going to tie into Peggy Carter. Yeah, and they introduced the Howling Commandos in that, which I was actually excited for. Yeah, now Agents of Sealed just came out on DVD Blu-ray last Tuesday, I believe. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's going to hit one of the streaming services here in the next month or so. Right. And I plan on actually having a binge watch of the first season of Agents of Sea Shield. It is a rough show for me to watch. And like all of the leftover, not all of the leftover army, but a lot of leftover army said, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. And I dropped off mid-season. I caught a few episodes after that. I just did not like it. Yeah. My brother said that really, 
apparently right about the time that the Winter Soldier came out, there's some kind of tie-in with it, with that. And I heard that's good. And yeah, and he said it totally turns the whole show around at that yeah, point. Yeah, I just, man, it's just like... Hard to get to that point. It's hard to get to that point, and it's hard to just keep hearing people saying, oh, trust me, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. When I've watched, like, out of that entire first, like, season, like, the first half of that season, yeah. there was one episode that I enjoyed. The first one. one. No, episode three. Oh, gotcha. Episode three. Um, everything else I just really did not care for. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Gotham, Gotham Flash. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm yeah. looking forward to both Gotham and Flash, and I am still going to give Constantine a chance. Yeah, I'm going to give it a chance, too. Absolutely. So, yeah, looking forward to those. Uh, let's move on to some DC movie news. Uh, Deadline is reporting that TNT is asking for a pilot for a Teen Titans live-action TV show. And it's being described that it, quote, revolves around the group of young superheroes to be from the DC universe. The action series centers on Dick Grayson probably best known for his alter ego as Robin, who emerges from the shadow of Batman to become Nightwing, the leader of a fearless band of new superheroes, including Starfire, Raven, and many others. Um, I mean, this is another show that uh, could feature characters in this show that are being introduced into the movies, you know, with Cyborg being confirmed and then, you know, possibly Nightwing being in some of these DC uh, cinematic universe movies. So, um, wasn't there a name attached to this project too? I swear there was a name attached. Titans. No, the writer, I mean. Um, I did not get the name of the writer. Oh, shoot. I wish I could remember who that was. It was someone I totally recognized. Um, yeah, I think this could be interesting. So, T- TNT? Yeah, TNT. I is this something that you think could fill the, you know, we're losing Falling Skies? Do you think this is something that'll be like a summer show yeah. for them? I just, I'm curious to what the tone of this show would be. Because having Starfire in it already kind of makes it a little bit kind of, you know, yeah. cheeky maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is that bad or is that good? I mean, do we need to set, do, I mean, you know, these have been traditionally grittier. Like even the Arrow show, you've got Oliver Queen going around killing people. Which, oh. which I mean, do you think this could be grittier, or do you think this is like? Do you think that TNT is thinking, oh, the kids that grew up watching like the Teen Titans cartoon show are now ready for this on TNT? Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna make this a little bit more adult. Yeah, I can see that. Teen Titans grown up a bit with their audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah. I like the idea of having Nightwing in it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I like getting to see Nightwing's adventures and stuff. It'll be interesting what how they'll work around his Gotham connections, not being able to really do any of that stuff. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And this will definitely be separate from um, the uh, Arrow and the Flash and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. It'll just be its own thing. Maybe yeah. TNT wants to have their own corner of the uh, connected universe market themselves. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, I mean, Fox already beat out the CW for Gotham. Yeah. So, Did you hear Netflix already bought the rights to Gotham too? Yeah, I heard that. They've already jumped the gun and bought exclusive rights to stream the Gotham episodes. Huh. Yep. So wow. I did say I think it said it wasn't going to start until fall of next year though. Yeah, but they're they've already like got it under contract. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a done deal. I think you know with like the Teen Titans, they've just they basically they they're asking for a pilot. I think this could be like another show where you get the pilot. The 
executives watch the pilot and they pass on it. Yeah. Kind of like Wonder the Woman. Wonder Woman, the NBC pilot, but uh, Adrian Palicki. Justice League the first time around. Exactly. I think this could be another case of that. So yeah. It definitely has the name recognition. I think if it does get made, I think it'll have an audience at least at the beginning just yeah. just with the name recognition. I think they're, I I think I, with them calling it Titans, yeah. do you think like this could be like another thing where they're taking the teen out of it and we're going away from teenagers with the name Titans, it's leading me to believe that they're not teenagers and this could be more of an adult show. Yeah, it makes me think it's a football show if you call it Titans. Yeah. You know, right. remember the Titans. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Maybe call it the New Titans. Might be nice. Well, I think like the CW um the way that they their mindset was like you know three four years ago maybe or ten years ago it would have been the Teen Titans show yeah. because they had Smallville yeah you know um, but like I think with the success of Arrow TNT is probably taken like they, they they've probably seen that and said yeah let's let's take the audience that grew up watching like the Teen Titans growing up and give them more of an adult Teen Titans you know, uh, group. Yeah. And maybe that's why they are calling it Titans and not Teen Titans, possibly. That's just rumored. I would watch it. I'd watch that pilot. Me too. Me I too. would watch it. So, all right, guys, uh, more DC news. Uh, this is the part that I'm sure some of our listeners have been waiting for. We are going to rate the new Batmobile. Batmobile pictures have been popping up left and right all over fucking social media. I've been posting them on our Facebook page. I'm surprised I haven't been banned yet since that seems to be, <laughs> that seems to be the popular thing to do these fucking days. So we're going to rate the new Batmobile. Um, who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about the new Batmobile? I don't know if they were uh, elsewhere, but did you see the pictures? I think I posted them on uh the fa- pop culture Facebook, <laughs> pop culture Facebook, pop culture Facebook from Car and Driver. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. one of those pictures I already posted, but there was a new one that you had posted. Gotcha. There. Yeah, yeah, and no, it, tell me. I just, I, what are your thoughts? I mean, we're gonna rate this, toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Frank, what do you think? I want to know what your thoughts are. Don't worry about what the fuck me and Jake are gonna no, rate this I'm son not. of a bitch. No, you just rate this. You give this the Frank rating. The, the the Frank rating is UV red instead of UV blue. No, it's uh, taste it. Um, the pictures I've seen, you know, it's got the turret in the center, and the cockpit kind of opens up with a a split instead of just all in one piece. Yeah, it's really just going to come down to seeing this thing in action. I, I'm sure it's all got a purpose. It's huge. I mean, it's not going to be extremely nimble unless it's going to surprise me, but. Um, it's got to be a taste it because it looks cool, looks badass, looks armed to the teeth, but I need to see it work. Yeah. I'm going to toss this thing. Okay. Um, it looks like it's something out of the next Michael Bay Transformers movie to me. It just looks like a mess. Um, I've also <laughs> – I think it's funny a little bit of the backlash about um, – it, it obviously violates um, Nolan's Batman rules about uh, no guns ever. Because this thing is loaded with guns. So no, well, Nolan had on the Bat Cycle. Bat Cycle had guns. Did the Bat Cycle had guns? That's how they killed Bane in the Dark Knight Rises. The Catwoman used the guns on the Bat Cycle to kill Bane. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, it just looks like a big crab to me, or something. It doesn't look like a car. Like it, it looks just wacky to me. 
So yeah. toss it. Yeah, I toss it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, par- I mean, part of doing the new reboot from Batman is going in, in a new direction, in my opinion. And it looks like what they did here was they just took the elements from the tumbler and they combined it with something a little sleeker. Um, I don't like it. I think they need to go back to something that looks a little bit more like the Burton Batmobile. Um, it, this looks like the love child of a tank and a dune buggy. <laughs> and I'm not a huge fan. I'm going to toss it. I prefer a sleeker Batmobile. That is just my preference. I agree. Um, that's my preference. There's a lot of people that love the Tumblr and they like a big badass Batmobile. I like something a little bit sleeker, something a little bit cooler. Um, uh, not saying that Batman should be driving around in a black Corvette. And just because he's in his you know, older up there in age, he shouldn't be going through a midlife crisis. But I, I, I just think that I like something a little bit sleeker. And uh, I, I do want to see this Batmobile in action, and maybe that will change my mind. But uh, I'm going to have to give this a toss it at the moment. Um, I do want to talk about some of the things that people are complaining about. The turret mm-hmm. on the Batmobile. A lot of people are complaining about the turret, uh, the, turret the gun turret. Um, what are your thoughts on the gun turret? Turret. It's it's pretty ridiculous looking. It's like a bat shaped gun turret too. It's kind of it's just over the top for me. Frank, again, it's you know gonna depend on its utility. It doesn't bother me really. One of the big things is Batman doesn't use guns, Frank. The, the well, no guns, right, yeah, but, yeah. And I've kind of already touched on that. How it's crazy. Well, okay, yeah, but he doesn't use guns to kill people, so. Um, then the, one of the pictures uh, that I was looking at, you can kind of see a it looks like a Nissan Altima or something behind it. This thing is huge, so kind of wondering about the caliber of the shells that it's using. Maybe it's not for like populace, but also like maybe something to clear paths, something like that. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about this too. I'm 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 not gonna judge the turret yet. Okay, I want I want to see how it's used. Uh, there, here are some theories. Um, since this is an older Batman, and of course we have David S. Goyer writing this, maybe he doesn't care about the no killing rule anymore. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I'm thinking. That, that Batmobile looks like it could take down a lot of buildings. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, if you look back at the Golden Age Batman, Golden Age Batman had killed criminals before. But even in the Golden Age Batman, I don't remember him using guns. I don't remember Batman using a gun. Yeah. Um, another theory is that maybe these turrets are not operational at all, and they're just used to strike fear into people. Although if you're not already – It's a your theory. Pants. It's just a theory. <laughs> you stopped me before I said anything. I know. I saw the look on your face. <laughs> That's just a theory. I'm not saying that that, that is the best theory, but it is a ju- it is just a theory. Bullets are going to be fucking flying all yeah. over the place. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't get to let me – Yeah. <laughs> My, the end of that thought is it's a lame idea. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> I but I don't want people to give too much credit to the Tim Burton Batmobile. Yeah. Because that still had 50 caliber machine guns that would pop out of the top of the Batmobile on the left and the right side and the Batwing did too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the if if we're going to shit on this, don't shit on this because of Zack Snyder and Goyer, okay? 
because it has been used in the Burton films as well. Yeah, even in the Nolan films, though, like it had the missile launcher things and every and whatnot. Right. But, but Batman himself never used them in any way whatsoever to like hurt people with or anything. No, no, he did not. Yeah. Yeah, but when you're dealing with guns, yeah, you know, you, there's always that chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's always that chance that you could hurt people. Um, I also feel that this could be a nod to The Dark Knight Returns, and I'm going to quote that. Uh, the quote is, rubber bullets, I promise. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm thinking that this might be the case here. Yeah. You, we might get that funny line as a nod to fans of The Dark Knight Returns, where he does use the guns, people go ape shit in the theater, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then we get... Ben Affleck saying, rubber bullets, I promise. I'm going to bet against there being a funny line in Batman v Superman. It's <laughs> another, another good point. Um, but bottom line, though, is I'm not tossing the Batmobile because of the gun turrets. Um, I'm not either. I'm tossing the look. Uh, you know, like I said, guns have been used on past Batmobiles. Uh, and I'd be a little bit of a hypocrite to say that that's the reason alone that I'm tossing this. This looks – this Batmobile, it it just – I want something sleeker. It just looks like a tank. It looks like something like an alien would drive in Prometheus. Yeah. I was Like I said, that's it looks like a Michael Bay Transformer to me. It's not sleek. It's not stylized. It's just a big mass of black and artillery. And yeah. it's not the guns for me either. You know, I was just pointing out that it, it had been getting that backlash from a lot of people. I just think it just looks bulky, big, and obnoxious. Question. Yeah. Do you think this, this is the, going to be the only Batmobile used in the film? Or do you think that we will get a Batmobile that's more traditional that we do like? I think there's a chance of that. I don't know that. I also think there's a chance that this Batmobile that we see will itself take on possibly different looks. Okay, okay. Do you think, uh, going back to Transformers, do you, <laughs> do you think it's going to transform into something maybe a little bit sleeker? Yeah, I do. Okay. I mean, and that even kind of happened in the uh, second Burton one mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. where the car kind of slimmed itself down at the, yeah. in the one scene to get through the na- narrow alley or whatever. Yeah. I, I think we might see something along those kind of lines with this vehicle. What, um, what kind of things that you'd like to see that were in the other Batmobiles that you would like to see incorporated into this one if they were to pull from some of those movies? Uh, just sleeker, you know? This, the, Any the, functions? There's no functions I can necessarily can think of. I wouldn't mind seeing the armor again. I was always a big fan of the armor in the original uh, Tim Burton one. You know, you click the button and have like... Shields on. Yeah, shields <laughs> on. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Man, what about you, Frank? I don't know. I'm looking at it, and it seems to me to be a slimmed down version of the tumbler. Yeah, but which I didn't mind the tumbler. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the tumbler either. Uh, yeah, it's just like a big old military tank thing. Right. Well, <laughs> right. it's all you know. It's all universe specific. Yeah. Too, but I don't know. I mean, I really need to see this thing in action. I'm looking at it, and I think it's got a lot of potential. Hopefully, it could surprise us. I don't know. I, I, I'm. It's not. It doesn't bother me. It makes my head hurt looking at this thing. It's just. <laughs> 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 I'm like, where are the front lights? Where's anything? This, it's just. It looks like a giant mess to me. Like someone just threw up black metal. <laughs> it looks terrible to me. 
I don't know. It could have LED lights in the front. I guess that's somewhere. these things right here, the little little light, like on light arms or whatever, coming off of it. I don't know. Fucking. Uh. Let me take a look at this fucking thing again. <laughs> I think I think it runs off of energon cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know, dude. It's the love, like I said, dude. It's a love child of a tank and a dune buggy. You know, one thing that I, I liked about the fucking like the bat cycle and shit, yeah, is when the bat cycle, like the tires would spin and could take on a completely different direction. Yeah, that was cool. I love that shit. Yeah, that was cool. That shit was fun, dude. It just looked badass. That's something that maybe I'd like to see out of this. Yeah, I think this thing has a lot more. Like you said, Jake, I think it maybe has more applications than what we know about. Um, but I don't know how you could make this thing any sleeker. I, I, I might like when we asked the leftover army on Facebook, like which Batmobile is your favorite? Yeah. Um, number one was the Burton one and number two was the Adam West. Yeah. And I, dude, number one for me, I love that Burton Batmobile. I yeah. thought it was beautiful. I'm the, I'm backwards. I'm Adam West is my favorite. And then the Burton one, I love the Burton one too. Yeah. Me and you are flip flop because the Adam West is my second favorite. Yeah. I like the Burton one the best. And I also equate the Burton one as being the same as the one from Batman, the animated series, even though I know there's a couple subtle differences. They're kind of the same car in my mind, you right. know. But I think the animated series one is a little bit narrower and longer, but it's very much the same design still. Yeah. All right. Enough talk about Batmobiles. Yes, please. All right. Marvel news. Moving on. We got an email. What up? I got one question. Somebody brought this up uh, on the internet about uh, Jason Momoa. And yeah. it's not been confirmed that he's going to be Aquaman. And somebody posed the question. What if he is going to be our Shazam? No, he's not going to be Shazam. You don't think so? Absolutely not. He's going to be Aquaman. Hold on. I'm going to show you something here real quick. Of the concept art that happened this week? Well, not even the concept art. It was just kind of an interesting picture that I saw. I think I saw it on Twitter. Um, here it is. I'm going to show you guys. It's a picture of Jason Momoa. Uh, he's standing with a fan, and he's posed, it's an Aquaman fan. And what's what's uh, what's uh What's Aquaman's wife's name, Mira? Yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask that. Yeah, I was reading the Jeff Johns stuff, um, really good stuff. I can't remember her name, and I apologize. But here is uh, Jason Momoa standing with a fan. Uh, She's wearing some uh, Aquaman cosplay. Um, Oh, yeah. And he is holding the trident. Oh, nice. I... I yeah, I, I don't think Momoa is going to play Shazam. Gotcha. I don't. I, I think that he is going to be, uh, from everything that I've heard, that the negotiations have been with uh, with Warner Brothers. Hmm. I haven't heard anything of him working with New Line Cinema, who is going to be doing, you know, this. Yeah, it's all the same, though, right? I know it's the same, but you think that they would attach his name with the actual studio that's going to be doing it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's interesting. Anything. Yeah, I saw. I, um, maybe I'm wrong because they were talking about you know uh, the Rock doing a DC movie when they considered it DC, but I don't. I, I still think he's going to be. I think he's going to play uh, the Atlantean. I think he's going to be Aquaman. I oh. think, yeah, for sure. And man, a movie that featured uh, both Conan and Hercules. Oh shit! Yeah, I <laughs> Boom. I think they want somebody with a little bit more personality that's going to be able to. I mean, if he's going to be playing somebody that was that that's a kid. The last person you want is fucking Cal Drogo in there. Oh, yeah. That's what we know, man. We need somebody that's going to be able to play a kid 
in a in a in an adult body. I like still that. can't think of anybody who'd fit that fit that role, be that big, and pull off being a kid. Yeah, I don't know. The, Sh- the Shazam casting is real tricky. Yeah, it is. I wonder if they have somebody in mind. If they're just kind of like holding back. Or... I feel like they do. They're really? just not telling us. Yeah, they don't. You know, keeping it close to the vest. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Oh no, Frank! <laughs> shut up. No, I'm not saying I want to see it. <laughs> don't don't will it into yeah, reality. Don't even don't even make a suggestion. It's <laughs> yeah. horrible. And somebody might hear it. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to Marvel news. We got an email from a listener, Anthony Hook. Uh, he says, "Hey guys, I am an American living in Tokyo who has been enjoying the podcast." No American friends here I can talk geek with. So your podcast gives me an outlet in that regard. Essentially, I dig it and appreciate your efforts. What about Justin Thoreau as Doctor Strange? The dude has been killing it in The Leftovers and has the look. Doctor Strange needs to be someone we can believe as a talented surgeon, which begs the question as to why Joaquin Phoenix is considered. He does not come across as a highly skilled surgeon and seems more adept at playing a socially awkward, intense character. Not really the Doctor Strange I grew up with. Anyway, hope all is well. Thanks again, Anthony. So thank you for the email, Anthony. Um, I've always wanted to go to Tokyo. That's I've always wanted to go to Tokyo. Yeah, ever since the BC Boys intergalactic video. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with like the I don't know just like the their culture and robots and yeah. and things like that. I've always wanted to go there. So I'm with you there. Yeah. So okay. Uh, what about he says? What about Justin Thoreau as Doctor Strange? Yeah, he brings up some interesting points. I think Thoreau would be an interesting choice for it. I think um, the points he makes about um, Yaquim not not seeming like he could be a surgeon. Who really does though? Yeah, and but the thing of the the deal is, is the story is going to pick up where he hasn't been a surgeon for a very long time because he, from the sounds of it, you're right. He can't be a surgeon anymore because right. that's kind of his whole deal. Yeah. Spoiler warning. Yeah. He can't perform surgery anymore because he's injured his hand so much. Is it's the reason he turns to magic in the first place and becomes Doctor Strange. So he's been out of the the surgery route for a long time, and he he. The reason he is quirky is because of all those things that have happened to him. And we're really not, as far as we know, we're not going to get the traditional origin story. There may be flashbacks in it, mm-hmm. but we're not going to get the traditional origin story, which I think is refreshing. Mm, I like it too. Um, because they already have set up the character in Captain America the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So they've already name-dropped the character as somebody that they have been looking at. S.H.I.E.L.D. has been look or HYDRA, excuse me, has been looking at him very closely he was one of those individuals that they've been looking at and uh so i mean yeah i mean we're not going to get that um frank have we ever asked you who you thought would be a good doctor strange or do you really have an opinion on it i don't really have a basis to to go from i never read him in the comics okay yeah yeah, I, I think Thoreau is not a bad choice and he is killing it on the leftovers he is he's very good um yeah, I think he could pull it off, but I still am rooting for the the Phoenix thing to happen. See, I I waffle back and forth on Joaquin Phoenix, and this week I'm back to I'm not too hip to it, man. Yeah, 
dude, I'm I'm down to like Jared Leto or fucking a name that they haven't even mentioned, Anson Mount, dude from Hell on Wheels. Yeah, I'm not big on him. Oh, what the fuck are you? What do you? What have you seen him in? I just I don't know. That's not the look I want for Doctor Strange. From oh, he's seen. got the look, man. He looks like Doctor Strange. Fuck yeah, dude. Hmm. Fuck yeah, give him a nice goatee, dude. Trim that motherfucker up. He is Doctor Strange. He's got the look down. Yeah. I, we we need a name. We need a big name. Did we need did did we need a big name for Guardians of the Galaxy? No, but we're being told that this character is wants to be the successor to kind of the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man character. We're is kind of where I'm coming from. We're being told that. Um, what's to say that Anson Mount doesn't have that range as an actor to be that guy? He very possibly could. I mean. Hell on Wheels has a big following. I love that show. This guy can play a dark character. I'm not saying that I'm right because no. I haven't seen him play a quirky, eccentric guy. But on the flip side, I've seen him play a – he can play a very dark character. Yeah, um, I'm not saying I'm right either. But if come tomorrow they announce that Anson Mount is Doctor Strange, my reaction is going to be, huh? They they say that to me, and I'm going to be – I'm going to be excited. Yeah. I'm going to be excited because I like Anson Mount. I think that – I think that he's got he's got the look number one, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know if he can be like quirky and eccentric. Yeah, he seems more like a rough, tough guy. But to you know, me. for me, I think that Jared Leto's the guy I want to see in there. It's not going to happen though. He's not even in the talks. It sounds like anymore. I would Tupperware that too. I mean, I did on the show. That's yeah. I'm fine with that too. I- I can't picture this guy in my head, but you're talking quirky and somebody that can pull off serious at the same time. Um, would John Leguizamo fit at all? <laughs> John Leguizamo, Doctor Strange. Mm. I'd go see it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of out of left field, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why that, that probably wouldn't work, but it wouldn't, I don't think. Yeah. I can't put my finger on it. Right. He might be too silly. He's t- yeah, it'd be like casting Jim Carrey as Doctor Strange. Maybe not to that extreme, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a t- it's a tough casting to nail. It really is a tough casting to nail. Yeah. Um but I mean, I think like like even with my Anson Mount suggestion, like Marvel has proven that they can take actors that aren't like huge known names, surround them with other big actors. By the end of the day, those small actors that they cast in these big lead roles, now they're the draw, mm-hmm. you know, and we've seen that with actors like Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen that even with Chris Evans mm-hmm. and more recently with Chris Pratt, with Chris Pratt. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's nothing to say that you can't, you know, cast, uh, some other bigger names around him, maybe a bigger villain. Stay. Oh, if you're going to do a Dr. Strange movie, stay away from a TV actor now. Yeah. I think Dorm- Dormammu should just be a special effect and a voice. Yeah, that's a good idea. In my yeah. opinion. Um, all right. Yeah, thanks again, uh, Anthony, for the for the question. That was awesome. Great email. Great email. Alex Kurtzman is doing the Venom movie for Sony, which is rumored to be called Venom Carnage. Oof. He teased how the character will be portrayed for that movie while talking to MTV on the red carpet. He said, well... 
Venom is sort of the flip side in that there are certain lines that Spider-Man won't cross because he's Peter Parker, and Peter Parker will only do certain things, and Venom is an entirely different character. Venom, in a weird way, is the representation of every line that will get crossed. He's a much darker character. I wouldn't even really say more complicated because I think they're both very complicated characters, but I think the attraction for me to Venom is the idea that you can do things that you can't do with Spider-Man. Okay, my main question to you is how are they going to pull off this movie? Venom traditionally is a villain. Yeah. Okay? He's known to most people as the villain. Now, that's not all entirely true in the Marvel 616 these days where Flash Thompson is now the new Venom and has a better control of the symbiote. But for this movie, are we supposed to believe that our protagonist is a villain, and we're going to watch him fight another villain in Carnage. Is that what you're getting from That is what I'm getting for it, is that Venom is kind of an anti-hero vigilante, almost on the level of the Punisher. Venom is basically your Spider-Man version of the Punisher in this movie, and that he will be your hero, and that Carnage will be your villain. Right. I don't, you know, I don't know that's for sure what's happening, but it really feels that way. Right. Right. So, yeah, I toss that idea. A lot of people are loving this, though. And I know a lot of people in the army are probably rolling their eyes at you right now because they want to see Carnage in a movie mm. and they want to see Venom in a movie. Mm. Um, and this is my message to them. Before you guys get excited about this and think to yourself, oh, my God, I can't wait to see Venom. I can't wait to see Venom in a movie with Carnage. Uh, this is going to be amazing. The, men- the, the Venom... Carnage, that's the supposed name for the movie. It's not confirmed, but that movie doesn't have a set release date, but it's speculated to be released in 2017. Hmm. Now, let's take a look at the team involved in the movie. Alex Kurtman, he's been involved in some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's attached to his, he's also attached his name to a, a, a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurtzman struck gold with the first movie in Star Trek, the reboot, but the second was ver- voted the worst Star Trek movie amongst fans. Yeah. Uh, Kurtzman will be sharing writing duties on the film with Ed Solomon. Um, he's best known for Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Now You See Me. You remember that movie? Yeah. That was the Jesse Eisenberg magic movie. <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Charlie's Angels. Oh, wow. no. Okay. Doesn't exactly scream scary to me. And when I think of Venom, when I think of Carnage, I think of scary villains. I want, Yeah, I want to see Venom reintroduced into a Spider-Man movie as a Spider-Man villain. He's one of the greatest Spider-Man villains of all time. Yes. And I'm not totally against doing a Venom anti-hero movie, but I think that we're jumping ahead. And before we do that, I, I would love to see full-on, I-want-to-eat-your-brains, Peter Parker, Venom. You know? I, I would really enjoy that. That's what I want to see too. I want to see this as a almost like a horror film. I want to see Venom be just this huge monster steroid looking thing that is coming at Peter Parker like a shark on land. Yeah. You know, relentless. And it's scary because you know, in the comic book, as soon as, you know, Brock and Venom meet, they both know each other's secrets, you know. Parker or 
Brock knows everything about Peter Parker and the symbiote knows everything about Spider-Man right. and, and Peter Parker. And then once they share information, it just the whole thing goes downhill from there. Right. And it's scary because Venom can t- attack on every level. He can show up at Peter Parker's home and, you know, everything. I, Yeah, I don't want to see the Venom hero movie first. Seems like we're jumping the gun there. Now, do you think that there is a chance that Venom will be introduced into the Sinister Six film? Yeah, I think there is a chance. I think they know what they have with Venom, and they might put him in as much as they can. Okay. He originally um, uh, encountered Venom um, and then used the suit for a long while, didn't he? Yeah, well, it's not officially Venom until it attaches to Eddie Brock. Right. And then that's when it develops the name Venom. Because right. prior to that, it was just the black Spider-Man It suit. was just the black suit. He found it in Secret Wars, like, Eight, I think it was. Costume got all ripped up, fighting all the people, and the Hulk's like, "Hey, I found this machine that can make costumes. It made me some new pants." And Spider-Man goes in and uses the wrong machine and pumps out this symbiote ball that can do do anything he thinks of. You know, oh, wow. not only can it be his black costume, but he can just change right into his work clothes and his civilian clothes. Oh shit! And so it's you know very handy. Yeah, apparently. You know, and then he finds out that the, the thing is like corrupting him you know and I'm, it's like yeah, a disease right and he has to go to the fantastic four and th- you get one of my favorite moments in all of spider-man comics where spider-man wears the uh, grocery paper bag on his head because he's still unwilling to let the uh, rest of the fantastic four know his secret identity that was awesome when <laughs> when they take the uh, symbiote costume off so he, he wears a fantastic four like spandex suit with a bag on his head wow. right and swings back home like that that's funny i've always thought that that's one of the greatest cosplays of all time <laughs> to put the bag on your head and wear the fantastic four shirt um I, you know, there's a part of me that's thinking that what they're going to do is they're going to introduce, because we've kind of been teased like who the members of the Sinister Six are going to be in that Drew Goddard Sinister Six film. Yeah. You know, we've got Craven, we've got maybe Mysterio, mm-hmm. Green, you know, Electro. Uh, Electro. No, Electro's not part of it. Like one of those six pictures that they showed at the end, Electro was not part of it, which I thought was kind of bizarre. That is bizarre. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Rhino is in there, mm. um, but I'm thinking uh-huh. that what if they slipped in Venom as one of the Sinister Six, and we kind of see like uh, him kind of like uh, by the end of that movie, not wanting to be a villain, and then him taking on the lead of a protagonist. Because it, it, it's gonna from my big my big problem with this is that I don't know how people are supposed to, who, who they're supposed to root for in a Venom Carnage movie. Yeah. And it, yeah, who knows? And if you make Carnage, you're going to make Carnage so cool that at that point you're rooting for the the villain over you're rooting the hero. Yeah, and that's what's always kind of annoyed me about Carnage, anyways, that he kind of steals all the thunder away from Venom for right. Venom being a really scary bad guy. Right. It's classic like '90s comics. Oh, we got to one up Venom and make him even scarier. Right. And it kind of no sells Venom and makes him kind of come off as a wuss a little bit. Yeah. When before he was the scariest thing Spider-Man ever faced. You Absolutely. Know? So that's always kind of annoyed me about that. Who do you think will be inside the Venom suit in the Venom Carnage movie? The actor? Not the actor, the character. Is it is it going to be Eddie Brock, do you think? Yeah, from everything that we've read at the Daily uh the 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 Tumblr site, the uh-huh. Daily Bugle, it's it is going to be Eddie Brock. Okay. That's cool. 
Yeah. What, uh, what's the name of Carnage? I can't remember. Cletus his... Cassidy. Yes, and they've 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 revealed him on the Tumblr Daily Bugle page too. Okay. So it sounds like kind of figured for sure he would be that. Yeah. Now, who would you like to see cast as uh, Venom? I don't know. Like Dreamcast. I'm not saying. Like, I don't know. I've never really sat and like really thought about that one too much. I don't know. You know who'd be you know who'd be a decent Carnage is be John Malkovich maybe. John Malkovich? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, he's a little bit older than the, depicted in the comic book and everything. I could see him signing on maybe to do a Marvel movie. Yeah. But I couldn't see him signing on to do a Sony yeah. Spider-Man movie yeah. at this point. Yeah. You know, because once you get the suit on him, it's not Malkovich doesn't have to do anything. He can just give the performance as the nutball Cletus Cassidy. That's true. And then the suit, the special effects can do all the action sequences. As far as Venom goes, I... Th- Let's hear it. Okay. Blow me away. This actor was rumored to replace Toby, Toby Maguire in Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. I'm not a fan of this. So have him come in and play Venom just to kind of play off that. And he, I think he is a very prolific actor. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Eh, I can see where you're coming from with that, though. Kind of the anti-Peter Parker. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I And see- I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, Prisoners was absolutely fantastic. It was yeah. one of my favorite movies of last year. He's hit and miss for me. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I no, I think he's I think he's another one of these actors that's kind of reinvented himself in 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 the way that Matthew McConaughey has reinvented himself. Yeah, I feel like he still picks a like every fourth movie he picks was a bad pick. Like, his agent isn't quite as good as McConaughey's. Yeah, sometimes it's the money, man. You know, Prince of Persia, yeah. in my opinion, was not the best movie, you know, Like, ever. you wouldn't catch Matthew McConaughey in the last six years doing anything like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so I just feel like he didn't have as good as an agent well, as McConaughey. It was a, I'm sure it was a good paycheck for Jake. Yeah. I bet it was. So, I mean, you know, but I love Prisoners, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal even had like a... Uh, more of an independent film come out recently that was from the same director, I think, of Prisoners, and it looked very interesting to me where there's another guy out there who looks exactly like him or something <laughs> like that. And it looked like a really uh, high-concept kind of cool movie, but I think he's picking better roles. I don't – this would be my dream casting for it. Yeah. I don't think it would happen. I know you're not too hip to it. I loved him in like Zodiac. I was a huge fan of him in that. I, I don't dislike him. I just eh. – it wouldn't get me clamoring. Have you seen Prisoners? No, I have you not. really need to watch that movie. It'll change your outlook on him. Yeah, I get squeamish when it comes to torture movies. And I've heard that there's a lot of really like dramatic oh, yeah. torture scenes. Oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, I want to see it because it looks kind of good. But it's like, oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's not. It, it's warranted. It's it's not like it, it's 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 a it's an uh, it's a human observation of like, what can you do when you're pushed to your limits? It's not like saw. It's not hostile it's, or it's, nothing. it's not hostile. It's not saw. It's like, you know, what would you do if you had, you know, if it, you know, what like Hugh Jackman, I felt like. They they push this man to his limits, and the, this is how he acted. This is how he reacted to the situation, and I thought that was a really cool look at like human behavior, yeah. as opposed to like exactly like fucking Saw, where it's just like glory fucking uh, torture porn. Even sometimes, even when the violence isn't ramped up, though, I don't know why it makes me real squeamish. Like even I'm a big Twenty Four fan, yeah. And even sometimes when Jack Bauer is really getting into it on these interrogations, I'm like, okay. So the problem is you're a pussy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Fucking kid. No, no, I'm not offended. <laughs> but um, you know, I wouldn't know, Frank. What you got to go potty? 
Yeah, my eyes are floating. God damn you. Sorry. Let me finish this one thought here, and then you can take your little potty break. I would like to talk about um, the Niagara Falls. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'd like to talk about running water right now. Yeah. yeah. Who would play Hydro Man in a Spider-Man movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk you know, about Aquaman a little bit more. Oh, yeah. you're going to go with the Wonder King of the Raging Seas, Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> all right running faucet um <laughs> no um one more thing really quick and then we'll wrap this up i have said on previous podcasts that i think that um and i'm being so inconsiderate because i know you gotta go frank i'm sorry but i'm yeah you can go me and jake will talk about it. you're not contributing anyway all right you're just sitting there <laughs> go get out of here i'll be right back yeah get out of here <laughs> He's just, yeah, I think he's going to go home and play Destiny. <laughs> no, but Jake, like Destiny loves me. Okay, we talked about this before, and I still I still think like I'm kind of right, but in a way, I am kind of like swayed. Like, do you think Sony is just like fucking like their back is against the wall and they don't know what they're doing, what direction they're going in? Because, oh, I totally like, think dude, that. Dude, the, the Sinister Six movie, it's ballsy. But it could really flop because they're talking about no Spider-Man in that movie at all. They're also talking about this Venom Carnage movie where there is no Spider-Man in it at all. And then they're also talking about a female-centric character, which, like, I have no problem with that. But I would have liked to have seen, like, a company like DC do it first with Wonder Woman. I would also see, like, Marvel doing it first with, like, Captain Marvel or a Black Widow solo film. But it seems like Sony's the one that is doing this. And they don't, they have the least to pull from because like Spider-Man is like their most compelling character. Mm-hmm. They don't have the gallery of characters like some of these others, like, you know, X-Men has so many X- different X-Men they can pull from. And, and, you know, like even Batman, like his, like the Bat family is so much more interesting. Like Jason Todd, fucking Nightwing, Batgirl, Batwoman, so much more interesting than like the Spider family. Sony just seems like they don't know what they are doing. Doing. Yeah, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. We've heard about so many projects, but one project we don't hear about is Amazing Spider-Man 3. They have talked about it. It's coming out way later yeah. like than it was supposed to. I mean, it was supposed to come out sooner, and now they've like pushed it back. And I think it's not like until – we're not looking at until like 2000, 2018 or something like that <sighs> before it comes out. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think that uh, – and Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 didn't make the kind of numbers. It didn't pull, like, the kind of money in that they wanted it to. No, or or even without the money, it really wasn't the critical darling and, exactly. and fan favorite that they expected it, it to be. It wasn't a pile of shit as no. far as, like, a movie goes. I mean, we both gave it taste. It's when we watched it. There was yeah. parts that we liked, parts that we, parts that we loved, parts that we hated. So that's why it got to taste it from us. But, I mean... It didn't do as much. I mean, okay, when you think of Spider-Man, Spider-Man, in my opinion, is Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. He's in the my, face of Marvel Comics. When is. I see a Marvel Comics logo, I think right. of Spider-Man's fucking head. Is there any reason that Spider-Man should not be able to pull in $1.3 billion like Iron Man 3? <sighs> but 
fucking Spider Amazing Spider Man two did like six hundred thousand. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Six hundred, seven hundred thousand. It just goes to show you that it's it's a lot about the team and and the love for what you're doing. I mean, if you would have told me two years ago that Guardians of the Galaxy was going to make more money in a year than an X Men and a Spider Man movie, I would have said you're full of fucking shit. Right. But it just goes to show that you know the fans care about you know the product being a good product and not just a big advertising machine. Do you think that there's any way that – and Sony's not going to just let the rights revert. But do you think that there's any way that if these next three movies are not what they are wanting, they're not what they – that they intended for it to sell internationally, domestically, whatever, do you think that there's any way that Sony says, okay, Disney, open up the purse strings. We're going to sell you Spider-Man. Yeah, I think it is a possibility. I really do. I think if they fumble the ball – yet again and yet again and then yet again then at that point it's like we're losing money on this venture right we're making you know we're making movies that are making just the bare amount that we need to make another movie right and not really pulling in a giant profit on this so let's just get it all in one big go because disney will pay handsomely for that absolutely absolutely i think if there was a price tag on spider-man disney would pay uh you know in the billions not star oh, yeah. wars money but they close would, to close to yeah, yeah. i agree i agree and i think the property's worth that to them yeah i'm kind of changing my mind on this a little bit i don't think that they're just going to let them revert back like they let you know daredevil or the punisher or ghost rider or no. blade revert back but i think like if they they will either threaten to make another movie. Yeah, we're going to make more movies, right. or you buy, or you buy. Yeah, so you know, um, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I hope it does. I hope that is what happens. So let's all root for the next Spider Man movies to all be giant flops. Yeah, because I think we all would like to see like what director and what direction Marvel Studios would take Spider Man in. Oh yeah, imagine Josh Whedon getting to write Spider Man dialogue. Oh, oh. Wow. How long is he going to be with Marvel, though? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. It doesn't really matter, though, in my opinion. I think when you get guys like, you know, Kevin Feige, as long as he stays the head of this thing, yeah. I think he gets it, you know? Yeah, if he gets talented people, I mean, Feige isn't putting the words in anybody's mouth. Yeah. You know? You know, I, even if they lose Joss Whedon, I think, like, they, they've got the tone set. They've yeah. got the ball rolling. They can keep it going. Yeah. You know? We don't want any Charlie's Angel screenwriters, though. No. You know, you got Joe and Anthony Russo in there doing this stuff, too, with the Captain America. Oh, Joe and Anthony Russo, they're in that Arrested Development uh, documentary. Oh, nice. So they, they wrote episodes for Arrested Development. So, yeah, check that out because of that. Yeah, but, they wrote community episodes, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think Marvel's got it. I mean, they're they're thinking outside of the box. They're getting directors that nobody else is, like, really, like, going towards. Yeah, know? they don't. It seems like Time Warner puts all their eggs in one basket. With the Zack Snyder thing, it's like, at least with Marvel, it's like, if they get a director and a writer that I don't like, yeah. I, I know it's not, like, permeating the whole fucking universe. Right. It's like, WB puts all their eggs in one basket. It's all in the David Goyer, Zack Snyder basket. Yeah. And if I dislike it... I got no fucking alternative. Yeah. No, nothing to look forward to at all. Yeah. Because even after this, it's right back to Goyer and Snyder doing Justice League. Yeah. And it's just like, ah. I know. I want to see something different. Something I want to see. And it can still be part of the same fucking connected universe. Let someone, other director, another writer get stabbed at this shit. What if they said, like, uh, what if they did say, like, uh, we're going to give Ben Affleck a crack at, uh, not, not a, ben, at, not a Batman movie. Yeah. Not Justice League. Yeah. But let's say they said, you know what, we're going to give Ben Affleck a crack at the Wonder Woman film. Would that be something that you would Oh, I would, I would applaud that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. 
I just want to see WB take more of a creative chance with one of their properties. Yeah. Instead of kind of doing what everyone expects them to do. Right. I feel like that's what they do. They try they try to too much cater to the fans to the point where yeah. it hurts their product in the end. Yeah. Where Marvel has is willing to say we're we're just going to give this a shot whether or not fans want it or not. The the worst thing that they could do for me yeah. is they could say, oh, we, we're doing a solo Flash movie, or we're going to do a Flash Green Lantern team up movie, and yeah. we've got Goyer writing it again. Yeah, I'm at that point. I'm fucking pissed. Flash is a fun character, and then you uh, you can't have Goyer writing that character. No, I don't want to. I don't want somebody dark. I want I want a Flash movie to be fun. Yeah. Flash is a fun character. Yeah, have great sight gags. Yeah, you know, cool imaginative uses of the powers that we've never seen before. Right. I want to. Yeah. I, I. That's my problem with DC movies as of late. It's just it's all this guy and then all that guy, and it's never a mix of a bunch of different creative people all yeah. working towards the same goal. Yeah. It feels like one guy's behind the wheel right. instead of a bunch of guys working at a team as a team. Yeah, I think. I think Fox has kind of got it now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they, they've got like kind of like the same kind of, uh, um, structure that, uh, Marvel Studios has. What they've done is they've gotten Lauren Schuler Donner at the top. She is their Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Uh, underneath that, you've got Brian Singer, who's doing the X-Men movies. And the X-Men movies are kind of like the event films. I mean, Days of Future Past was an event. I mean, Definitely. It, it was a culmination of all those, and it, and it really worked out well. And he's going to be doing Apocalypse. And then they went outside of the box when they got Josh Trank in there to do – the Fantastic Four movie. Definitely. I could never see WB making a move like that. No. And giving an independent filmmaker like like Josh Trank. And come on. It's like Star- even Star Wars knows what's fucking up. They're getting Gareth Edwards. They're getting Ryan Johnson. That's who I was going to bring up. Gareth Edwards is another great point. And Ryan Johnson. I mean, that is a... I would drop my fucking drawers if WB fucking made a move like that. Oh, yeah. We're getting Ryan Johnson to do an Aquaman movie. Yeah. I mean... They're letting Ryan Johnson do episode fucking eight. Yeah. That's a lot of trust. In, in, in a the, guy that did Looper. Yeah. And a guy that did The Brothers Bloom. Yeah. And a short film. And, and, and you know what? That uh, Brothers Bloom, amazing. If you guys have not seen it, fucking, if it's on Netflix, watch The Brothers Bloom. It is a good movie. It is very fun. Characters are very interesting. It's a lot like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but it's it's not a complete ripoff, and it's Fun. Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo, uh, the chick from The Mummy, can't remember her name. Really good movie. Watch it. You'll understand why I like this guy, this director, and I think he's going to be able to build some great character relationships. We're talking about Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Yeah, and I I don't know how to put this exactly in words, but it's like when you give a guy like Ryan Johnson or Gareth Edwards or James Gunn, like when you give them the chance to work in this universe, it's like – they have so much more excitement for it because they're getting this big chance and everything. Yeah. Whereas when it's like Zack Snyder and Goyer, it's just like Fred Flintstone punching into the office and then punching out again and doing this like product. You know what I'm saying? Don't say that about Zack Snyder. The guy has a passion for these movies. It may not be the guy that you want to see do this visually, James. Yeah. But he does. He's the same guy that when he listened to that radio fucking show, called in and defended Aquaman. But he's like that kid at kindergarten that doesn't know how to share. You know what I'm saying? Is that it's like let one let someone else get it get a crack at this Zack Snyder. It's like Batman v Superman is not Man of Steel 2. 
to be fair, have we gotten any other announcements from them other than Justice League, other than fucking, um, other than, uh. That is correct. But those are, it's another Zack Snyder movie. Yeah. Yeah, I will be upset if they're like, oh, okay, we are going to be doing a Batman movie, and the Batman movie is going to be written by Damon Lindelof. Yeah. I love Damon Lindelof, but he's along the same lines as Goyer yeah. in a lot of respects. <laughs> That's a bad example for me, because I would... I know you love Lost, <laughs> and I know you, that you're loving the leftovers. And, you yeah, know, and Prometheus, Prometheus, and Lindelof's comics. Yeah, and, yeah. but it's the same <laughs> It's the same dark tone, am I not right? Yeah, but I, Lindelof, I feel, is, it's a little bit more existential, and it's a little bit more, like, twist and turns i no. i want to see something a little bit yeah. more dram- i, I want to see i want to see some new blood in there i i like lindelof too yeah i'm not saying that i don't like damon lindelof. they need to get lindelof to write the doctor strange movie some yeah 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 it's <laughs> a good call so but yeah i don't know it's a, it's an interesting conversation to me to me it's one of the big like reasons i like what marvel's doing right now more than dc's doing right yeah, now i agree is i feel like it passion breeds passion right and that if you give this guy a chance then he's gonna go all out i mean i cannot wait to see what ryan johnson does with episode eight oh what, god me either what gareth i'm sure he's gonna bring so much imagination whether it's to a it. boba fett film whether it's a yeah. yoda film whether it's a han solo film i mean whatever it's gonna be it, it'll be a good character piece as long as he's able to focus on that one character yeah and these people because they're young and up-and-coming directors this this whole thing like their career rides on these movies that they knock this shit out of the park yeah they're set for life yeah. You know, Ryan Johnson can do anything he wants if he knocks episode eight out of the park. I he, think Ryan Johnson is going to knock episode eight out of I, the park. I think he is too. I think I, so. I have more hopes for episode eight than I do episode seven. I cannot blame you. I, I'm, I'm super excited for episode seven, but I can totally understand what you're saying. You're on board. I'm on board. I'm fucking A. Yeah. I feel like we, we know, we kind of have the feeling of what a J.J. Abrams Star yes, Wars is going to be like. Thank you. That's exa- exactly. Exactly. But with Ryan Johnson, like the sky's the fucking limit. He's like, the what wild card. Are, what are we going to fucking see? What's yes. he going to do? I think, uh, what Ryan Johnson's going to do is he's going to take the care, he's going to take the story that was built upon episode seven. Yeah. And he's going to take these characters that we really know a little bit about. Yeah. Like, uh, we're gonna, you know, J.J. Abrams is very familiar with the original characters, Mark, you know, Luke Skywalker, Mm -hmm. Leia, and Han. And then what he, what Ryan Johnson is gonna be able to do is he is going to be able to get us to a point where we are starting to connect with Daisy Riddler's character, John Boyega's character, (laughs) Domhnall Gleeson's character. He's gonna bring those characters to the forefront where we're starting to fall in love with them. I think it's the perfect handoff to get this new guy in there to promote the new guys. Just the way he like he sold me on the characters that he had in the Brothers Bloom. I mean, I know it's totally, totally like galaxies away from the to same type of movie that you're gonna fucking see in Star Wars Episode Seven, Eight, whatever. No, but, but you're right, Brothers Bloom. But it's it's about characters, right? I guarantee you that 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 movie came into the decision of giving this guy episode. It eight. had to have. Yeah, I guarantee it. Yeah, it's. I'm proud of myself that we're so desperate for Star Wars news that we've seeged Marvel news into Star Wars news here. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. Marvel's the insidious bastard. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've, we've got off the rails. We need Denzel again to get this train, save this train. <laughs> All right, um, so uh, let, let's move on. Uh, yeah, Venom Carnage movie. I think Sony, they need these. They need, they need the Sinister Six movie to be a hit. They need... 
they, they've really got their work cut out for him for this Venom Carnage movie. Hey, and I love Drew Goddard, just to put it out there. I love Drew Goddard as well. I love, I love the Angel series. I loved Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. I, I love Drew Goddard. I, I think he could make this fun. Yeah, I, they need it to be. They, they need this to be a hit. So, all right. The, uh, showrunner for the Netflix Daredevil series, Stephen Denight, was asked a question on Twitter. The question was, what are you allowed to show on Daredevil in terms of violence, swearing, etc.? He replied, less Spartacus, less than Spartacus, more than Shield. <laughs> so. Spartacus has a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> he could be a pretty fucking graphic show. So it's a, it's, be... a, it's a pretty broad statement, right? Yeah. That's a pretty broad, <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty big blanket there. Right. Right. I mean, one of those shows is a, is a primetime ABC show, Shield, and yeah. the others, is, it's on stars where, I mean, you've pretty much got, uh, blood and sex. More than Sesame Street, less than Game of Thrones. <laughs> right, right, right. 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 Okay, buddy. It's like, uh, yeah, Yo Gabba Gabba. Saw. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really tells us nothing. Yeah, it doesn't. But, you know, it does tell us that there, it is going to be kind of like maybe some, somewhere so in that broad, in that broad spectrum. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. It clears that up. <laughs> you know, but I am looking forward to the Netflix se- Daredevil series. But, you know, the thing is, like, I am, um, I'm thinking to myself, like, I thought that they were going to fucking show – I thought they were going to film all these at the same time. I didn't know Daredevil was going to be the first one. I knew that. Like, which, which is coming out next? Uh, Jessica Jones? Unknown. Iron Fist? It's unknown. Luke Cage? Yeah. I feel like this whole thing makes it seem like if Daredevil doesn't do well enough, maybe it will be the only one too. Fair enough. And yeah. uh, you know what? I, this is a little off topic but still on topic. I'm not the biggest fan of the Netflix, like with Daredevil, how we're just going to get every episode on the same day. I kind of like every week being an event with the show. I like that a lot better, especially with getting into live tweeting and everything. It's like now all of a sudden you've got 15 fucking episodes of Daredevil coming out on a Tuesday. Yeah, how are we yeah, supposed to review this show? You know what I mean? Are we supposed to binge watch all of them as they drop and then just give our entire, like, oh, this is our rating in the entire series? Yeah. I like it being separated because then you've got, if, you know, if they're talented enough to leave you with good cliffhangers on a regular basis. This is my next point. Yeah. yeah. There's something to be said about letting it soak in for a week. Yeah. That yeah. tension and, and then yeah. coming up with the theories and, and thinking all that. about, thinking about what the next thing that's going to happen is going right. to be. Yeah. Frank, give, Frank, you give a, you give out a good point. That's a good point. Cliffhangers aren't, aren't the things that they used to be then. Yeah, who gives a shit about the cliffhanger? And at that point, why even have it in episode fucking format? Why just why not just have it be a 14-hour fucking movie? Yeah, point, yeah. Why even have episodic format at that point if you're just going to shit them all out in one day? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I know some people are huge fans of that, and they applaud Netflix for doing that. But I, I kind of sit in the opposite camp on that. I wish they'd give us two a week for Christ's sakes. Give us one on Monday and one on Thursday if you can't keep it in your pants long enough, you know? Right. So it just seems like they just like, uh, oh, we gotta just whip it all out right away and give you all the whole fucking shit. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's almost like a race against the clock to watch all these episodes before I hear spoilers too. Yeah. And it's like, we gotta, on the show, we're gonna wanna talk about fucking daredevil right. so when that shit drops on a tuesday it's like i got till sunday to watch like 15 fucking episodes of exactly, this shit exactly it's like no brian you can't talk about episode eight yet no, i haven't yeah. got that far it's not podcaster friendly no 
I, I, you know, I like to listen to podcasts about TV shows too, and it's fun to listen every week as they dissect each episode every week and stuff. And yeah, it's like, I mean, there are t- podcasts that are dedicated to like certain shows. You've got Doctor Who podcasts, yeah. you've got Walking Dead podcasts, you've yeah. got Leftover podcasts, Game of Thrones, Thrones podcast. And I mean, that's the thing is like week to week, you get a different show. Like with this, it's like, okay, I got to binge watch this whole fucking thing and then put out one episode. Yeah. And if they were smart too, as I'm thinking about it, wouldn't it be to their best interest financially to spread it out? Because then if you've got a really good show, then buzz can start picking up and people who would normally want to watch it instead of getting like the one month of Netflix for free. Yeah. They're going to have to actually get into the subscription portion where they're paying for it in order to finish the show off. I feel like Netflix's point of view on this is they have enough original programming now that it's every month they're giving you a whole season of something practically and that they can they can rest their laurels on that as far as keeping people to subscribe for more than past the free month subscription. I mean, I got it. I mean, I yeah. want to get rid of it anyway. But and they're probably so big. I mean, if you don't already know about Netflix, that one show is not going to draw you in. But. God, I wish Netflix would release their um, downloads, their uh, viewers, like how many people are watching. Yeah, it. because they yeah. don't like it. Like, like when you get like the you reports just, from, you just hear about how much money they make. Exactly. Yeah. You never hear about like like who like how many people are actually like how many more subscribers did they get or like how many people actually watch this. <laughs> you never hear that. Like. I mean, like Hemlock Grove is going into this third season, but yeah. I've never heard like how has Hemlock Grove performed on there as opposed to like you know House of Cards. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, this is a a little bit of a funny aside. I um was trying to save money this week and figure out ways to do it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel my subscription to Hulu Plus because I'm not really watching much on it. Right. So I cancel it, and it's like, hey, if you change your mind and don't cancel. We'll give you a whole nother month for free. Yep. And I was like, all right, you win. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pretend like I'm going to cancel Netflix and see if they'll do the same thing for me. Yeah. So I click on Netflix, and it's like the exact opposite attitude. They're like, hey, buddy, we give you this stuff for $7.99 a month, and we're going to give it to you for that price until 2016. But you quit on us now, and you come back? You're getting the higher rates. Is that, is that really what you want to do? Right. And I got scared. I'm like, no, no, I don't cancel you, Netflix. I'm staying, I'm staying, I'm staying. Audible's right. so, that way. Yeah. Yeah, because I was listening to um, books and stuff while I was staying in floors, and I was um, – I got tired of paying 20 bucks a month for it. Yeah. And with 20 bucks a month, you get so many tokens, which is how you purchase your books and that. Yeah. yeah. I'm an Audible customer. Well, I went to cancel it and then they said, well, okay, well, how about if we give you the same thing for like 10 bucks a month? I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to go ahead and cancel it. And then they come out with like a list on your third page of canceling of these different hidden options that you got. Now I've got it for 10 bucks a month. Or not ten bucks a month, ten bucks a year. Yeah. So I can still have access to books and buy them as I want to. Yeah. Which is really the way that I would have wanted it in the first place. But I think it's kind of funny that you got to kind of like go through the different tiers. It is funny. <laughs> I just like how Hulu's like, no, please don't go, and Netflix is like, dude, we got you by the balls. <laughs> you, you ain't fucking going nowhere, <laughs> right? Don't know what you're thinking. Like, I'm sorry, Netflix. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hulu's like that clingy girlfriend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Netflix already knows that their shit is the best. Yeah. They're like, oh, you don't want to leave this. They're like, you'll be back. Why would you want to come back and pay more? Exactly. Oh, you're right, Netflix. Yeah. You're always right. Netflix Netflix is busting your balls, man. Ugh. All right. MTV sat down with Michael Douglas during the Toronto International Film Festival and talked a little Ant-Man, and I wanted to play some of that audio. Do it. 
Ant-Man this week. I'm curious, like, when that came down the, the pipe, did, like, when you read that script, and I know it's gone through different iterations now, right. did it read, like, Greek to you? Was it something you could relate to on any level, or did it feel like... No, I couldn't relate to it on any level. I, uh, it, it was, um, I mean, they, had, it's a whole different way of working, um, and, but Marvel's obviously got this incredible track record, but they kind of, you know, it's, everything sticks to the wall. You know, they start with a broad canvas and they can afford to, and then they kind of hone it down, and, uh, and then this, this effects world. You know, I've never done any effects movies. I mean, one of the challenges of the reach, was how do you do a, a thriller, you know, in bright daylight yeah. with no special effects, you know, no green screen in, in this day and age and, and still keep an audience's attention? And it, it, it seemed to work. Whereas Ant-Man's going to be, you know, without getting into a whole lot of detail, but, you know, clearly there's a lot of stuff re- yeah. revolving around the size of an ant and its perspective <laughs> than to a, yeah. adult sizes. And So do we get to, uh, are you robbed of the opportunity to do a superhero costume after all these years? Uh, yeah, no, and I, 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 unfortunately, well, you know, no the, good, the, 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 the good thing is Paul Rudd is, is ripped. He's been training and working out for this picture for a long time. And, uh, I mean, they actually had to, his costume, you know, he was so cut that they had us like soften his costume up, even with all the built-in, you know, um, six packs and all of that. So yeah, they, they will. My 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 costume will be hung up, and uh, uh, Paul will be wearing it in good form. <laughs> all right. So, um, what are you guys' thoughts about some of those comments? Are you guys excited for the Sandman film? Is this positive news? He reminded me a little bit of Dana Carvey doing the uh, stodgy old man on Saturday Night Live in that interview. Back in my day, we didn't have green screen and special <laughs> effects. Right. We had nothing, and we liked it. Well, this is kind of like, for me, this is kind of like, um, as far as like, this is kind of taking Michael Douglas out of his comfort zone. This is like the first time Warren Beatty did like Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Warren Beatty, we used to see him in like, you know, these big budget Hollywood movies, but with like a more serious tone. We'd yeah. Never, we'd never seen him take on like a character like Dick Tracy, a very colorful character, uh, kind of like your summer popcorn movie. Yeah. So this is kind of like taking him out of like, like, you know, some, like his comfort zone. So something he's totally not used to doing, especially like Marvel movies are completely out of his realm yeah you felt that in that interview too he was really funny about it yeah he's like yeah this movie (laughs) it's something completely different you know that was a funny interview i like but see the thing is what i like about this things have changed things have changed uh, over the years and people are looking at these Marvel movies a little bit differently like maybe 10-15 years ago this would be a script that Michael Douglas would have looked at and said you know what fuck this I'm not going to do this fucking movie this is ridiculous I pass on it mm-hmm. look at uh, actors like uh, uh, Sean Connery yeah. uh, you know he was offered the part of uh, Morpheus in uh, The Matrix and he turned it down because he didn't get it yeah. He was also offered the part of Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, and he turned it down and he because he didn't get it. Even though he did fucking League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's yeah. when he picked it up. See, that's when he picked it up, Jake. Yeah. He had already turned all these down, yeah. and he saw that these were huge blockbuster movies Let that had do. a lot of staying power <laughs> in Hollywood. And so he, by the time it came to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and he knew he had missed out on all these other opportunities, that's the one he said yes to. That's the one that failed got a fucking stinker so the thing is the thing is with that and i'm uh, excuse me i am a league of extraordinary gentlemen apologist i do own that movie (laughs) but anyway um 
fuck you. <laughs> I'm sure I own something. That- but but see, that's the thing. I think like 10, 15 years ago, they would have offered this to Michael Douglas. He would have said no. But with these movies being as popular as they have, you've seen actors like Robert Redford, Glenn Close – you know, jumping in on these types of movies, Michael Douglas is just like, you know what? I want to be a part of this, and I think it's it's changed the mind of Hollywood actors out there. Do you do you agree? Oh yeah, I 100 percent agree. You got Tom Hanks who's begging to be in one of these films, and they just won't give him a shot. And even more recently, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. Even Denzel Washington was like, hey, you know, I might be a little bit too old to play T'Challa, but hey, you know, give me a call. Let him be T'Challa's dad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, dude. That's what's up. Okay. Chadwick Boseman as fucking uh, T'Challa, and then I'm saying let him be T'Challa's dad, Denzel Washington. That'll be so sad when Denzel dies. (laughs) Spoilers. So, I mean, guys, I mean, but I I was excited. What I was most excited to hear is it sounds like Paul Rudd is taking this seriously. Dude is ripped. He's ripped. He's training. So that got me a little excited for this. Yeah, I actually read that as a different – I hadn't heard that interview, but I had read an article about them having to having to change the suit because the suit wasn't fitting him correctly because he was more ripped than they expected him to be. Right. That's funny. So, so yeah. He's taking yeah. it serious then. Yeah, definitely. And I, a lot of them have been. I, Chris Pratt did the same thing. Yeah. People were blown away by what he was looking like. All right, guys. Are we looking at this Ant-Man movie the wrong way? Are we looking at it the wrong way? Because we have been saying that we are worried about this movie. Are, is this going to be another thing? Because honestly, a year ago, we had no idea what to expect from Guardians of the Galaxy. We got those first trailers. We were blown away. Do you think that first trailer could make all the difference for Ant-Man? Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a negative attitude about Ant-Man. I, I'm thinking it's going to, I'm thinking it's going to look nice. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I mean, we, yeah, we were exposed to the whole Edgar Wright fiasco, but if we didn't know about that, what would our feelings really be about it? Can I elaborate more on like the negative that yeah. I talked about? Okay, my ne- like negative attitude towards it is like, do you really think that this could live up to anything that the Guardians of the Galaxy did? Yes, I do. I think I think there's something to be said here. I think um, it could have very innovative special effects, right? That could almost that could possibly change the special effects industry if they if they do them right. It could show a lot of stuff in ways we've never seen it before. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is pretty groundbreaking and fun for audiences to watch back in the '90s. Right? What can they do now in a Marvel superhero film? Yeah, I think it might be pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. More on this, more of. Uh, I'm the, warming up. I'm warming up. Go ahead, Frank. More over the special effects. I mean, it it needs to kind of capture not the same spirit, but the same kind of broad appeal the Guardians did. Because I mean, they didn't dig too deep into the guys' past. They gave you just as much as what you needed to know, and they blended just the perfect cast of relatable characters this has to delve though into the past though because you're dealing with michael douglas and we already know for a fact that it's probably going to show scenes from early on in shield Mm -hmm. you know shield starting up i mean we're probably going to get some scenes of like a younger like they've said a younger robert redford so they are going to delve into the past because this is past meets future you've got hank pym meeting scott lang scott lang being the successor to you know uh, hank pym as ant-man so i think it is going to deal with a little bit of an origin story in that regard i think it i think it's probably going to end up being a financial success i don't think that it's going to come anywhere near closest to what the guardians did though i think yeah but you ask if i were to ask you or jake a year ago is guardians of the galaxy going to get anywhere close to shattering any of these records oh true yeah 
I wouldn't have thought in the least that it would come close to shattering records like it has. But I've always been kind of a backer of this movie and its creative team. I always thought it was going to be a good movie. I definitely am shocked and blown away by its reception and what it's doing in the box office. You know, and I and it definitely the same thing for Ant Man. And we've even talked about is Ant Man going to be the first like misstep that Marvel Studios has, right? right. And everything. And yeah, I, I I don't know. I really think they can pull. I really think they can really wow us with that first trailer. Yeah, I think a lot rides behind that first trailer. Right, that's it. Yeah, that, it's the first trailer. A yeah. lot is going to ride hook. on that. No one's going to give a fuck about Edgar Wright anymore right. if they come out of the gate fucking swinging with that first right. trailer. What's kind of messed up though is because like Edgar Wright did leave the project, and we got the new director and everything. The only thing that I see that really kind of hurt them to not generate the buzz that should be there for this movie mm-hmm. is the fact that we aren't going to get that s- traditional San Diego Comic-Con trailer. It's not going to happen, guys. The yeah. movie comes out next year. Right. And San Diego Comic-Con this year is done with. It happens in July. This movie drops in July. That's fine. You know what? There's other big movies. Guardians of the Galaxy had that overwhelming yeah. trailer and it created a lot of buzz I mean, there's been other movies that have had successful trailer launches outside of um san diego comic-con though i mean I, the episode one trailer came out in regular movie format and we were all fucking quitting work to go see it it's episode one <laughs> yeah though. there's a huge difference between comparing episode one to ant-man good, good point but if the trailer is that big of a trailer then it's going to go viral and we're all going to see it. Can right. we think about where they should be placing the trailer? I'm thinking Christmas season. Yeah, definitely. And make it an event. Get this shit on just like they did with Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it, it really helped it, like Super launching Bowl. it on Kimmel. Yeah, like, that's a good one. Super Bowl. Super Bowl's great, too. That's one you're going to have a lot of people who just, you know, casual fans of a whole bunch of shit watching. Say, whoa, what the fuck was that? Exactly. That's the reaction yeah. you need. Exactly. So we've got, we've got Christmas movies. Yeah. Or Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, I still captive think, audience, pretty much. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think Super Bowl is the place to do it. Just like when when Iron Man dropped their mm, during the Super Bowl, that, it was it was good. It was smart. You know what? They better not make me cry about another dead ant in this Ant Man movie, like I did. That's in Honey, what I'm I saying. The That's kids. what I'm saying, dude. I'm, I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee you. There's going to be a fucking anti joke in this. Man. I guarantee you. I've said it in a previous podcast. <laughs> you have. You have. I guarantee you. They're going to fucking bust out a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reference. I better not. I better not be crying over another fucking dead ant. God damn you, movies. God no damn shit. you, Hollywood. No shit, dude. All right, so uh, at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival, a lot of news came out. seemed like the Toronto International Film Festival was for all these movies, but all the people doing publicity, all that they were getting asked about was their fucking Marvel movies. Of course. Uh, Star Wars people are facing the same problem. Exactly. So Chris Evans was talking with MTV and wanted to reassure fans that he's not ready to hand over the shield just yet. He said... Who's handing off the shield? Don't take my job from me prematurely, dude. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen at some point. All good things have to come to an end. But I'm really happy playing the character. Um, Paycheck's nice, too. I'm going right. to real quick say that I think it's really funny that you say this quote by him, don't take my shield away from me, dude. And I laugh because he is so embedded in my mind as Captain America. I can't see Captain America saying that, so it just comes off as being humorous to me. Yeah, we're a, we're a long way from what the hell's Johnny Storm doing playing Steve Rogers. Yeah, right. no yeah, shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thoughts about this comment? I mean, he, he says, you know, uh, don't take my job away from me prematurely. I, I'm, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. All good things have to come to an end, but I'm really happy playing the character. Now – 
you know, I have no idea where he's coming from with the statement. I don't know if he means that he's planning on signing for more pictures later on down the road. Yeah. Or if he's just looking at it at, at the pure fact that his last film with Marvel is four years away in Avengers 3. Like, oh, I, I you know, hey, guys, you know, I'm not ready to hand it off yet. You know, and but. I think another point is there's a lot of buzz about who's going to be the next Captain America because both in the Brubaker run that the movies seem homaged by, right. it, there's kind of a shield handoff, and even currently in the comic books with the shield being handed off to Falcon, so you kind of got both ends of the comic spectrum showing handoffs to a new Captain America besides Steve Rogers. Yeah, so the question just naturally comes up when, well, when then- people want to. You look at like how many con- how many movies he has left in his contract compared to Sebastian Stan's contract. Yeah, exactly. Nine movie deal, and then you had a six picture movie deal. I think with Chris Evans. Yeah, and and a lot of that is financial too. It's easier to pay the guy that's going to be a supporter to be in nine movies, right? Than it is to just right away, you know, yeah, yeah. to lock the guy that's going to be your star for a bunch of movies. We're not right. really dealing with anywhere near the same kind of an issue as we what we are with like a Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I mean this guy's a lot younger. He's physically fit. He's not doing a whole hell of a lot else. You know, I mean, I don't know what else he would do. Snowpiercer. Directing. Well, right. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, like. Directing. I I mean, he, he, he. I mean, he premiered. I think he premiered his new movie at the Toronto International Film Festival. What's his new movie called? He doesn't want to give it up. I I couldn't tell you. Mm. I mean, I'm getting the impression that he doesn't want to give it up. It's not something that he doesn't want to make time for. Yeah, he seems very happy to be Captain America. Okay. Yeah. It's premature for him to say, I'm not going to come back and do this because that's going to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth as far as like Marvel fans. Like, you know, because then everybody's going to have a sad face. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I think what it comes down to is where is his directing career going? Um, You know, he's talked about, he's talked about doing more directing, less acting. This all comes down, in my opinion, to how his directing career goes. Um, if it's a struggle, I expect him to do more Marvel movies so that he can afford to direct, um, to fund some of these movies too. Mm-hmm. But Chris Evans would be wise to look at a successful director right now, Ben Affleck. Yeah, I was getting ready to say the same who's thing. Who's done Argo. And that has not kept him from saying, I'm going to be Batman. Yeah, exactly. And audiences haven't even embraced Ben Affleck as Batman yet. Right. Audience have embraced Chris Evans as Captain America. He would be foolish to just be like, you know what? Especially now, just saying I'm done. After this movie, I'm done. Yeah. But even after his contract's done, after, you know, Avengers 3, just saying, you know, you know, I'm done. I'm done. He would be foolish to say that. Yeah. I mean, even if okay, and let's suppose that Cap dies in a movie. Maybe maybe he does step away for a couple years and he focuses on directing. Yeah. Um just like comic books, unless you're Uncle Ben or Bruce Wayne's parents, I mean you're probably coming back. So hard <laughs> displacement bullets. Right. <laughs> the same thing could be said for Chris Evans in the Captain America role. Okay, I'll see you. I'll see you in a couple years. Comic book deaths are, deaths are never permanent. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun movie. Like um, 
to kind of not do Captain America Reborn exactly, right? But to take Steve Rogers, the character played by Chris Evans, that's all finally used to modern world, and then shoot him back to World War II again. <laughs> that and, would be fun. And that I think would be. I think that'd be a really fun angle for a movie. Yeah, have him have all the knowledge and memories of everything and all the world comforts of modern day and then right back into World War II That's fighting Hitler That's a badass again. idea because for, he goes from being the one who has to have everything explained to him to being the one who has to explain everybody how it should be. Yeah, exactly. And just all the technology and everything gone and just back, you know, to the roots of it all. I think that right. could be a fun movie. Yeah. And from a, a, a character standpoint, especially everything that transpired in The Winter Soldier, do you think that he would be more jaded going back and be like advising people to be more careful and not so trusting in black and white? Yeah, that'd be interesting too. Yeah, I, I was thinking also, you know, other characters back with him too, like sending Black Widow back there to to help him out and get him and stuff like <laughs> that, that. Would just be comical accidentally. Yeah, well, and just to see how Peggy. Yeah, Carter would react to right. seeing Black Widow. I think there's a and lot of fun stuff. There's a that's a good mind or good well to mine. Other I think. men from that time period trying to deal with Black Widow. Yeah, be that a, would be funny too. Exactly. And then if you just want to flip everything on its fucking ass, send the Hulk back with them. Exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think that'd be some fun stuff. That I would when, be hey. badass. Totally off topic. When is Marvel gonna start doing team up movies? Yeah, I don't know. When, I, it, it'll happen. It's coming. You know, I mean, seriously, when are we going to get a Hulk, uh, a Hulk, Tony Stark, Iron Man movie? When are we going to get a Hawkeye, Black Widow movie? When are we going to get a fucking, you know, Captain America, Thor movie? It'll happen. I I think it'll happen. It needs to happen, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm thinking we're, I mean, given the how far out they've got this map, we're probably looking at after 2020. But I want to see it done with the original cast. I don't want Robert Downey Jr. to walk away from the franchise and then us get like, oh, okay, now we're going to do it. Now we have to do it. Yeah. Because we've got a new guy in there. That's kind of the Warner to, Brothers. Yeah, yeah. We've got to sell him to you. No, I want to see it. I want to see him do it while they're still on motherfucking top. Right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. That'd be a lot of fun. Yes. There's just not enough time in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like, these guys got their bit busy ass schedules. It'd be hard to try to cram it in. Especially well, I mean, you know, there's been no talk about Iron Man four yet. Right. Let's just skip Iron Man four and go straight to the Iron Man team up with someone. And he movie. just talked about that. He said that there's nothing in the works. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that is where we're heading. Team up, make it happen. Let's call the movie Marvel Team Up and yeah. do, do one every other year. Absolutely. It'd be fun as hell. <laughs> I, got, I got to say, I'm really fucking geeking out about the idea of the Hulk, you know, battles in this next movie. The, all the stuff I keep hearing about the Hulk buster armor and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, the Ed Norton movie was good, um, and they've had, you know, some difficulty with the Hulk up until the Avengers. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just excited to see them unleash him in the right way. Oof. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull a Frank here. I, I need to talk about Hydro Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, can we do one more Marvel thing real quick? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, one sure. More. Okay. Robert Downey Jr., and then we'll do Star Wars news. Robert Downey Jr. was in Toronto doing press for his new movie, uh, The Judge, which I think like, – have you guys seen the previous for, for The Judge? No, no I haven't. Uh, it's, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Robert Duvall, Billy Bob Thornton, Vincent D'Onofrio. It looks really good. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., he plays a judge and his father is accused of, like, murdering his, like, mother or something. Something crazy. Okay, I I have seen a little bit about this. Looks really good. Um, yeah, and then, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's in it, who's playing the Kingpin in the Daredevil series. Yeah. So a lot of people saw this picture of, like, Daredevil with, uh, (laughs) 
it was uh, Vincent D'Onofrio with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and thought Robert Downey Jr. was going to make a cameo like in the Netflix Daredevil series when it, it was just like yeah. pictures for the judge. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll have Iron Man and Kingpin in a movie together. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. All right. But while in Toronto, Robert Downey Jr. was asked about the possibility of Iron Man 4, to which he had uh, this to say, there isn't one in the pipe. No, there's no plan for a fourth Iron Man. Hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe like what we were saying. I'm not necessarily upset about that. I mean, knowing how there's a limited amount of Marvel movies we can produce every year, I think there's so many more other things that I want to see in everything. Okay. All right, Jake. Yeah. All right. So there's many more movies in development. Yeah. Got all these movies in development. Okay. Let's say you've got like let's say let's say the lineup is like okay they've got a. Uh, They've got Galings, uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. Let's say they're going to do an Inhumans movie. Okay. Let's say they're going to do a Captain Marvel movie. Okay. Let's say they're going to do a Black Panther movie. Sure. Okay. You've got all these movies lined up. Thor 3. Doctor Strange. Cap 3, Doctor Strange. All right. Robert Downey Jr. calls Kevin Feige and he's like, hey, uh, I'm really wanting to do Iron Man 4. It's happening. Boom. Thank you. Oh, yeah. $1.3 billion. Yeah. Like Kevin Feige is going to be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. That's money in I'm the sorry. Hand. I'm sorry. We have, a, uh, we have a Captain Marvel movie coming up. Yeah. We have a Black Panther movie no. coming up. Movies that I want to see. Yeah, we're pushing those. We're pushing those down the line. I want to see them, but, yeah, they're pushing those down the line. Yeah. You have Robert Downey Jr. saying he's coming back to do Iron Man 4. These statements mean nothing. It is posturing. He cannot say that, yes, he wants to do another movie. No, I mean his final contract is for Avengers three. Yep. But the the day that Robert Downey Jr. sends it, he can send a text message that just says I am four, mm-hmm. and that's all that he sends to Feige. Feige is calling him back. Feige is hanging up on his daughter, wishing her a happy <laughs> birthday. Feige just hangs up and he's calling Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I mean exactly. that is happening, dude. I don't care. These statements mean. Fucking nothing. These statements do not. It's all he said is there is not one in the pipe. There's no plans for a fourth Iron Man. That does not mean that they don't that they will not make Iron Man four. They will make it, but I really do feel like we're taking a three to five year break on it. After yeah. three, I need it. But nah, I'm not in that camp. Yeah, he needs a good villain. He has yet to have a good villain one on one for him. I, I like Jeff Daniels in the first movie. I didn't remember Jeff Daniels in the movie, but I do remember Not Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Wow, I got Dumb and Dumber over here. Yeah, no kidding. Well, no, I'm, I'm fucking. With, I know. I'm fucking with you. My bladder is getting into my brain here. <laughs> All right, we're gonna end this go. soon. <laughs> you guys will be able to but do yeah, a I mean, potty break. It, it. He needs a threat, which the bullshit Mandarin storyline posed the threat for the first half of the movie until they ruined it. But he needs a good villain to stand off against. One on one. I'm I'm with Frank. I I have no argument here. It wasn't a bullshit movie with a bullshit villain. I mean, it was it was good. It was entertaining. It it was misdirection, and I did not appreciate it. Yeah, I applauded the misdirection. I was I liked being fooled. No, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> no, this does not need to be an M Night Shyamalan film when we're fooled. Oh, got me. He's just an actor named Trevor. It no. was a lame twist. Yeah, I liked it. Iron Man Three was fun, was fun for me. It had a lot of fun moments. Yeah, uh, that had that what the fuck just happened moment. Yeah, I I applauded an that. An Iron Man movie after Iron Man the original. 
how good that was. And it didn't have the best villain in my opinion. I like Jeff Bridges too, but yeah, yeah it's just he okay. was not the he was not the best villain. Right. In my opinion, you need in my opinion, we need a legit Mandarin. We need a legit Mandarin. That's all I'm saying. And hmm. they need to set that up. No, not hmm. It's like I don't want if I'm watching a Batman movie, I want a legit Joker. There's no reason that the masses should not be able to see Iron Man's arch nemesis the yeah. way he was supposed to be on the film. And I'm not talking about the stereotypical, you know, Asian character that's very extremely racist by today's standards. But I'm saying that they cracked the code in doing that character correctly the way that they had set that character up in that movie before they pulled away the veil right. and they pulled the curtain back. On who that character really was, because he That's was scary. It, he was At the first part of the movie when he was blowing away Stark Mansion. Yeah. I was like, "Holy shit!" Stark has his fucking work cut out for him. Yeah, this is going to be a good movie. When they pulled that away, and the villain was Guy Pearce, and he said, "No, I am the Mandarin." <laughs> that's yeah. what kind of like that. That's what took me out of it because they took it from like being a Mandarin focused movie into more of an extremist focused movie. Yeah, and I think that they tried to combine two story arcs there that just really didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to have an extremist movie, have an extremist movie. If you're going to have a Mandarin movie, have a Mandarin movie. Don't give me this Shane Black Christmas bullshit where you try to fucking trick me. I didn't appreciate that. I know a lot of people got a good laugh out of it. I, I know you liked it. I, knew, I love it. I didn't like it. I, it really turned me off. Yeah, I think I, I love it. I remember the previews, and they were so playing up the intensity of this character about how vicious he was. And they followed through with it right up through the destruction of Stark Manor because uh, it was right when, right after he gave his address, come see me, and the next thing you know, here he comes with some Apache helicopters. Yeah, I don't want any movie to be paid by the numbers what I expect, though, Frank. That's the thing. Like, I don't want it to just be a continuation of the trailer and be exactly what... I like, like a good twist why even go at that point i like a good twist when it has some kind of a meaning throughout the rest of the film keyword good twist Frank. right it, when exactly it, when it completely wipes out everything that you've been excited about and that you've been experiencing thus far in the movie and tries to turn it on its head and go in a completely different direction yeah yeah let me, it, let me it was a tony that. stark movie though not a mandarin movie let me throw this out there okay you talk about good twists what if the good twist was he did have the Ten Rings. That, he did have the Ten Rings. There was an alien that crash-landed. They show just like a flashback of him getting these Ten Rings, and boom, that's our twist. He actually has the power of the Mandarin from the Marvel 616 that we're used to. Yeah, I think the idea of a fully realized Ten Ring Mandarin is something that's just so outlandish for the yeah, cinematic but, universe. Like, that's who, who's that's gonna, outlandish, but, you, but you're totally down with him being an actor. Yeah, way more. Fuck that. If it's going to be Ten Ring Mandarin, that should be fucking Avengers 3. What is Tony Stark doing fighting the most powerful villain that's been in any Marvel movie yet to date? They had that's an, ridiculous. Yeah, but they had an actor in there who's not a TV actor. They had Ben Kingsley. Yeah. This could have been a great villain for them. Ben Kingsley killed it in that movie as Trevor. He No, he killed it as the, the Mandarin. Mandarin. He killed it as both. He did two roles. That's how talented he is. Yeah. It's, that <laughs> it's true, Frank. 
I no, it, it's, I'm with Frank. It's not his fault that the movie fell apart at that point. He was it's only, the, the movie never right. did fall apart though. It yeah, totally it did. It totally me. fell apart when they fucking did the reveal. The reveal is awesome. The Tupperware is, that reveal. Fuck the reveal. Oh, no. The reveal is bullshit. Tupperware. The reveal. Fuck the reveal. Right, now we're gonna talk about Man the of Mandarin Steel. is way too overpowered. <laughs> and why have him as the solo villain in an Iron Man movie that makes no fucking Does sense? Does the Joker go away in the Batman universe? There is no other characters in the Batman movie universe. It's just fucking Batman until now. Does the Joker go away in the Batman universe? Typically, in the in ba- every in the car- Batman iteration, it's a different Joker. It's a different interpretation of the Joker. It's not the DC comic book universe Joker, and it changes every fucking time. But does he go away? Go away? How? I don't even understand the question. Okay, the go qu- away where? The question on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Does he go on way on vacation? Is he is he taking a Royal Caribbean cruise? Does he yeah, go away it. where? I see what Brian's saying. He, he, there doesn't have to be a resolution at the end where he stands triumphant over him. Yes, but it, the thing it is, it can be a conflict that ends, but he doesn't have to vanquish the Mandarin. The thing is, though, is the Joker is the Joker. It's like this brand fucking giant name that everyone knows. Everyone in the goddamn world knows what the Joker is. And everybody is, should know who the Mandarin is, yeah, but, but now they don't, because now they think he's some fucking jackass named Trevor for that's a big fucking fine. laugh. But that's fine, because he's opinion. not the Joker. He's not the Green Goblin. He's not fucking Doctor Doom. And he's he can't be because of the way Shane Black he portrayed him. He still can be. You've even said he still can be. He's still the Mandarin can still exist in the Marvel Universe. This did not destroy any chance of that ever. But the likelihood of them actually resurrecting him and making him what he should have been is he, not What he should have been? Ugh, I can't have this argument with that kind of statement. Well, and, I, and I'm going to reference the Guardians of the Galaxy. Nobody ever would have thought that this cast of characters on paper would have been able to come off and be as successful as what it was. It's a different thing. See, the Guardians of the Galaxy failed with Ronan the Accuser, Lee right. Pace. I mean, that was like, okay... In my opinion, he was not a good villain. But the way they had set up Ben Kingsley as the villain yeah. in Iron Man 3, he was bad motherfucking ass was up until the reveal. That's what right. makes the reveal that much more powerful, oh, that much God. more shocking. It's true. I'm, I'm the opposite. It completely deflated the movie for me. Everybody was shocked. Whether it was a good shock or right. a bad shock is subjective. For me, when I saw that fucking reveal, I was like, fuck this, I'm out. This I know you were. I, I know you were. It was not funny to me. I didn't want to see that. I thought it was clever. I liked it a lot. Fair enough. Whatever. We agree to disagree on that shit all day long. <laughs> yeah, the all Mandarin, the Mandarin ain't the Joker. You have the creative freedom to do whatever the fuck you want. Who cares? You're in the minority of I want the 616 comic book Mandarin to the general audiences that go and see these comic book movies. But to me, that's They like don't fucking know. The Joker that's is the sad. Joker. And that's sad that they don't know and that they won't know. They'll, they could still know. It's not sad. It's not the holy grail of comic book villains, the Mandarin. Okay, I have, I've, I've not ever even read anything about the Mandarin my whole life. I'm just talking about my experience with that see, particular this, film. That makes no sense to me either. Frank has even nothing to relate to. I know what they led up to and led me to believe. I didn't have to know anything about the comics to watch the previews and get the tone of the film. Okay, you know, I like Guy Pierce, but you know what? If you're dealing with a movie that deals with the main character being the Mandarin, being the villain, that's who I want to see the villain. If they're going to do an extremist movie, good. Do a goddamn extremist movie for Iron Man 4. You don't have to have the fucking Mandarin be in there and him be a fucking joke. No, yeah. I mean, and you don't have to wrap up the Mandarin story in that first movie. Who's to say it is wrapped up, though? Ben Kingsley was such a good goddamn Mandarin before they 
they did that reveal, Jake. He was good after the reveal, too. Bullshit. He was great. He Don't showed how how great of an actor he is by doing two completely different roles. You were instantly pissed off at this new guy because Ben Kingsley's performance was so radically different and not what you wanted. I... Yeah, we're not going to go. It we're just going to do circles. Sorry. <laughs> we're doing circles. You, you need to see, no, Iron, you need like, to see Iron Man 3 like, a no, second time. This is like, I'm watching, you. this is like watching NASCAR. Yeah. We're just going in circles at this point, and, 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 and you know fucked nothing's going to go anywhere. We have the same conversation on the flip side about Man of Steel, too. It's not the same conversation. No, we're not talking about Man of Steel again. There, it's not. No. the. How is it the same? That we can go in circles and talk about no. the same Oh, it's the same in that it goes in circles, yeah, but all. it's not the same argument. No, 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 not at all. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. Bottom line is, Jake, you liked you liked you liked Iron Man three. I didn't like the reveal. You love the reveal. You need to see it a second time. You really do. Even I watched Man of Steel three times. I'm telling you. All right. You know, maybe I do need to see Iron Man three a second time. It's got a lot of fun stuff. It it has a lot of stuff like where it's like all the typical tropes you normally see in these movies kind of get like thrown out. Like when I, when I know, you know, the thing is for me, it's like a lot of people were like, oh, okay, we're going to get this. We're going to get this more focused story on Tony Stark and Tony Stark, the man and him being, uh, you know, uh, using his mind. And it's, it's, it's a deconstructed Tony Stark. He's not using the, the, the suit and stuff like that. We're going to see a lot of more Tony Stark. For me, being, you know, like reading all the articles and things like that, I think what that comes down to is just like they, Marvel kind of pandered to the fact that, that Robert Downey Jr. is the face of Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. So it was more like, oh, let's make him more of Tony Stark because we need to give him more face time, not with the Iron Man suit on. It was fine to put him in the Iron Man suit in the first movie because Robert Downey Jr. was just kind of coming back into his own after being, you know, kind of like Hollywood's bad boy. Nobody would take him on to do film roles because if he had a bad reputation, mm-hmm. okay? And so this was kind of like a um, – it was reuniting uh, um, Robert Downey Jr. with Shane Black since Kiss Kiss Bang Bang when they did that movie and those two working together. And uh, – both of those, both of the, the director and the actor and the studio were wanting to kind of make this kind of more like a creative collaboration between those two. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I understand that because Robert Downey Jr. does have more power within Marvel Cinematic. I mean, he made it what it is today. Um, you know, just like Jordan made the Bulls the Bulls, Robert Downey Jr. made Marvel Cinematic Universe, what it is. He is the cornerstone. So give him more control. If he wants to put more gold in the suit, let him put more gold in the suit. <laughs> That's fine. But if I want to watch a buddy cop movie, I'm going to watch Lethal Weapon. If I want to watch a buddy cop movie, I'm going to watch, you know, something like, you know, 48 Hours. Yeah. But if I'm going to watch an Iron Man movie, I want to see a little bit more Iron Man. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. My favorite scenes for that movie was like the scene where he was in the Iron Man suit and he had to think about the what was it that they called it the uh uh when all the people were falling out of the plane oh yeah yeah and the monkey what that was, was a, it the the what do they called the monkey oh the, shit where he was trying to grip like leave yeah. arms yeah yeah that that scene where the the barrel of monkeys thing yeah yeah that whole scene where he, that was so cool yeah, yeah I, I really thought that. all three movies were were a little bit in that tone where we saw a lot of Robert Downey Jr. outside of the suit 
I didn't. I never thought when I see Iron Man three, I never think of it as whoa. There's way less Iron Man in this movie than the other two movies. I understand why they did it, but okay. So in the first Iron Man movie, we have him having this great big revelation of what his weapons have been doing to the world, and he switches, you know, the switch on in his head about how he's got to make it stop. He's got to make the world a better place. The second Iron Man movie, we see him being a little emotionally unstable. The third one, we see the repercussions of the Avengers, and you know he's having some more problems with like. Which I'm PTSD. glad they addressed. I'm glad they addressed. Yeah, I love that. the post traumatic syndrome, and, Robert Downey and Jr. And that stuff. doesn't bother me. But what I want to see in the fourth one is I want to see him similar to what he was in the Avengers, the cocky, wise ass bastard. Why can't we just see him like that? In no, Avengers no, 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 man. You know what? They gave him. He was a wise cracking dude the entire movie to the point where it just pandered to audiences in right. the third movie. It was crack after crack after crack after. Crap. I'm not talking that about just, true. I'm not talking about the humor. I'm talking about just his attitude. Yeah, we we get the idea that he's got some depth in that, but if you're going to make a fourth movie, don't dwell on that part so much. I mean, let him just be Iron Man, fight a real villain and let the story flow from that. It's a good point. You know, that like that's the one thing that we missed in 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 Iron Man 3 in my opinion. If they would not have done the Trevor reveal and if it was the real Mandarin, I would have liked to have seen a badass scene where Tony actually got to talk to Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin, the same way he kind of got to talk to Loki. Right, that would have been mm-hmm. cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, I'm, you know what, you know right. what, you know what, uh, yeah, you may be this, you may be that, you may have done this to my, to my, uh, whatever, but I am Iron Man. Yeah. He'll get to talk and to see, threats like that in other movies, the, though. The problem I had with Iron Man 2 was like the big threat was Extremis and trying to overcome Extremis, but in the end of that movie, it defeats itself by his girlfriend, Pepper Potts, who's infected by the extremist virus, defeating extremists ultimately. That was my big problem was like, oh, I don't need the Iron Man suit. I am I am Iron Man and I don't need – but I don't need the suits. I am Tony Stark. I am this brilliant guy. I hate that part But too. his girlfriend bails him out at the end. Yeah. And I think that's where the movie ultimately fails. That's where I'm going to end this. If you guys have any other final thoughts, that's fine. Otherwise, we can take our little – Potty break. <laughs> I got no final thoughts. All right. All right. No no Jerry Springle final thoughts? No. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> I'm going to fucking hit you All both right. with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, uh, we'll come back. We're going to do some Star Wars news. Everybody, we're back. We're going to be uh, talking some Star Wars news because it's been a while since we talked about Star Wars news. Yeah, at least three, four weeks, right? It's been a while. Yeah, kind of uh, ran out of time, things like that. So, yeah, some Star Wars news coming straight at you. You got what the is saying. You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. It's not true. <laughs> All right, so I uh, wanted to start this off with a, uh, a real news story. Um, an unidentified object spotted on the side of 
a road in Mendenhall Valley, Alaska, was reported to police as a suspicious device earlier this week. Things escalated pretty quickly from there. Here's Emily Russo-Miller reporting for the Juno Empire. The report on Tuesday afternoon prompted a police officer to respond to Threadneedle Street to check it out. He didn't know what it was either. Police then dispatched an officer who specializes explosive ordnance disposal to investigate. The officer didn't have to use the force to realize what it was. A plastic Star Wars lightsaber toy. <laughs> it was not it, it was not explosive in any way, Juno Police Department spokeswoman Aaron Kalrara said. So yeah, wow, fuck. Yeah, damn. Star Wars made the news, not the way we would have expected. <laughs> Calling the police kind Calling of news. Calling the police. Nobody had seen anything like this. Really? It's a fucking lightsaber, dude. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was modded. <laughs> modded lightsaber. It's crazy, man. That is, that's a funny story. Yeah, so it made the news. I thought that was interesting. Fucking Alaskans. Yeah, come on. <laughs> get, get your shit together. Yeah. You know Russia's just across the border, don't you know? Don't you know. All right, Star Wars Rebels will premiere on Disney XD as a one-hour movie event titled Star Wars Rebel Spark of Rebellion. The movie premieres on Friday, October 3rd, and the regular series will debut on Monday, October 13th. Uh, Jake, so are we going to be doing a review of uh, Star Wars Rebels? Yeah, let's do it. I'll totally be watching it. Me too. Me too. Cool, I'll be on it. Uh, Here's more info about the series from the official press release. The television movie garnered rave reviews at last month's San Diego Comic-Con fan event for its story set between the events of Star Wars Episodes 3 and 4 and and its look akin to the classic Star Wars trilogy. The series' designs are influenced by the work of original Star Wars concept artist Ralph McQuarrie. The story unfolds during a dark time when the evil galactic empire is tightening its grip of power on the galaxy. Imperial forces have occupied a remote planet and are ruining the lives of its people. The motley but, cr- but the motley but clever crew of the starship Ghost, cowboy Jedi Kanan, ace pilot Hera, street smart teenager Ezra, the muscle Zeb warrior Firebrand Sabine. And cantankerous old astromech droid Chopper is among a select few who are brave enough to stand against the Empire. Together, they will face threatening new villains, encounter colorful adversaries, embark on thrilling adventures, and become heroes with the power to ignite a rebellion. Uh, Star Wars Rebels is created by David Filoni of the Star Wars The Clone Wars, Simon Kinberg of X-Men Days of Future Past and Sherlock Holmes, and Carrie Beck. The Lucasfilm animation production is also executive produced by Filoni and Kinberg, as well as Greg Weissman from the cartoon Gargoyles. Mm. Wow. We Gargoyles last week and this week. Yeah, Gargoyle Watch. Whoop. Woo. I've got small kids, and uh, they're cross-promoting this off of uh, Disney Junior for huh. over on Disney XD, and they're really going after the uh, droid angle on that. The cantankerous droid. Yeah, as far as him being like kind of slapsticky and loserish. Yeah, it sounds like a good group. It sounds like a yeah. good uh, mix of um, characters. Yeah, a real like, fun eclectic group. Yeah, and I'm sure they're not always going to agree, and that's going to be fun. Yeah, right. it'd be like us. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, the droid loves <laughs> Iron Man three. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, shit. 
Uh, voice cast includes Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan, Vanessa Marshall as Hira, Steve Bloom as Zeb, Tyus Sakar as Sabine, Taylor Gray as Ezra, David Oyolo as Agent Callis, and Jason Isaacs as the Inquisitor. Mm. So, um, also wanted to bring up Star Wars Rebels executive producer Simon Kinberg, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him. In the past has said, don't expect the new animated Rebels show to tie into Star Wars Episode 7. Now, and he said that at San Diego Comic-Con. Now, recently, he's singing a different tune in a chat he had with Entertainment Weekly. He said, it's a very integrated process. There's real communication between all the filmmakers because we're all part of a larger timeline. This this is the part of the quote I want you to to to, to take into right. uh, consideration. I'm said, zoning in. There is absolutely communication and integration between the different stories. We are very aware they're doing. Uh, we're very aware of what they're doing in episode seven. And we also have to click into place with episode six. He also says there are characters, vehicles, imagery that are introduced in the show before we've ever seen them in the movies, possibly including seven. Hmm. Seven different characters and things? Including Star Wars episodes. Oh, a seven. seven. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. That'd be like the equivalent of seeing Jabba's sail barge in the cartoon before we see it in Return of the Jedi. Right. I mean, that fills that definition. Right. So I think, yeah, that that can be interpreted in a number of different ways. I like that, though. I was I always thought that this was supposed to be a little bit of the bridge in between. Well, it's, but the thing is, Frank, is that it, it does take place between, even though we're going to learn a little bit about episode seven somehow, it takes place between three and four. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's where that fits in. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like the big question here, I think like from what we've been hearing of like on set, they're talking about these Jedi hunters. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it does tie in. I think these Inquisitors are Jedi hunters. We'll see their origins of characters we'll see in the movies yes. in this cartoon. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yes. Uh, they're also talking about we could see uh, Darth Vader in the show. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, could see some Vader. Like it. All right. Makes sense that we would. If you are a Star Wars fan and you're planning on watching Star Wars Episode 7 uh, and you weren't planning on watching Rebels, I, I, after hearing this news dropped by Kenberg, I think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't. Yeah, they wiped out all canon and this is all we got, folks. Exactly. Exactly. They've re- redefined canon. Yeah. So, yeah, the Dark Horse stuff does not count. This does. So I think there could be some really cool Easter eggs that we're going to see in Star Wars Rebels. And I think that, yeah, like I said, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. You're going to want to know what we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Star Wars Rebels premieres Friday, October 3rd on Disney XD. Um, I, this is really cool. This next thing I want no, to... No, not to, uh-huh. not to interrupt you, but sure. I was looking into that because you were telling... I was telling you the show started on the 13th, and yeah. you informed me that it started on the 3rd. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, the movie. Now, what I found out upon further investigation is that the movie actually is going to debut on Disney Channel proper, from what I read. Oh. And okay. then the show is going to air on Disney XD. That's interesting. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. But I think that's what I read. So it's two different channels for your DVR. So if that's the case, I'm not 100% on that. 
Yeah. But I think that might be the case. Interesting. Let me go back to my notes. Yeah, because what I, what I read here was Star Wars Rebels will premiere on Disney XD as a one-hour movie. Uh, Star Wars Rebels Spark of the Rebellion. So that might be a good Google search for us to look into. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. All right. Let me pause. Okay, yeah, we looked more into it. Um, it looks like it's going to be simulcast on all the... Uh, it'll be on both Disney XD and the main Disney channel. Okay. And possibly even um, Disney Junior, if you have that channel, too. It looks like all three channels are going to play it at once, and then the whole thing shifts over to XD. The Disney Junior thing I'd, I'm kind of wondering about, because even when they play, like, Hercules yeah. on that, they have a disclaimer at the beginning saying that... Some of the action scenes may be too violent for some of the younger viewers. Oh, gotcha. I'd be wondering if they'd actually put that on Disney Junior because uh, the age range of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, at least for sure I know it's on Disney and Disney XD, it looks like. Right, yeah, Disney XD is kind of like the uh, pre-tweenish, I guess, yeah. age range. I, You know, in about a week we'll be able to see this shit on our DVR schedule, so we'll know what's up. Yeah. All right, uh, I wanted to play this. This is a really cool clip. It's a sound clip of Simon Pegg, and okay. he's talking about Star Wars Episode Seven, and him going to the set and talking to J.J. Abrams. I can also report that I've been on the set of Star Wars, and it looks amazing. You have. <laughs> now, Star Wars was the kind of moment of your youth that... Yes, Probably absolutely. Probably set everything in the motion. hundred percent, yeah, yeah. And I was very excited. Well, actually, when I first heard JJ was doing it, I got upset because I was like, oh, no, daddy's going to go and play with someone else. Uh, you know, it's like I phoned him and said, is Star Trek going to be like the the, un, the less cute older sibling? You know, <laughs> now you've got this new baby to play with. Right. That's not true. He'll, he'll be very involved when we make Star Trek 3 next year. But, um, yeah, I, I, I live very close to Pinewood. Uh, and, you know, when your friend's down there making a film, of course you're going to go visit and have a look around. Right. And, uh, um, it's very exciting. And yeah. remind them that maybe you're available for the next one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But in, in deference to JJ's um, wonderful sort of uh, uh, approach to secrecy, I, I won't say anything. But it, all I can say is, and this is known, that he's decided to approach the movie very much like they did back in the 70s, which was to use a lot of physical stuff, to not rely too heavily on CG, uh, to get... This is a story I told him. This is absolutely true. Uh, early on, and he took this into meetings... Um, when he was, they were talking about you know making the new Star Wars film. When I showed my daughter, The Empire Strikes Back, she's only three. I couldn't wait. It was a night, you know. It's like I, I just watch it now. I can't wait for you to be seven. Uh, we she watched Star Wars. She liked Star Wars. She was a little frightened by the sand people and got a bit bored towards the end. She watched all of Empire Strikes Back, which is strange because it's a darker movie. But when we were when uh, Yoda first appears on the screen. Um, She'd never seen the Frank Oz Yoda. She'd only ever seen the cartoon Yoda, or he's on a commercial in the UK advertising cell phones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she'd only seen that guy. She'd never seen the puppet. And and he sort of he, when he appears, I saw her sort of sit up and she looked at the screen and then she looked at me and then she looked back at the screen, and she watched it for a bit and then she said, "Daddy, he's real." <laughs> and and I kind of like burst and cr crying. <laughs> <laughs> Child, <laughs> uh, and it was because he's there, you know, he's there interacting with Mark Hamill, and all. Yeah, you know, even if he was CG, we'd still know he wasn't really there because he's a little kind of long-eared alien. But the fact that it was a puppet who was existing in the same space as Mark Hamill talking to him, 
it made her believe in him in a way that CG would never do, you know. And I told JJ this, and and JJ went into a, a number of meetings in, in the sort of period leading up to making Star Wars, and I think used that as a as a as a good argument for using puppets and masks and that kind of thing. And when I did go to visit the set, one of the puppeteers came up to me and said, "Hey, you're the guy whose daughter saved Star Wars," <laughs> 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 which was probably one of the greatest moments of my life. So you know, I know that JJ had always planned to do that, but it was a nice little um, validation of that impulse. I think to have a, a child of that age say that. Wow, what a great clip. Yeah, it's a great clip, and I don't know if a lot of people heard that, but that's why I wanted to share it with everybody, because that really is what Star Wars is all about. It's um, it's about kids falling in love with what we have fallen in love with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's grabbing a new audience, and even though you know I have problems like with like Jar Jar Binks, but if the kids fell in love with him, then that's all that matters, and... I guess, like, as fans, we kind of expect that we want the movies to kind of grow up with us. And and I, I think that they do appeal to kids, but at the same time, I think that they could use a little practical effects to capture our imaginations again. Because mm-hmm. um, Star Wars can do that. You know what I mean? There, yeah. are, there are still movies out there that, even though I'm an adult... That can still capture my imagination and make oh, me yeah. feel like a kid again. Even new movies coming out, Harry Potter. Yeah, you buy into that fiction. If it's good enough, you buy, you jump right in. Yes, yeah, and it makes you feel like a kid again. Like it makes you feel like, man, if I was a kid watching this, this is just amazing. But that's what Star Wars is about. It's it's about not forgetting that these movies can capture the imaginations of children and. And I, I think my biggest problems with the prequels was that Lucas was more focused on like the technology mm-hmm. a little too much. And instead of being like George Lucas of old and using those practical effects and models, uh, he, he more turned into James Cameron, yeah. in my opinion. And, and I think JJ gets it. I, I think that he's trying to tap into, you know, George Lucas from like, you know, 30 plus years ago and go with that approach. I think J.J. gets it. Yeah, and I I think George wanted to do with the prequels what he did with the original in in the sense that at the time of the originals, he pushed the envelope as hard. And I know, I know you know this. I'm not saying you don't know uh, this. Yeah, yeah. But, and that's kind of with the prequels, it was the same thing. And even, even as much more realist practical effects see, you know, seem George Lucas once again in the prequels pushed the envelope with special effects as far as it could go. And whether you like the prequels or not, they revolutionized, um, a lot of aspects of modern filmmaker filmmaking even today i mean digital cameras came from um episode two you know digital digital movie making and whatnot you know so it's it was huge in that aspect but yeah i think a nice blend between the two is where we need to be yeah yeah i mean because i can yeah like on what you said makes 100 percent. george lucas was trying to show like star wars is the pioneer yeah We, we were the pioneer back in the late 70s and 80s and now we're going to be the pioneer with digital effects and CG. Yeah. But on the flip side, when you do that, you lose a little bit of the heart from the first movies too. Mm-hmm. And you kind of forget like where we came from, our roots. Um, taking a blend of what they did from the original films and a blend of what they did in the Star Wars prequels, mashing those together, 
I think that could bring back what we want from these films and then give us interesting characters because in all actuality, we got some great fucking characters in Star Wars, man. Definitely. You know what I mean? You, 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 you take a character like Luke Skywalker who's just like this, uh, all American, even though he's like living in a galaxy far, far away. He's kind of like your all-American boy. You know what I mean? And then you've got like Han, Han Solo, who's the bad boy. You put those two together, it's almost like you're mixing – it's almost like you're mixing Captain America with Tony Stark. Yeah. yeah you know much. what I mean? It's the same kind of clash between those two the whole time. But they become best friends. And then you've got Leia, who's like this empowered female. She's not your conventional like save me damsel in distress. She's a badass. She can pick up a blaster and shoot with the best of them. That's what we need from these movies. We need interesting characters too, practical effects, and some cool CG. I can't stop thinking about the effects thing. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where that's where CG effects can be considered looking as good as practical? Is that something that can ever happen? I think – no, go ahead, Frank. They, I think that they have their place. I think that they can come in and instead of trying to completely 100% mimic – and replace practical effects. Um, I, I would say like uh, Planet of the Apes. It wasn't over the top. They did a real good job with the details, uh, and it didn't ha- it didn't take you away from the movie. It only added to it. Yeah, I mean, just like with like in the original Star Wars, they're like blowing shit up outside of a studio lot and zooming in on it. Whereas right. in like modern Star Wars, we're doing all that on computers. Yeah. But yet, still in the original, it feels more physical and more real. Yeah. Are we are we ever gonna get to a point where we can emulate, you know, blowing shit up by the garage and having it look as good, and it's created by computers? I think, like in my opinion, um, some of the scenes that work best for CG in movies yeah. are scenes that are set in a. I don't know how to say. It. They're set in a at night. I mean, the yeah. CG set at night, I think, looks really good. Like, the Pacific Rim stuff that was set at night. Yeah. I think, like, with the rain and the thunderstorms and stuff like that, looked dead on. Even, like, in the old days, like, um, Jurassic Park. Yeah. And yeah. everything yeah. at night and the, everything. The T-Rex and yeah. stuff like that. I think it's when it's daylight, that green screen magic, you can really kind of tell. Like, even in Days of Future Past, the stadium scene, there were some scenes that just did not look good in the daylight. Yeah. Uh, the daylight Pacific Rim scene where they're fighting in Australia didn't look as good as the nighttime scenes. Some yeah. of the issue with that is the lighting effects. You're trying to deal with shadows and color textures and things like that that you don't have to deal with at night. Yeah, that, that's the thing. No, I'm familiar with all the issues and all the restraints and problems. My question is, is are we ever going to break through that boundary of all? Do you think that is an achievable goal? Is are we always going to say practical effects look more real than CG effects? Are CG effects ever going to break that wall down? Minus a couple of specific people like Michael Bay, uh, I think we're getting to a point where people are no longer impressed by all the "let's see what we can do" kind of stuff, and everybody's getting more in tune with the idea that it, there needs to be this balance. So I think we're starting to get into that here now. I think there will be a time there where they do break it down. I mean, every 10 years we see a huge jump in this kind of stuff, Jake. I think the remaining problem is going to be casting actors that can act like they are interacting with something that's not physically there with them on the screen. Yeah, they're going to be the biggest liability. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the difference between Chris Pratt talking to Rocket Raccoon 
And on the flip side of that, Megan Fox talking to Michelangelo. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, I think that's going to be the biggest problem on selling audiences. I I think that the technology will eventually get there. It's, it's all going to come down after that is what actors they're going to cast that, that can interact with these, like in, you know, the, these people that aren't actually on the screen and, and, and doing these lines with them really. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's not, it's like every movie has to create their own program. There's not like this one universal program that all of Hollywood gets to use to make perfect, perfect CG special effects and yeah. make all humans look good. So it's yeah, like right. every time you make a movie, unless it's a sequel, it's like you're starting from the ground up and designing all of your stuff and making your effects and right. visualizing how powers are going to look and everything. Yeah. You know? I don't think anybody would disagree that we're definitely at a point where you can see the most fantastic effects that anyone's ever seen in their whole lives now what it's about is almost like an art style you know you can use that and have it have an impact one way or another on the film just in how it's done yeah i just want to see the perfect collusion of cg and reality i gotta say and i'm sitting here thinking about this episode one was 15 years ago and did it bother anyone to have a fully CG Watto, but a shitty looking puppet Yoda? Yeah, I didn't mind puppet Yoda in episode one. He I'm upset that he's CG. He's CG Yoda now. In the, in the revamp? Mm-hmm. See, I haven't gone back and watched it since. He's CG Yoda now. Well, I mean, I've seen it since, but I haven't, you know, I don't think I've Yeah, the episode that. one was the first. The, that was the movie they used, the puppet Yoda, and yeah. then they flipped to the CG Yoda in the next two films. Because he had to fight. He had to fight. Right. And I, that kind of sucked for me the first time I saw. Yeah. The fight or puppet Yoda, a puppet Yoda. Yoda. Well, because everything else in episode one was so shiny. And like you said, they were trying to push the envelope CG wise. And then they did a great job with Watto. And then here you have puppet Yoda. Yeah. Not that I dislike puppet Yoda, but in a film where everything else is CG, he stood out too much. Mm, Puppet Yoda, Yoda Hayden. No, no, Hayden. I just think it was. I think it was a mistake to try to. Do I can that see your point, then. though, Frank. It's like the one puppet in all CG land is yeah. is going to stand out. Right. Yeah. I can I can understand that point. Yeah. So yeah, no, I get it too. Frank. The, I mean, conversely, I far prefer. Puppet Yoda in the original trilogy as opposed to CG Yoda in the prequels. Yeah, but man, it was all worth it in that third movie where we fucking got to see Yoda with yeah, the lightsaber. Well, we saw that in the second one, well, yeah. too. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. a little bit more drawn out with him using the Force, though, too. Yeah, yeah. And this, the, I love the scene in the third one, too. Yeah. But yeah, that ending in two where we see the, the final battle as a Yoda battle was... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember having that spoiled and still like thinking about how it would look in my head was like, how the fuck is that going to look? I did not like the direction of the fight between Christopher Lee and Hayden Christensen in that second one. Oh, I, lo- I love that where it's just the lights in just the face. The lights? I thought that was love cheap. It. I love thought that it. was cheap. I thought it was completely the antithesis. I of- just thought it was a really interesting take, like in a really like bold artistic direction. We've seen at that point, we've seen so many lightsaber fights that it's like, why not tri- Why not make something real stylistic and go for something? I like how the colors shine in their faces and just the sound effects and music. and It's good stuff. We got plenty of acrobatics and other lightsaber battles in that movie. Yeah, I'm not so much thinking about acrobatics, but I mean, we did get to see a little bit more of that fleshed out and actually get to see it in the beginning of Episode 3. Yeah. I, I, they, I mean, and I've, I'm not real far into watching... Um, 
Clone Wars. Clone Wars, yeah. But I mean, Count Dooku, it's almost like the films discredit him. Yeah, I get the I get the goosebumps during that part in episode two. It's one of my favorite parts. When you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's when it's just the lights zooming up and down their faces. I fucking love it. Oh my god. <laughs> See, I'm I'm the other way around. I, I just think that was cheap way to get out of trying to get. You know, I'm figure some, out some kind of choreograph for Christopher Lee. I'm somewhere in the middle. It doesn't give me chills, but it also doesn't like bore the shit out of me. So I'm I'm kind of somewhere in the middle with that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's cheap. We we get to see him do CG jumping around in other movies. Yeah, so it can be done. All right, Mark Ruffalo. He was uh, talking with Collider recently at the Toronto International Film Festival, and it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, he starred, like we said, in The Brothers Bloom, directed by recently hired Star Wars Episode Eight director Ryan Johnson. And Mark Ruffalo voiced his desire to be cast in a Star Wars film. He said, "Ryan, congratulations on everything you've been doing. And by the way, if there's a part in Star Wars, please." Anything, please consider considering me to join you. (laughs) (laughs) Then he was asked, uh, you know, you're very busy, but how much do you personally want to be in a Star Wars movie? Mark Ruffalo then replied. He said, desperately, my email to Ryan after all these years was, Ryan, congratulations. Uh, Yeah, put me in the Star Wars film. So he he wants to be in a Star Wars film. Um, I bet he will be then. You think so? Yeah, I feel like that, that, that kind of shit works. Ask Samuel Jackson. Yeah, that's true. true. (laughs) Begging and being buddies with the guy making the film. Well, and I mean, you're already working closely with the studio as, uh, you know, he's, he's, Marvel is part of Disney. So, I mean, yeah, it could be something. I don't know how big of a part it could be. It, I guess it all depends on how big of a part the Hulk's going to be playing in, in the Marvel universe and if they can work it out schedule wise. But yeah, I mean, for some reason, I'm sorry, Frank. That's okay. Oh, I was going to say, it made me think of Jimmy Smith's. Like, Jimmy Smith's wanted to do a little thing, and they yeah. gave Jimmy Smith's a little bit to do, you know? They yeah. they can do that for Mark Ruffalo. He's got a good range as an actor, though. Oh, he's great. I yeah. think Mark Ruffalo's great. Yeah, he's really good. So, I mean, he could handle something good, but would that possibly be a bad thing, only in the sense that he had, you know, would have such success as the Hulk and the Avengers? No, Would it be hard no, for people no, to no, transition? No, 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 no. I mean, we've got, we've got, we've already got fucking, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mace Windu. I was going to say, even in the day, Han Solo and Indiana Jones were the same person. Sure. Right, yeah, good point. Well, and Samuel Jackson's Mace Windu and Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. Okay, got And you. I think this is a great thing to do because it's, it's a uh, it's a re- reuniting um, Mark Ruffalo with Ryan Johnson, who directed him in Brothers Bloom. I think it's a, it's a great collaboration. I think if he's going to come back and do a movie, I think 8 would be a great movie to come back and do. I need to see Brothers Bloom. It's you do need to see Brothers Bloom. It's really it's a fun movie. It's a really fun movie. I can't think of the actor's name, but uh, the original Fright Night, the guy that played Jerry Dandridge, I always thought Mark Ruffalo looks kind of like him. Hmm. I don't know the guy's name either. All right, makingstarwars.net claims to have a source that has seen Daisy Ridley's look for Star Wars Episode Seven. Here are the fashion details. Daisy Ridley's costume. The details are very general, but the costume gives the idea that this character might be more comfortable in a seedy spacesuit than a uh, gala event. The artwork shows a slender brunette figure wearing clothing with a gray and brown palette. She wears a dark blue sash at the waist that hangs down at the back and one side about thigh level. Her shirt arms have a few utilitarian-looking straps attached, and it covers both 
midriff and chest completely. She may wear gloves and have Star Wars type wraps on the forearms. She wears a few pouches and belts. A lightsaber is clasped, is clasped in her hand, which is interesting to me from all the reports that we've been hearing because I was under the assumption that it was John Boyega who would be wielding this lightsaber. Are there two lightsabers that are found? Or are we under the belief now that maybe it is Daisy Ridley's character that's going to be wielding the lightsaber and not John Boyega? But I've also heard reports that John Boyega has been seen in scenes fighting with the lightsaber, holding it, and he's not doing what they've been doing in the prequels and fighting using one hand. He's using the more traditional Obi-Wan Kenobi style where he's using both hands. Hmm, that's so interesting. This is very interesting that they mentioned that they see Daisy Ridley holding a lightsaber. Maybe she just does for one moment too. You know, maybe at one point it's her own defense. Maybe um Boyega's knocked out and she's using his lightsaber as a defense. Who Possibly. knows? Who knows? You Possibly. Know? Possibly. So it, it, on the idea that it might not be it might be two separate sabers who else has lost a lightsaber vader would have lost his at the end of uh, episode six who doesn't lose a lightsaber in the well, star right. <laughs> but i mean is it possible that that would have survived the explosion of the death star yeah anything's possible so then you've got a red and a blue floating about maybe one of them made their own lightsaber that's possible yeah yeah yeah, it's interesting though. Um, we could probably get into more of that a little bit later, but I, I, I don't want to see them just like, oh, just, you know, finding lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, a good like point. it's a, like it's an Easter egg hunt. And they're just, hey, I got one. It's gotta red. catch them yeah. all. My lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Pokemon. <laughs> like, like somebody opens up their like jacket and they've got like lightsabers. <laughs> Which one you want? I got a purple one. <laughs> I got a green one. It'd be like General Grievous. <laughs> Yeah, lightsaber necklace. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, out of all that, I could give a shit what she's wearing. This is not fucking fashion police, and, and I'm not Joan Rivers. So I, I'd I watch a, a Project Runway Star Wars, Star <laughs> Wars edition. I would do. <laughs> That'd probably be the only Project Runway I'd watch. <laughs> all right, but it. Um, but I thought the most interesting thing to take out of that is that they showed her with a lightsaber. Yeah, that yeah. that is the takeaway. So, um, looks like we also might know that uh, what Daisy Ridley's character's name in Star Wars is, unless. It's a code name, which I would not put that past anything in Star Wars. For sure, now code it, names are the big deal, right? Always have been. Always have. Blue been. Harvest. Blue Harvest. Yep. The first bit of evidence came about when there was a pic uh, on the set of a sign in a vehicle that was marked Kira, K-I-R-A. Oh, yeah. Then there was a tweet on September 10th from someone near the filming location that read. Just rode past a convoy of actors dressing room caravans being delivered to Newberry by night. One sign read, Kira Stunt Double. Hmm. So, guys, I'm under the firm belief, and a lot of media outlets are under the firm belief, that where there is smoke, there is a fire. These are two separate, and, and, and it's not like these were on the same film locations these are two separate locations yeah okay the vehicle the dressing room caravans these did not take place at the same locations two separate locations both people are saying that they've seen this name kira i'm thinking that you know unless it's a code name 
I'm 99% sure that her character's name is Kira. You, you know where I'm coming from on this? I am coming the exact same way. Um, 99 to 100% sure. And it's like, why do they even need to bother with a code name for this character anyway? Right. It tells us nothing anyway. Yeah. It's one thing to have a code name for the what the movie's going to be called, you know, or what the characters that we already know in the past are going to be up to or doing right, and everything. Right, right, But it's another thing to name drop a character we have no fucking relation to anyway in the and first place. And they know place. that we're going to be talking about code names anyway. Yeah. We're not, we're not strangers to this bullshit. We've seen this before. Yeah. But yeah, you know, they could drop the name of the character. That we don't have no relation to exactly. or back knowledge of. Exactly. Who cares? Especially exactly. with it just being a first name, you have no idea what affiliation. Yeah, Kira. It gets us talking, and they want us talking about the right name if it doesn't spoil anything, just us knowing that. Yeah. So yeah. they don't care. But, you know, I'm thinking like uh, – I'm thinking – man, there's so many different things. We're going to talk about them. Let's talk about some Star Wars news that came out of Latino Review and uh, their sources this past week about villains featured in the film – here is the scoop, and I'm going to read it straight from Latino Review. Do it. Two independent sources have recently written to us to confirm something we had heard back when production first began. Even though Star Wars Episode Seven, as well as the following two sequels, will feature its share of new villains, the person pulling the strings, the real puppet master, the big bad of the trilogy, is none other than Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. A lot can happen. During the fall of an empire, and maybe the moments we took to see our heroes party with the Ewoks was a forced perspective on something much more sinister. We all know that Lando blew up the second Death Star in the Millennium Falcon, and we know Luke had enough time to carry his dying father to a shuttle bay and unmask him. We also know from Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, that when you throw someone, or in Luke's case himself, down the tubes of a large space station, you might not necessarily die. Mm-hmm. The source told me that the Emperor 100% will appear in Star Wars Episode 7 and 8. Don't look for confirmation from this from Ian McDiarmid, because he's not portraying the Emperor this time. Will this big bad resemble the craggy old man of Return of the Jedi? Now that is the question. Hmm. So what are your guys' thoughts on this report? I like it. It's cool. If it's true, it's cool. Um, I still am under the belief that the big bad is going to be with it from within the New Republic itself possibly and already infested it, whether or not it's Palpatine. Right. So I don't know. I, I, it's okay, though. I'm, I'm, and I'm fine with it not being Ian McDermott. If it is yeah. Palpatine, I'm, I can understand that. It, you know, yeah. It sounds like it's using powerful Sith techniques to kind of bring himself back from an almost death. So maybe that would change and transform him in some way. I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Okay, so we saw in Episode Three how they were chucking those different Senate seats at each other. How come he couldn't use the Force to slow his fall? Yeah, there's a lot of different things he could have done. Probably at the same time too, though they'd have to probably retcon the old films because when he's chucked down the shaft, you see a blue explosion. No, you do see an explosion. There. Yeah. So yeah, it wouldn't be hard though to change fucking Return of the Jedi for the eight hundredth yeah, no time. Shit. It wouldn't be unprecedented. Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that what happens in this is that in the first set of movies that came out, episodes, you know, four, five, and six, mm-hmm. you know, episode four, we're introduced to Darth Vader and, and the Emperor. 
And uh, then the big reveal in episode, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back, episode five, was that, you know, Vader was Luke's father. I'm hoping that, you know, we've got this group of inquisitors and, you know, uh, the Sith Lords have left like this information, uh, to the inquisitors. Like if, if they're, if, if the Sith are gone and wiped out, this is how you bring them back. Well, what they do is they, is they do whatever they do to bring them back. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to bring them back. Whatever fucking mumbo jumbo. Exactly. Whatever ceremony or technology is available to them, whether it be science based or, or, you know, uh, the dark side based, whatever. However they do it, they bring them back. Now, who they bring back first is Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Palpatine comes back for episode seven and that's a big fucking deal, right? By episode eight, this is our Empire Strikes Back moment. And instead of the big reveal that, you know, okay, Vader is Luke's father, the big reveal is that not only did they bring back Palpatine, but unbeknownst to them, they also brought back Plagueis. And Plagueis gets his revenge Mm. from Palpatine. That's That's interesting. That's the fucking thing. That's badass. And that kind of goes back to ancient fear. Exactly. If Ancient Fear is the title, even if it's not the title, this is fucking cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Because in you know you've got you've got fucking Palpatine killed this motherfucker. Okay, he killed him, and that was that was uh, they they mentioned in, that in the episode three story. Exactly. Yeah. The imp- this is payback, and I think that would be a cool fucking payoff to see, like, you know, like, this guy is a bigger bad, in my opinion, because, like, this guy could mani- manipulate the midi-chlorians and bring people back from the dead. And uh, he brought himself back through Palpatine or whatever, or through this ceremony, unbeknownst to the Inquisitors, and he's been there all along. He takes out Palpatine, and now he brings on his other Sith apprentice. Mm-hmm. And from there, now the movie's like, holy shit. Right. Okay, let's get okay. Yeah, it was kind of cool, kind of a trope that you bring back, you know, the Palpatine, whatever. Yeah, you brought him back, and but now you've got somebody else that comes back in there and fucking kills him. This right. changes everything. That I, I think that would be fucking badass. I yeah. agree. Yeah, it's like the the fish scene in Episode One, kind of on a grander scale. You know, yeah. you got Palpatine, yeah. and then you got the bigger bad that's going to gobble him up and right. be yeah. the real bad. Yeah. There's always coming. a bigger fish. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So I, I like it. I think that's a great idea. Oh man! So get call call Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams right now. Absolutely. Get them on the fucking <laughs> horn here, man, because that I, shit needs to go down. I just want the big bad, whether it's Palpatine, whether it's Plagueis, whether it's fill in the blank. I want to be scared by what the new Star Wars big yeah. bad is. I Make want it to be scary. Fucking dark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want him fucking ripping out hearts and eating babies or nothing. Right. But I want it. I want it to be on screen scary. Yeah. You got to uh, kind of figure since 1983, we don't have anything that's official beyond yeah. Jedi. And then you know the prequels were good, but event you knew where they were headed. Yeah. I want kids hiding behind their dad's legs. Yeah. When they see this shit on screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I hope they do good by that. Yeah, I, I want to have somebody just as iconic and, as Vader come yeah. out of this, you know, because right. I think, I think Darth Maul could have been that. Yeah. But I mean, you didn't, what Darth Maul lacked was the fact that we did get to see the actor's face because you're not going to, and, and no, he looked great, but Ray Park is not the actor of James Earl Jones. No. no. James Earl Jones, you know, it doesn't matter what, you know, who you had behind that fucking mask. James Earl Jones' voice is what did it for that character. Right. You know what I mean? And 
you'd have to have somebody come in there with some real gravitas that could bring something to this character, like this new fucking like Sith apprentice or Sith Lord or whatever, somebody that's going to be imposing and scare us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So, I, I hope it's scary as shit. Yeah. I want a badass, man. Oh, you know what? I'll, okay. I'll talk about this a little bit later. I had another thought that I wanted to bring up. I'll oh. talk about it later. Well, let's go, let's go through some more Latino review news that they had some rumors. Okay. Uh, this is also from Latino review. They say, here comes pure speculation. I'm just going to leave this here. What if Andy Serkis is playing the emperor? Yeah, that's interesting. I could see that, a whole CG emperor, mm-hmm. just some fucking thing, some machination of dark, twisted force. Right. Yeah, yeah come to life. Yeah. That's so. that's really all they said about that. That was just speculation. They just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I think that was just kind of like, uh, you know, if we got this one right, we get it right. If not, we didn't. Yeah. yeah. I that's can't a- picture it, but he's going to have to have his own visual look if it's true. Yeah. They'll, they'll definitely be, well, yeah. they'll definitely give him his own visual look. I mean, you've got the best guy in mocap right now, and you've got some of the best guys behind, uh, you know, CG effects. Yeah, I, it's going to be amazing if they did if they go that route. Yeah. How, how would you like to see it done? Like, I would, I think I would like to see like the opposite of Palpatine, whereas he was like completely hidden in a cloak. I want to see someone who's not afraid to be out there and kind of in your face when you encounter him. Yeah, I still want to see the cloak and something real frightening underneath it. Doesn't necessarily mean that he has to not have a cloak because they all are kind of depicted as having one. Even yeah. Vader's whole outfit is to mimic that. But I mean, it's like kind of shrouded, shrouded in mystery. You know, at least through the prequels where you can't see his face, you only see his nose and his mouth. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not afraid to see what he looks like and i kind of want him to be in your face what if uh what if all this shit about fucking like uh uh just guys i'm just that's all speculation what if all this shit about luke skywalker being gone for the last 30 years and it's a hidden cloak the whole time the cloak comes off and the fucking emperor is fucking mark hamill oh that'd be great (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm I, saying? I, 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 I think Star Wars needs that, that kind a, of reveal a again. Scary looking yeah. Mark Hamill yeah. as your fucking emperor, dude. Yeah, that'd be great if, <laughs> if the twist was Mark Hamill. Maybe not even just maybe not the emperor, but maybe the big bad in disguise. Like you know. Oh, I, I, I mean, Han Solo's been searching for his buddy, and then all of a sudden they come across him at the end of that movie, and boom, it's yeah. Mark Hamill. Look what you found. I yeah. Can't, yeah. I mean, I can't say that it's not possible as far as the lore goes. They said that he was dressed all in black and Jedi to show how he had been touched by the dark side. Yeah. So, I mean, he would have the the capability of going that way. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting theory, <laughs> dude. I'm just coming up with <laughs> theories on the fucking fly, like a motherfucker tonight. Yeah, that's or a good worse, one. What if it's fucking Jar Jar? <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's the thing you said. People gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Latino review. They also went on to say, "I am very happy." Last week we saw. Latino Review outline a bit more of the time in between Return of the Jedi and the start of Episode 7. If the Emperor survived and Darth Vader's mask is in that concept art linked, uh, they had a link of uh, the concept art of his mask, we get we kind of got a false happy ending with the Yub Yub Endor dance. At the end of Return of the Jedi, someone 
absconds. Uh, how, does, how do you pronounce that? That was right, I think. Absconds, yeah. yeah. Absconds with the Luke and possibly the remains of Vader pretty soon after we cut to credits in that film. Luke has been a captive of this person slash team slash group ever since. And it's the search for him that will kick off episode seven. The only problem is Domhnall Gleeson, whose resemblance to Mark Hamill had many theorizing a Skywalker general, uh, general, generational line. Uh, is, is not playing Luke's kid. Luke has no kids. He's been a captive since we last saw him. Poor Luke. What are you saying? I was going to say, that's crazy thinking about about it picking up right after episode six like that. Yeah. With Robin the Vader corpse from the fire. Right. And Luke being on the run. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, they go on to say, who is Gleason going to play? Still no solid idea on that. If I were to guess, I still think the guy looks too much like a young Mark Hamill. So until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume that we're also going to see Luke in the flashbacks we've previously mentioned. Young Luke, question mark? Young Leia? Darth flashback? Sounds like the Inquisitors really obsess over the Skywalker line. I'm not buying that Gleason is playing a Skywalker descendant. I'm not buying that either. I'm thinking uh, if he's going to be playing anybody that's related to anyone, I'm thinking Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. <clears throat> I See, I haven't even been thinking along those lines that he would be like related to anybody. But I guess anything's possible. Yeah, but I'm like, if if out of anybody, I would think it'd be Obi Wan Kenobi if he was. That makes sense to me too. I never once thought Mark Hamill. I feel like neither he, did I. I feel like Mark yeah. Hamill didn't have a wife and kids just by seeing already what he's going to look like in this movie, right? Like I don't think that happened. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so either. Um, we're going to talk about another report that may put that to rest too, but it's all speculation as well. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see here. Um. Uh, here we go. Yeah, the last question was, uh, sounds like the Inquisitors really obsessed over the Skywalker line. And who wouldn't? Darth Plagueis created Anakin out of the midichlorians, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's just, he's like the Jesus of the Force, and I've seen the Da Vinci Code. I know Messiah bloodline searches make a good action movie. Okay, all of that was speculation, but it's a fact Domhnall Gleeson is not playing Luke's son. I bought into that rumor, and now I've learned it's not true, hmm. which I never thought it was. I, yeah, I never bought into that rumor in the first right. place. Other things I'm now concerned about. I don't know if I've been thinking about uh, thinking of Daisy Riddler's character in the right way. She signed on for all three movies of the new trilogy, so she's very important, but I'm not sure exactly who she is anymore maybe a solo sure but like who is she you know yeah yeah i mean um it's interesting because she is going to be interest interacting a lot with boyega's character and from like everything that we've been hearing they're on tatooine um, is she always on Tatooine? Because that makes me believe, okay, like the rumor is John Boyega's character is this dude that was like a, uh, still kind of like part, he, he's like he a, was storm, a stormtrooper, stormtrooper and now he's like reformed and trying yeah, to not be that way anymore. Exactly. So she meets him on that planet on Tatooine. Um, that's what I'm guessing out of all this. Mm. I'm being terrible. I'm eating candy. It's all right. Um, you know what I keep thinking about is how much of this are we just going to know from fucking 
fast food tie-ins before the movie comes out? Are they really going to keep the Shroud of Secrecy up the whole time until the movie comes out? No, I think the toys will be revealed. Some of the toys and characters will be revealed. We'll be able to read some of the backs of these cards on the toys, and that'll tell us a lot. I was wondering I mean, if they were going to back off from that this time. I feel like that's Abrams. Abrams' style isn't to just fucking shit it all over the place like they normally do for Star Wars movies. Yeah, but it's not like we had like real like Star Wars toys, and it's not like we had Cloverfield toys. But this, this is Star Trek. Star- you mean? Star Trek, yeah. What did I say? Star Star Wars. You yeah. said it's not like we had Star Wars yes. toys, and I was like, "What? Star- we had yeah. Shit, tons of them." <laughs> oh no, yeah, I meant Star Trek toys, and it's not like we had like Cloverfield. Toys. They no, they did have Cloverfield toys that were released before the actual Cloverfield movie came out. That's wrong. I wanted to know what the Cloverfield that, monster looked like, yeah. and that's how I saw him. That's the just um. Toy. He, Abrams didn't direct that though. That's true. So. Yeah, but there was, it was a shroud of secrecy on that movie too. Yeah, you're right. I'm just curious if they're going to be a little bit like, cause with Star Wars, I mean, you can always buy the novelization before the fucking movie's out and read yeah. that even. Yeah. yeah. Did, uh, did either you guys see Anna Karenina that he was in? Mm-mm. Thumbnail no. Gleason? Um, I was looking on IMDb trying to kind of get a feel for, you know, who he might look like and anybody who doubts that it. he looks like, um, like a in the same family line as Obi Wan Kenobi, check check that out. Oh yeah, he looks he, just like Obi Wan. Yeah, he's he, dead on. Yeah, he's got the same pretty much beard and facial aesthetic that um, Ian McGregor had in the second one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, he he totally looks like it. So yeah, yeah. I'm eating a slice here, one of these Brock's fruit slices. <laughs> Apologize. Yeah, it's hard not to. But yeah, I'm just curious about that. If um. They're going to try to have a more of a shroud of secrecy this time around than they've ever had before. I would like that. Me too. Yeah. I don't want the video game adaptation to spoil what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I spoiled episode three is I played the fucking PlayStation yeah. 2 game the whole way through. Yeah, you could do that because it launched, what was it, a week before the movie came yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. And if, if you were hardcore, you could fucking blast through it and get to see all the CG scenes. Or not CG scenes, but there was scenes from the movie. There was, yeah, yeah. actually, from from every part of the movie. I yeah. did the same thing. I blasted through that shit in like four fucking days just to see every fucking <laughs> bit of episode three I could. They did right. the same thing with uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Yeah, they did. They yeah. did. Yeah. They weren't as extensive, though. Like, they only had, they didn't have very much footage. They had some, but like, there was a shit ton of episode three footage yeah, in was. that game. Yeah. Yeah, the we first were... scene I saw, the first time I saw Palpatine running down the corridor as the General Grievous' ship was shifting, that was in that game. Oh, there was, yeah, there was a ton of stuff, and it was a ton of stuff that wasn't in the trailers, and it was just like, oh. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, when it starts off, you're Obi-Wan and Anakin mm-hmm. fighting in the hangar bay. And that's pretty fucking bitching because most most of these games start off and you're kind of underpowered and stuff, and you start off right with all the fucking shit. Yeah, I saw Anakin cut Dooku's head off in that video game before yep. I saw the movie. I was like, whoa! Yeah. And that was the part where I said, okay, fuck it, I need to quit playing this game right now and just wait for the fucking movie because I felt bad because I ruined it for myself. I failed that test. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that that was crazy. I just I'm curious. Are they gonna have the episode seven game, and I'm gonna be able to go to Frank's house for four days and set up camp and see as many scenes as possible? Shit. I'm gonna have to make sure that the wife knows she's gonna have to like vacate the premises. Yeah, I'm te- up to this thing. I'm telling you, Frank, I'm not gonna have Xbox One or PlayStation Four. So when that game hits and it's showing me footage of the movie, <laughs> expect a fucking house guest. I'll just come home from work, and Jake's gonna be sitting in my recliner, and be like, "Sup?" I'm like, "Fuck." Yeah. At this point, I suck at video games. I'll need you. 
I'll need you to get that footage for me. This shit, yeah. That, that's all I'm good for is playing that thing so people can see the cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, Frank. It's like Ninja Gaiden back all over again, right? Oh, fuck. That game was so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Ninja Gaiden? Yeah. 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 That game was hard as shit, dude. I yeah, love that I've game. I've never thrown a fucking controller in my life, and there I am at 10 years old fucking chucking a little Nintendo controller across the room. Well, oh, even yeah. the, the Xbox Ninja Gaiden was hard as fuck. Yeah, Ninja oh. Gaiden Black was a bitch. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like the remakes as much as the originals. I would have liked it if they would have toned it down and made it a little bit easier right. for my ass. Oh, yeah. my right. God. That game was tough as fuck. Because they, they talk anymore about how everybody's spoiled because you don't have, like, bad Back in the day, you didn't have like unlimited continues and lives and shit like yeah, you do yeah. now. And you couldn't save like halfway through. You had to get as far as you could on what you were given. And, you know, they've on a few of these, like the Ninja Gaiden one, and then you got Dark Souls that really cranks up the difficulty with real penalties if yeah. you die. Everybody bitches about it, how tough it is. Like, fuck, get better at the game. This dude. is old school Nintendo here, yeah, but, but um, Ninja Gaiden is what Game Genie was made for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mega Man 2 is a bitch, too. Oh, yeah. I'm the Mega God, Man master. Fuck. Me, too. I love Mega Man yeah, 2. I love that shit, too. I can still remember what order. Put that shit in now, and I know what order we got to beat those guys in. I remember I was living in florida and i was told i had to make a decision between getting either a turbo graphics 16 or uh a couple of games for the nintendo including Mega Man 2 and i picked up Mega Man 2 i said fuck that other piece of shit yeah i loved my turbo graphics 16 in the day though. i had one too i eventually got it and i liked it for bonk's adventure i love bonk yeah splatterhouse like a motherfucker that was splatterhouse cool like shit a motherfucker too. too like the uh dude looked like uh um, Jason Voorhees because he had the hockey mask. He was like steroid Jason. But it was all red, man. Yeah. And this is back in, like, there was parts that they had to cut out when they brought that over from Japan because they thought that it was too violent. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah. I want to play the Japanese version now. Well, yeah. <laughs> and all that's kind of shifted now. It's kind of fucked up. Other countries don't let our shit in. Oh, nice, man. And then uh, I can't remember the name of the game, but Naughty Dog that did... That's uh, that fucking Hillary Clinton. She fucked us on that shit, didn't she? That and Joe Lieberman. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the game, but the game was so violent, like it was a fighting game like Mortal Kombat. Mm. You could supposedly rip somebody's arm off and beat them to death with it. (laughs) But this is in the early 90s, and people hadn't seen any of that shit before. It's kind of like when Baby Got Back came out and MTV banned that video, Mm -hmm. and now what you got is ten times worse. Yeah. But there was that shit going on. All right, let's talk about stuff. <laughs> Fuck, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. So you know we've been talking about Daisy Ridley's, Ridley's character, okay? And uh, I'm sorry, I had to get this back on track here. <laughs> um, talking about Bonk's adventure and shit. <laughs> a caveman with a big head that would fucking like knock people out with it. I love that shit though. He Don't used to eat the like jalapenos and spit fire. And <laughs> yeah, dude, I used to love that fucking game. Anyway, uh, Daisy Ridley, we've been talking about her character. Now, they've been filming on uh, Skellig Michael Island. Have you guys heard about this? Mm-mm. Okay, they've been filming on uh, filming on Skellig Michael Island, and two of the actors that they noticed that have been filming on that island were uh, Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill. Hmm. No mention at all of John Boyega. So maybe by these scenes, he is not involved in, in this anymore as I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have no idea where his character goes off to. Maybe he has a disagreement with – maybe he, he is being trained by Mark Hamill. He's and dead. As a disagreement. Maybe he's dead for all we know. So uh, Latino Review goes on to say, I'm starting to feel weird about Skelling, Skelling Michael Island, that pretty place in Cary, Ireland, where they filmed a few days 
in late July with Mark Hamill and probably Daisy Ridley. I'm starting to feel weird about it because they're going back to shoot there in November. Hmm. Local vendors have already been contracted out. And November in Cary does not look like late July in Cary. This landscape will be gray and dark and ugh, what is it? Well, someone's been talking to me and they think they know. Remember how Ain't It Cool News said the working title for episode 7 was, and you brought this up earlier, Frank, an ancient evil. Remember my column two weeks ago about a new dawn and how that's the new book mm-hmm. uh, and how this is all going to be one big story now that Lucasfilm Story Group is uniting with the story world. Remember how the vague idea of the plot of Episode 7 involves Sith witches and a powerful weapon. Mm. Good. Let's rock. I'm hearing Skelling Michael Island is a location for the Sith homeworld. Like in the expanded universe, the Sith were founded by a Jedi who practiced moral relative, uh, relativism thousands of years ago, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. He met up with Plagueis and started going by the Sith name Darth Ruin. Hmm. He split off to unite the Sith tribes under the dark side of the Force. I don't know if all that is going to be in the movie, but it's going to be get. But it's going to get called back as we'll have a new ruin in this movie. Whomever fancies himself the biggest threat, might this be my Sith Inquisitor? Hmm. Never follow a guy called Darth Ruin. Yeah, <laughs> no That's shit. Bad news. I like that name though. It's good stuff. It's scary. Yeah. Um. But it sounds like this Darth Ruin. He might be the big bad in this film, the guy that's uniting these Sith tribes under the dark side of the Force. This might be the guy that this might be this might be the 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 apprentice under Plagueis. Is hmm. is that what you're getting? Because there's he, always two. <clears throat> and so yeah, this might this might be our apprentice. Um, now we at Latino Review know that the Sith homeworld was in the retooled Michael Arndt draft of the script. So this next part might be old info. We're getting pushed back at us, but Skelling Michael Island is the Sith homeworld. The stone hut ruins on that island are a control center, and the planet itself is somehow the weapon. That's no moon. That's no planet. Massive bad things. Now I'm wondering about everything. Are the Sith and the Ruin keeping Luke on their homeworld to power their weapon? Is the Ruin running the show? Who is Ruin? Hmm. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we're seeing the Sith homeworld. I hope that's happening. Yeah. Oof, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting that they're filming there in July. And then also, uh, could that be a, is that a different world? Maybe it's to show time elapsed. Like, time le- elapsed? let's go yeah. with the theory that you just said where Luke is trapped there and his powers are being used to power a weapon. Let's right. go with that theory. Right. Then right. we could be showing it in two different ways to establish how long Luke has been trapped there. Okay. Just throwing that out and there. And then in November where it's dark and dreary, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. We can show them drawn power out of Luke here. We can smash cut to having it look like this just to establish the time that's passed while right. we're draining Luke of all the power. Okay. And just guessing. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, but uh, it's it, it's uh, it's pretty cool, man. I mean, uh, Darth Ruin. Yeah, that's fucked first, up. First yeah. we've heard of that, right? Yeah. Was there a trailer that had a Ruin star on it? <laughs> <laughs> Someone no. spy that yet? I don't know, man. Uh, the, the, uh, Latino Review seems to be getting most of these uh, rumors. But this last rumor kind of – it kind of coincides with some of the rumors that we've heard. But it also contradicts some of the rumors that we heard, and it does not come from Latina Review. And I think this is one of the most interesting rumors that I've read lately. Uh, we've been talking about uh, all these rumors that are saying that Luke has been missing for 30 years. Yeah, that's going all over the place now. Now, if that's uh, not enough for you to sink your teeth into, here's one last rumor that comes to us from thisisinfamous.com. It, it's been pretty well established that Luke Skywalker has disappeared from the scene when Star Wars Episode Seven opens. After all, if Han Solo has to go looking for him with Daisy Ridley and John Boyega's characters, he's definitely off the grid somewhere. Much fan speculation has been built around the idea that it's a rescue mission and that following Luke's victory over the Emperor, he's somehow been captured by the villains of the new film and is possibly being used to help power this super weapon that they have at their disposal. Now, their sources tell, however, my sources tell me that couldn't be farther from the truth and that people have been thinking about this all wrong. From what I've been told, Luke hasn't been missing for full 30 years. Only about 10. With his early time post-Return of the Jedi, being spent rebuilding the Jedi Order. Yeah, Luke had some things to do in order to help get things back on track after the fall of the Empire. In addition, he has grown so powerful with his command of the Force that he can literally move mountains or bring down ships with, a, with merely a glance. But then Luke begins to feel a disturbance in the Force and starts to feel the lure of the dark side. If word about the Emperor's resurgence is true, I believe his presence and desire to court young Skywalker once again is the root of this new evil, because he knows just what a danger he would be if successfully convinced to switch sides. Luke goes into a self-imposed exile and disappears. Mm. But where pulls does a Yoda, basically. But yeah. yes, but where does he go? Where might he possibly set up shop in order to deal with this struggle once again? That place where they that location. Maybe we're back to that. It's an existing planet from the Star Wars saga. He's been before where one might go to contemplate the Force and potentially face down the dark side. Tatooine. Dagobah. Dagobah, oh, gotcha. Sweet. Okay. Luke Skywalker relocates to Yoda's old home planet, and that is where he will be found and reunited with his old lightsaber by friends both old and new. Hmm. He may have to do some renovations if a man of his size wants to live for that length of a time in Yoda's little hut. But if he has such a strong grasp of the Force at this age, sounds like it shouldn't be much of a problem. A couple of shifts of the eye and he'll be all set up. So there you have it. It's much different and less conventional track than most people seem to be on, but a far more interesting one as well. We'll find out on December 2015 if it's truly the real deal. I yeah. like this. 
Yeah, that theory explains why there were there be multiple people with lightsabers already. Right. It, and then also, if Luke's so powerful, why wouldn't they be able to just find him? Well, Yoda himself chose Dagobah because there's so much life on the planet and the force is everywhere. It would be hard to find him there. Yeah, another big rumor is that Dagobah, because of that cave that Luke goes into with all that dark energy, yes, that yes. all that dark energy shields Yoda from the scans of the force and everything gotcha. that that's why he chose Dagobah because of that giant source of dark energy is like a natural shield to sure. his energy. And yeah. then I'm sure that Luke's still in uh commune with the force ghost. So he would have been able to be passed that information along force ghost huddle. <laughs> All right, what are we gonna do here? We're going to go deep with Luke in the end zone. <laughs> All right, guys, like, what are these? What out of these theories? Which one do you like the most? Is it this last one? Yeah, I like yeah, that. I like, I like that, that Luke. One. Luke did some work, trained some Jedi, and then was like, "Fuck, I gotta get the fuck out of here." Right? Well, yeah. Once he found that there's this disturbance, he thought he was doing this for the greater good. Yeah, he was doing this for the greater good. Yeah, he set up shop. Yeah, got some Jedi. <laughs> And now he's like, he's got to get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> I wasn't really thinking too much about this. Exactly. <laughs> I kind of wonder, too, if it doesn't have to do with the fact that he was touched with the dark side. It's kind of like one of those things where once you've dabbled in that a little bit, you can't ever get rid of the taint. So knowing that he would have the propensity to be able to be turned, he would want to you know, vacate and make himself scarce. Yeah, nah, that makes sense to me, too. You know... What I really took away from this too is like how powerful they made Luke sound. He can literally move mountains or bring down ships with merely a glance. That's kind of like the Force Unleashed a little bit. Oh, yeah. What was that character's name? I can't remember. But he himself was a clone. I can't remember of who. But, yeah, they had him have the ability to bring down Star Destroyers just with the Force. I want to see a badass Luke. I want to see a badass motherfucking Luke. I think you're getting that. That I really think so. Okay, these are scenes that I want to see. This is what I envision in Star Wars Episode Seven. They come in contact with Luke. He has been gone for ten years. Okay, nobody's seen him in ten years. Thirty years is a stretch. That's a long time. Yeah. But nobody's seen him in ten years. And he's been on this planet. And his powers since then, I mean, he's been by himself. All he really has been doing is probably connecting with the Force. Probably talking to, like, Force Ghost Yoda and Qui-Gon or whoever. Whatever. Lots of deep meditation. Lots of deep meditation. He's probably on another level now in ten years. You know what I mean? Being by himself. And so they're going to see a more powerful Luke than they've ever seen before. I want to see them come there to this planet and I want to see, like, you know, Han Solo come there, mm-hmm. meet him. They fly out of there. Of course, as soon as they fly out of there, they've got fucking, like, you know, the the bad guys on their tail. So we see some new TIE fighters and shit, right? Yeah. First thing we see is some TIE fighters, and we see Luke behind piloting, like, a fucking X-Wing or something. What I, or, or whatever. Whatever ship he's in, all I want to see him is him piloting this thing and basically just using the force and, like, like TIE fighters are coming at him, him just glancing or doing a simple hand motion and TIE fighters ramming into oh, each other. Oh, that'd be fucking oh, yeah. great. Just, be just great. ramming into each other. Just like just like it's nothing. Just like he's batting away fucking flies. Like, yeah. It could be cool like if his uh, droid uh, co-pilot 
is, is like telling him something about how, well, you need to put something on the front shields. I don't need anything on the front shields. It's just using the force to like move the blaster shots away. Yeah, while like he's deflectors, flying. Using, yeah. making deflectors with his own exactly. power. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be great. I kind of want to see Mark Hamill be a little bit eccentric nuts too at yeah. this point. Yeah. Like being exiled by himself. Like Yoda, I feel like Yoda was kind of that way. You're onto something, absolutely. Being goofy with the flashlight absolutely. and being goofy with the, all the stuff. And yeah. we know that Mark Hamill has evolved as an actor, exactly. I mean, with right. his voice acting and things like that. Yeah, we can. I can definitely see that him being more of an eccentric type of character, mad with power. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Although Yoda was only really that weird while he was trying to figure out who Luke was. As soon as he, you know, as soon as he was like testing him a little bit. He was back to being normal, stoic. True point. And I I think Mark Hamill can do those highs and lows, too. He can be very eccentric and then all of a sudden very serious. But you're going to be a little weird when you haven't been around people in, you know, 10 to 30 years. Uh, Yeah. And, yeah, but, you know, we've seen it, too, with Obi-Wan. He wasn't really weird. And he was isolated for how long? 2018? Yeah, Obi-Wan's kind of a stick in the mud, though, when it comes to that well, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I think Mark Hamill knows how to have a little bit more fun. Do you, do you think he'd be whiny again? Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the difference between Sir Alec Guinness yeah. and well, Mark Hamill. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? Right. He, Mark, Mark Hamill, we know, like Brian said, because of the voice acting stuff, he, he can, he can pull the goofy. He can get, he right. can get really crazy with it. Yeah. And I would like to see that. I'd like to see some of his voice acting talent. And his talent. fans want to see that too. Yeah, I want to see Mark Hamill go. That's why I kind of was smiling when you were bringing up the idea of maybe Mark Hamill being the big bad. I was like, ooh, Mark Hamill getting to talk in evil bad guy voice. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. yeah, I like that. I hope we figure out whether whether it's he's the big bad or whether it's, you know, he's just a Jedi that's gone a little bit mad hatter. I, I want to see. Yeah. I don't see any reason why they can't incorporate all of it. Yeah. I, I think Mark Hamill. I'm really excited to see Mark Hamill. Yeah, absolutely. It's not going to be cookie cutter. It's not going to be what you'd expect. Yeah. I think this movie could really rejuvenate Mark Hamill's career. I think I he could so. get a lot of a lot of acting roles outside of Star Wars if he really turns it up here. And he has every avenue to do that now. Everybody's going to be watching this movie. I think right. Star Wars Episode Seven could be Mark Hamill's Pulp Fiction to as it was to John Travolta. Yeah, it could definitely be like uh, his No Country for Old Men for Josh Brolin. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's crazy that it would be yet again Star in Star Wars. Wars. Star Wars that made him famous, and yeah. it would be Star Wars yet again that jumpstarts his career. Yeah. I love Mark Hamill. I do too. So yeah, this is the first time I've gotten anyone excited about um, the classic people being in the Star Wars movies is this talk, honestly. Well, you know, I mean, that's a lot of great rumors coming out. Yeah. A lot of great rumors, a lot of great theories. I think we've all had some really good theories about like where this movie should go. Yeah. You know, I, it's hard to get excited about the new characters though. We don't yeah. know what to expect from John yeah. Boyega. We don't know expect from, you know, Kira, Kira, Daisy release character. We don't know what to expect from them, but like, yeah, like as far as like, I'm more excited about Mark Hamill than I am Han Solo. Oh, I'm point. me oh, yeah. too. Ten thousand times more excited. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Absolutely, absolutely. His character sounds like he's going to be so interesting. And from those pictures that we have seen, the beard does look a little bit unkempt. It does look like he's been held captive. Yeah, right, and we've yeah. grown up with Harrison Ford for Christ's sakes. He's never yeah. gone away. Right. right. Well, you know what I'm saying. We we've seen a Harrison Ford movie every other year since yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Mark Hamill's kind of gone away. Yeah. Like other than the voice acting, we have. 
haven't really seen him in shit. Yeah. So he's kind of the unknown right. element in yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. Far. So it's like, wow, it's crazy. I ne- Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker again. And I kind of fought against it for a long time when it was first announced, you know. And right. I'm really now starting to embrace how amazing this could be. This is, is – is, I'm thinking like from all the rumors that we're hearing now, some of these rumors are really, really fucking cool. Yeah. And I'm starting to think that we could have a really good movie with some great twists on our hands that, that will just blow us away. I think once we leave the theater that night, hopefully we're going to be just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. It, it, whether it's episode seven, whether it's episode eight. It doesn't matter. Mm. One of these movies, I think, is just we're just going to walk away from and just be like, "Holy fucking shit!" As there was at some point this week where I was just kind of daydreaming about um, seeing the trailer for the first time when we finally get to see it, you know? Yeah. And I was right. like, "Jesus, we're going to have like a two-hour podcast or longer where we're just talking about that goddamn two and a half minute spot. Absolutely. We're, Absolutely. we're not going to be able to shut up after we yeah. see that." And kind of conversely, I mean, we get to see these little spy photos of the Batmobile and that, and we're like looking at it and stuff. Yeah. And then you see these spy photos of like the half a Millennium Falcon and I see that and I'm like fuck yeah yeah well the Millennium Falcon doesn't look like a Michael Bay fucking Transformer either <laughs> so it gets you excited and then yeah. you got that one with the uh, blue X-Wing the darker colored X-Wing yeah the Millennium Falcon that's the most serious fucking vehicle out there right. if you ask me yeah. and the best I'm glad that it's not modified to all high holy hell it's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Well, Han Solo modified it to all holy hell. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> trying to fuck with the uh, the visual concept of the ship. Yeah. I'm sure it'll have a few new tricks up its sleeve. Tricks are good, but I mean like just the visual aesthetic yeah. of the ship. Yeah. It doesn't have neon lights. Right. A lot of great Star Wars news. I'm glad that we did wait to do this because um, – you know, I mean, I think the last couple of weeks we kind of ran out of time. I'm glad we got the time to devote it this week. I want to end the show on um, our roundtable question, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. We had a roundtable question. We asked it on Facebook. Um, the question was, will comic book movies burn themselves out with audiences at the rate Hollywood is making them? So I want us to um, – I mean we had some really great um, responses from listeners, a lot of great responses. Yeah. I want you guys to like look through those responses and see which ones that you kind of like relate to the most and agree with the most. Um, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of time to look at those. I'm going to pause for a moment. I, I can blab on a bit if you don't want to pause. No, go ahead. Yeah, please. Um, I saw a lot of people bring this up during the comments, um, more than one person, and it's kind of two different things. It's kind of like – the question of will comic book money movies continue to go on and continue to be such a success is kind of twofold to me. It's, it's two different things. It's the superhero genre and it's comic book movies. I kind of see them a little bit as two separate entities. Sure. I think if one dies out, the other one is still going to continue on. Maybe we'll get to a point where it's like, Ah, superhero movies. We just can't take another one, you know? We've seen 8,000 origin stories, and they're coming out with 20 a year. I can really see the whole thing kind of burning out because we overdo it. But I don't think comic book movies and movies based off of graphic novels and graphic stories are ever going to go away. You know, I think they're going to continue no matter what. They're always... There's so much innovation going on there and so much storytelling, and they're covering so many different type of genres. I mean, from movies like Ghost World to Road to Perdition, you know, 
all kinds of different stuff that you don't even think of as a comic book movie. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. And there's all, there's always going to be movies based off of the graphic medium. I think the bigger danger is are we going to burn out the superhero okay, genre? Then let's make that our focus. Okay. Yeah. Because I think you've kind of like eliminated that because I think there's enough stories to pull from with image comic books and things like that coming out. Exactly. We're always, always going to have something. Exactly. I think, the, but there is a potential. Let's talk about let's talk about the you know capes and cows okay let's exactly. talk about those types of movies are those movies ever going to burn out I, th- I think they very well could a, I, a story as long as it is coherent and good i think it will succeed no matter what whether you have somebody in a cape or a cow if we start getting a whole load of shit, somebody just trying to sign in, you know, like, oh, we've got this, or we've got that, and it's just a crap movie. If we get inundated with a bunch of that, it's going to taint the genre, and people are going to get scared to go back to the theater. I agree with that, Frank. I think it goes kind of both ways. I think even if it gets burnt out, we're still going to see one really great, great one every now and again. Right. You know, it's never going to completely go away, and we're never going to completely turn against it. But I think we might turn against giving five plus a year of them so much money that it may kind of have to dilute itself down. And that's kind of the thing is it all comes down to the money that they're making. Yeah. While they're still doing gangbusters, you're still going to get all these films. But the problem there and usually lies and everybody starts seeing where the money's coming from. I'm waiting for the torrent of shit films to start coming out where people just slap scripts together and there's no real effort behind it. It's not a good story. I think that's already happened. Yeah. I think those days have already happened. You think those are behind us? I think those are behind us. I think as long as you have heads of uh, these uh, movie studios like Lauren Schuler Donner over at Fox and you've got Kevin Feige, if you've got those kind of people in place that are doing the movies that they're doing now, I think we're in good hands. I think those shit movies are behind us. I think the Tank Girls are behind us. Mm-hmm. I think the old Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren's behind us. Mm-hmm. I think that shit is behind us. Even the old X-Men stuff, which kind of like booted all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think those types of movies are behind us. I do, for the most part. I think most studios are catching on now. Um, Fox and, 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 of course, Marvel Studios being the pioneers. Sony's got a little bit of catching up to do. But I think those shit movies are behind us. I think that Hollywood realizes that if you do pander to a general audience, but at the same time give the comic book fans a little bit of what they want, you've got a successful movie, a movie that will make money, and that's what they want to do is make money. Throwing together a movie called The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren and having the only connection to that fucking movie being him throwing a knife at a villain and there being a skull at the end of that blade. (laughs) That's the only connection to him being the fucking Punisher is a cop out. That is not a fucking Punisher movie. That shit is behind us. Movies now, we are getting the costumes that we've wanted to see in most of these Marvel films. We are getting the stories that we want to see. We're getting Infinity Gauntlet here Mm -hmm. coming up very shortly. You know, people are wanting to see Civil War, even though we're probably not going to, because you can't incorporate all the characters that were needed to make that story complete. But, you know, that's what people are clamoring for. I think we'll still get it. We saw the Winter Soldier. Okay, one of the best runs that Ed Brubaker ever did. 
We saw that now. They are pulling from some of the best comic book stories. We have – DC has 75 years <laughs> of comic book stories to pull from. Yeah. Marvel has 50, 60 years of right. comic book stories to pull from. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to read two of these right now. I might read more later. But Andres Hoffer says, I feel like comic book movies have become their own genre, and it will fluctuate like any other genre. When the Saw series became a success, we got Hostel and a bunch of other torture porn knockoffs. When the horror genre went through its found footage phase, same thing. We may not see as many big Marvel DC, but there will always be some sort of comic book movie coming out. And then Jared uh, Gafford says, "I uh, and he's the host of the Joe Schmo comic show. Listen to that. It's another other good podcast that's out there. But Jared Gafford says, I don't see it flaming out anytime soon. It has become its own genre, and it's not limited to just being uh, the big two of Marvel and DC. You've also got movies like Kick-Ass, Sin City, and Snowpiercer, to name a few. The fact of the matter is, is that some of the best stories ever written are in form of comic books and graphic novels. And as long as these writers continue to give us amazing stories, they will continue being made into movies. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, it's a comic book movie. If a comic book movie comes out, we are all going to see it. I would love to see more of the independent comics made into movies like some titles from Image. How sick would a Black Science or Deadly Class movie be? That is all. Now, guys, that's the thing. It's he's They're talking about these comic book movies have become its own genre, but – in the genre, the genre has become its own genre. Not only did we get a Thor movie that was a magic, mystical, Asgardian movie that dealt with fantasy, but on the flip side, you get a spy thriller with the Russo brothers doing the Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Then we get a cosmic space Star Wars movie with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Then you get a technology-based movie uh, with uh, Iron Man. Each of these movies has their own feel to them. It right. is the not the same comic book movie. Marvel's got it down. Yeah. Now let's see if Fox Studios can get this formula down. And Time Warner. And yeah. Time Warner. Um, those are both great points. I really like, um, like, and Jared and Emily Gaffer really touched on what I was touching on, that no matter no matter what, we're going to still see this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Andres Hoffer makes a good point with um, comparing it to the horror genre, and that's kind of what I was kind of trying to say. Like, there was a time where, like, we just got tons of horror movies every year, and then we kind of got burned out on them, and they kind of get away a little bit, and then all of a sudden you get another influxation, or, you know, a big boost of these again. But they're not going away. Yeah, I, I still see some maybe possibly in the next 10 to 20 years it, it backing down a little bit. They're not being a dozen superhero yeah, but movies we're still, that year. we're still getting movies like Sinister. Yeah. And they're still making money. Oh, horror, horror. yeah, for sure. But it's still not as, like, there's not as much out there as there was at one point. Like, the market was flooded with horror movies at one point, and it's not quite like that anymore. But I think those are all very focused and concentrate on one or two primary things. Yeah. And what, like what Brian was saying, the horror movies have evolved. Yeah. From found footage to sometimes, like, the, even the Saw movies where it was the right. torture porn. That's what I'm saying is the comic book movies can evolve. They don't all have to be just like capes and cows, super spy thriller, Captain America, yeah. uh, right, exactly. Star Wars based movie. Frank, they I'm cover, cutting you off. I'm no, sorry. I'm just they, passionate about this. They cover the gamut. It's not like they focus only on one specific area. I mean, The Walking Dead came from a comic. Um, 
and George Romero movies. Well, yeah. Well, you, you... <laughs> <laughs> I mean directly, of course. But um, yeah, I'm sorry. And, no, that's okay. A good story is a good story. I like it when you do it to somebody else, not me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Anytime I mention Kevin Smith or Man of Steel, I get pissed. But when, but when Frank says something and you do it, it's funny. <laughs> a good story is a good story no matter where it came from. And because they do cover such a broad range, yeah. I, I think that as long as there are these stories being put out there, regardless of whether they're in the form of a graphic novel or a monthly comic or whatever – they're going to make that jump and they're going to be successful because a good story is always a good story. I think you both make a great point. I think what the, and I think you've both said this in different ways, but how the superhero genre excels over all the other genres, dramas, horror movies, comedies, science fiction movies, is that the superhero genre can also be these genres and more than one at the same time. Right. And it can be any combination of every other genre there is and still be a superhero movie, which just makes it the most versatile genre of films we've ever had. Right. Right? I mean, like the whole video store is underneath the superhero genre in that way you know where do you where do the fuck do you put these movies on the shelf when you're separating it by action drama comedy science fiction right you know right. and i i think that's a very good point that you both make that it's like maybe these won't burn out because there's just an infinite well of material to draw from and an infinite amount of styles to make the movie you're not limited like the horror genre or the comedy genre right or the action movie genre yeah, the, the science, you know, the superhero genre can be all those genres at the same time. So I think it's a great point that you both make. Let's just listen to the. Let's listen to just like the regular comic book fan. Okay, here's Derek Alonzo. Uh, Derek Alonzo Dacia. He says, "I will never get tired of them, even if they made one a month. As long as they are well done, I'd still go see them." You yeah. know what I mean? That's just the comic book fan. I mean, and and he's also saying if the quality's there, he's going to go see him no matter what they put out. Even if we see one once a month, he's willing to see this. Yeah, here's a here's a point that a, a listener wrote that I kind of disagree with is um James Yielding says the more they scrape the bottom of the barrel for C-listers, the more likely they are to burn everyone out. I fully expect to see a Dazzler movie in a few years. I think Guardians of the Galaxy has proven the exact opposite. That, and Iron Man. Yeah, it's it's fueling the fire, taking these C names and making them in, into bigger. Because Iron Man wasn't like the face before. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And Okay. And we can also take the fact that let's look at the Quicksilver scene. Yeah. Was Quicksilver somebody that somebody was excited about seeing in Days of Future Past? Right. Yeah. No, not at all. No, he was definitely in my opinion kind of like a d-list character coming into that especially being attached to that film with brian singer who has not always been like the best director as far as these x-men movies go in a lot of people's opinions and some people agree that some people love x-men one x-men two yeah some people do some people do but like for me i was i was like oh my god fucking air uh you know like evan peters i like him but like he's look at the outfit oh like, the hardy's commercial the had hardy's, me just shaking right. the hardy's commercial but now i'm more i'm i'm so not interested in seeing aaron taylor johnson mm -hmm. as quicksilver i think it's all in how they portray these characters like you know a lot, I, I personally 
even though it's Lauren Schuler Donner as the the head of this Fox Studios thing, and I've got full trust in her. And it's interesting that Kevin Feige came out of that camp. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. Kevin Feige was like working on those X Men movies. Yeah. And now he's with Marvel Studios. It's interesting that, you know, both studios are doing really good right now. Yeah, he obviously learned a lesson or two yes, while doing that. Absolutely. And, but, but oh, you know, sorry. the thing is, I'm still worried even though, like, a Gambit movie, even with Channing Tatum. Yeah. How, how are they going to do that? But on the flip side, I can look at, like, how they did Quicksilver. Can they give Gambit the same kind of, like, cool factor that they gave Quicksilver. Can you do a whole Gambit movie? And in all actuality, Gambit, to me, is not the most interesting character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and who's to say if you had two full hours of Quicksilver that by the end of that you wouldn't give a fuck either? True. Right. I, I mean, and I wanted to really quick apologize to James Yielding. I wasn't trying to take a... I wasn't trying to disagree with you, but you took jabs at Dazzler, and she's my girl. <laughs> I, I want a fucking Dazzler movie, so don't don't make jokes like that. Ouch. <laughs> they can update Dazzler. Dazzler can be cool. How dare you call Dazzler a C-lister that's the end of comic book movies? <laughs> like on the same thing, too, from the Harry Potter series. Now, we then that transitioned into movies, too. And that deals with magic. Yeah. And it came from – That's a uh, whole other subject to me. Well, right. That's the novelization. Yeah. I get I get mad that they started <laughs> the movies before they finished the books. I feel like they – the big like magic there was they got all these people to read and use their imagination. And before we could even get to the fifth book, we're fucking – now when you read it, you see Daniel Radcliffe. It's like, wow, good job getting everyone to read and then put the book down and wait for the movie. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. That always made me mad. Just it was going to make money whenever. I they, they just say, oh, we have to strike when the iron's hot. We have to ruin everyone's imagination. Hurry up and make these movies. Yeah, I get you with that. Uh, Frank, reading. Have you read any of these? Is there anybody that you kind of like, kind of uh, connect with, and say like, oh yeah, I, I, that's where I'm coming from too. Um, I hadn't really looked at them before. Now I kind of tried to stay away with it from it. You know, that way I could make sure I spit out my own opinion. Um. Well, I'm going to read one here while you're looking. You know, John Malone, he says, I don't think we can, I, I don't think we get enough comic book films. It's like they make the ones that, that'll make a splash in pop culture. Like, he's absolutely right. I mean, mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, did that, or did that not make a huge splash in pop culture? That's changed pop culture. I think, I think that's going to be like, you know, like, uh, what is it? Um, uh, DC's not talking about doing a Legion of Superheroes. Of movie. course they are. Because yeah. that's like the closest thing that they have to Guardians of the Galaxy. To science fiction, space exactly. drama. Yeah. Exactly. And they sure as fuck not going to try to make um, a Green Lantern space yeah, drama. We didn't hear this announcement before Guardians of the Galaxy dropped. Yeah. Now we are. And that is 100% because of Guardians of the Galaxy. It has made a huge splash in pop culture. Totally. And I think it is going to change the way that some of these studios are making movies. I think all these studios would be it would benefit them to look at Guardians of the Galaxy as how they did that movie. Not to mention Guardians of the Galaxy, but fucking Episode 7, too. So Time Warner wants to get a slice of that space drama pie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Uh, Gus Hoontight says, it's inevitable. Hollywood goes through cycles, and eventually we'll, we will run this well dry as well. Hopefully it's not in my lifetime. I would love to see more, but I'll take the current schedule laid out with a few throw-ins here or there. If you build it, they will come. If they keep bringing in cash, they will keep making them. Yep. Money walks bullshit, or was it money walks bullshit talks? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Money talks bullshit Money talks bullshit walks. As long as people keep buying tickets, we'll keep seeing it. That's why we've seen four Transformers, Transformers. Michael Bay movies. Yeah. Yuck. Ryan Drost from Star Joe says, it's a genre at this point. Like westerns, action movies, romantic comedies, etc. If done well, an audience will go see it. If not, then the movie will flop. I don't see anything at this point making studios say that it's a genre that needs to go away for a little while. And ultimately, audiences are showing that they want more. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I've heard of no one complaining that there's too many out. If it's a bad one, then we forget about it and, and, you know, it goes away. Did you guys know they made a Jonah Hex movie? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just making a joke. Wasn't it a pile of horse shit? <laughs> side, another, another film Megan Fox ruined. <laughs> but kind of like on that vein, we've got uh, Darren Odewalt who says it's already started, Ant-Man, but that's not out. We don't know that that's a train wreck or a bad movie. He yet. might just be like – he might just be like uh, – I don't know uh, – Falling for the hype that Edgar Wright's not involved in right, it, so it's going right. to be a pile of shit. Yeah, it does kind of sound like that to me. Like yeah, yeah. he's on the Ant Man hate train for no reason, yeah. right? But I, I mean that. He, but we don't know that. Yeah, we don't know what what kind. I know of him personally. Stuff. That's okay. what's going. That's what's is going it, on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jeffrey Tuhig kind of touches on a little bit what I did. He says it will happen sooner or later if they put out movies in the caliber of Spider Man. Uh, Days of Future Past remains a surprise from Singer after the last outing he had. I still find Iron Man 3, uh, an A-list movie and a confusing mess, and then they came back with Winter Soldier and Guardians. The trick may be to move away from mainstream and farm the deep field of other characters. In that sense, like what I was saying, if they start churning out crap just to churn out crap, kind of like what they were starting to do with Iron or Man, Iron Man 3, in my opinion. Like it's I don't think their thin. goal was to churn Frank, out don't crap. get me upset again. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going ag- to agree with you. Frank, they weren't churning out crap to churn out crap. Iron Man 3 was a big-budget film. I think that they did... I, I think that they did want to put out a good movie. It's just whether you responded to it or you didn't. It was not as divisive as Man of Steel. It's not so cut and dry as to whether people just hated it or liked it. Some people just – some people hated it like me. Some people liked it like Jake. And then there's other people that loved it. And to be fair, it made a shit ton more money than Man of Steel. Well, what I'm saying is like he's saying to delve deeper into the well. I would rather see – more new properties pop up like Guardians, like Ant-Man, than to see four and five of Iron Man. You know what I mean? Don't beat us over the head with the same character. And that's what we're getting. Yeah, spread it out. Yeah, but every big story in the Marvel Universe always revolves around certain characters. Captain America, Nick Fury. You know, I mean, Thor is always involved. I really think we will see event movies. I think, I still think this is all leading to more event movies than so, it'll be Marvel's Infinity Gauntlet, Marvel's Civil War, Marvel's whatever the fuck. They're doing a lot of stage setting with all the films. Marvel's Secret Wars, Marvel's Clash of the Champions. It's gonna be, I think we're gonna see more of that than we're gonna see Thor 5 and Iron Man 6. Right. So, that's just my guess. 
Well, and when we do see these characters like Captain America and Thor, it'll be for these event films. Yeah, yeah. Or just bit roles in the other in the other stuff. Yeah. You I know, mean, we've heard talk of Hulk and Guardians right. and just goofy stuff like that. When is it going to get to be too much, though? I mean, when is it going to get to the point where we've got too many characters to work into an event film? Is it going to get to that point? Like, where they, they've introduced Black Panther. They've introduced Captain Marvel. They've introduced the Inhumans. They've introduced the Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got all the Avengers. We've got Ant-Man. Is it going to be too much to introduce all these characters together in a film? Is it just going to be too much, like, budget-wise, dialogue-wise? I mean, is it going to get to that point? The poster looks like a fucking George Perez cover for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Exactly. How do we fit all these names on here? Exactly. I feel like Marvel Cinematic Universe almost is going to have to have a DC-level crisis of Infinity Earths at one point to wipe the whole thing fucking clean. Yeah. It's like, at some point, they're just going to have so much stacked upon so much that they're going to have to say, okay, okay, we right. need Iron Man 1 again. Right. But the big question here is, like, the comic book genre, you know, as far as, like, capes and, and cows and stuff like that, do you guys think that it's going to go away, that it's going to burn itself out, or do you think that this is something that's here to stay? It's here to stay for at least 50 more years in our for our lifetime, for sure. Oh, for a while, anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a good story is a good story. And Guardians, they don't even have capes or cowls. Have rom coms go away? No. I have no. Seriously, have women have women stopped obsessing about rom coms? Have guys stopped? Even some guys stopped obsessing about rom coms. No. 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 Have uh, have people stopped? Have people stopped stopped going to see science fiction movies? Mm-hmm. Like when Prometheus came out, uh, uh, did people just like, no, I'm not going to go see it? Yeah, right. but no, I mean- no. Have guys ever stopped obsessing about superheroes? No. No, they haven't. So if you give us a good trailer, if you give us good casting, if you give us uh, if you give us a good trailer and you give us good casting, there's a good chance that I'm going to go see it. Yeah. And I don't see that changing from generation to generation. Yeah. I think another thing superhero movies have going for them is they go hand-in-hand hand with new technology breakthroughs in filmmaking. Yeah. What better way to display the new computer effect you thought of? Right. Than You're not going to do that in a rom-com. You're yeah. not going to do that in a comedy. You're going to do it in a superhero movie. Absolutely. You're going to show your new special effects, you know? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting topic. I don't think it's a fad. I don't think it's going away. I think it's here to stay. I think people for the last 75 years have been obsessed with Batman and Superman. I don't think they're going away anytime soon. I don't think Spider-Man's going away. I think that this is ingrained in our culture. I think this is something that people are going to want to see for many years. Um, you just have to get the right people behind these movies, get the right stories out there. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that I think is here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. I agree. Agreed. All right. I've been living off fruit slices for the last four and a half hours. Yeah, let's wrap it let's up. Let's get some real food in, in our bellies. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. I had a great week. This is fun. I had a good, this is a fun episode. It was a fun episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Later, Army. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. 
But I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the left Picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers. All right. Hey, at the beginning of the podcast, I po- I promised Basil that I would uh, re- read your question and try to answer your question. So um, I'm recording this the next morning. So um, let's see here. Basil, your question was, hey, guys, so I finally came around to watching Snowpiercer. I seriously would not have known about this movie if it wasn't for you guys. And I want to say thank you for that. This is a crazy, weird, good movie. A great story. You never know what's going to happen next. So many unexpected events or history uh, kept coming out of nowhere. And Chris Evans did a great job. I enjoyed it a lot. But I got a question. Are we supposed to assume that everybody on the train died at the end except the girl Yona and that little boy Tim? I was just curious. Thanks again. And keep the, mo- and keep the movie reviews and recommendations coming. Leftover Soldier Basil. All right, Basil. Like, I I saw the movie, and I have I have not seen I have not read the um, graphic novel, so I don't know if there's differences from 
you know, the movie to the graphic novel. And uh, I, I was left with the same questions of you, uh, that you had. And, but, uh, you know, I saw that there was life out there with, uh, with the, you know, the polar bear at the end. So that was a reveal. But so I had to do some searching to find an answer because I really I had no clue. Uh, I was left with the exact same questions as you. So I found out director uh, Bong Joon-ho, uh, gosh, I can't say this name, director Bong Joon-ho, he talked with Vulture uh, about this very subject, and here's what he had to say. They have no memory of what it's like to be on the Earth. For them to procreate, it's going to take a little time. So for me, it's a very hopeful ending, but those two kids will spread the human race. I don't really feel everyone must die. I hope there were other survivors who lived through the avalanche. I just didn't have the means to shoot that. You realize later on that the kids are the ones keeping this engine going and this machinery intact. The engine is itself is the engine it is itself is on its way to extinction along with cigarettes and other goods. Extinction is a repeated word throughout the film. Outside the train, life is actually returning. It's nature that's eternal and not the train or the engine, as you see with the polar bear at the end. So, I mean, that's that's the quote directly from the director. So I guess, you know, I could have tried to speculate, you know, like if there were other people. But with the director coming out and giving the answer, I feel that that is a little bit more definitive than any other answer I could give you, uh, Basil. So... Uh, that's what I got for you, man. I uh, hope that answered your question. Um, all right, guys. Have a great week. Bye.